What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. I am joined with the Guru and Timmy from SC Playbook. Make sure to follow them both on Instagram and Facebook at Rugby League Guru and SC Playbook One, or subscribe to their podcast on all good podcasting app. SC Playbook and Rugby League Guru, as usual, brought to you by Bloke in a Bar. Thank you for everyone that made the Magic Round weekend so incredible. Huge announcement: Origin Game One. We are doing a live show at the Locker Room Hotel at ANZ, now known as a core stadium, for Origin Game 1. It is the Locker Room Hotel. It is right outside the stadium. You can literally walk. It's like 50 metres away. You can see the stadium right there. As you walk off the train, it's just on your right there. We're doing a huge live show, a huge live show, the first ever Bloke Origin live show. So uh, that'll probably start around 5 o'clock, but obviously we'll give you the details closer to the date. So make sure to be there. It's going to be a massive, massive event for us, guys. One of the big, it's really the biggest event we've ever done. Plus, set your diaries aside. Huge announcement coming at 6 p.m. on June 6. That is the first week, the Origin One week on the Monday at 6 p.m. June 6. We've got the biggest announcement in blokes history. So be there on the internet, Instagram, Facebook for the announcement. Um, also, we're now in all celebrations, Bottle Porter's Liquors. Porter's Liquor and IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT at a discounted price. Make sure to get into one of them. As I've always said, guys, if we do really well in New South Wales and ACT in celebrations, Bottolo, Porter's Liquor or IGA Plus Liquor, they will put us nationwide in all those stores. It will literally change the trajectory of bloke. It'll be able to make this sports network even bigger. It'll be huge for us as a community. So make sure to get into uh, those stores. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby! Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. I mean, weekend done and dusted. Magic Round gets better every single year. It is honestly becoming one of my favourite weekends. So much so that the game for me isn't as good as Origin, obviously. Obviously. But the weekend for me is just as fun because it's it's just a different vibe. You know, Origin is very like state versus state, you know, fuck you, hate you, this, that, the next thing, mate versus mate. Whereas Magic Round truly is like, even if I don't like that footy side, I'm here to have fun, here to watch a bit of footy. How you going, Gurino? Going good, mate. Didn't get up to Magic Round myself, but I was very jealous watching from home. It looked like an unreal weekend. It was so good. What about yourself, Timmy? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, It's an awesome concept, isn't it? Like, just the fact... You watch a Cowboys and Tigers game and Tua Lung, you'll do this mad try assist, throwing the ball back in from the field, and there's a Canberra fan in the background going berserk and that. As you said, there's there's not rivalries there, it's just ever enjoying rugby league for what it is, and that's a bloody good sport. Yeah, absolutely. Except for the fucking Derricks in the crowd fighting. Oi. If you're fighting in a crowd, you're a fucking idiot, okay? It's so cringe. Uh, anyway, outside of that, that was the one blemish on the weekend. Um, but outside of that, it was absolutely incredible. The vibe was great. The turnout was great, especially considering the weather. Could you imagine if there, w- there was sunny the whole weekend, like it was a couple of years ago? Yeah, it would have been fucking full house constantly. Because um, I think the average was about 40,000 people. So incredible weekend. And I think the NRL deserves a massive rap in the city of Brisbane because... Even even the city of Brisbane, when you go there, you can't like you walk into your room and there's like Powerade saying, you know, hope you enjoyed your magic round, with a note saying like hope you enjoyed the magic round rah rah. Like the whole city is just everywhere you look, there's footy jerseys. It's fucking amazing. So absolutely loved it. Thank you to everyone that turned out for the meet and greet. It was uh yeah, it was crazy. It was it was really, really crazy. So I really appreciate people um sitting in line for two and a half hours. Just to say, hey, I just, yeah. Mate, speaking of jerseys, 
on the TV, they were everywhere. The I, I know. It was insane. Well, I couldn't believe like, I it. I got bored of pointing them out yeah. to my mates just because yeah. it was just every shot. The first crazy. few times you saw like, whoa, fuck yeah, whoa, fuck yeah. <laughs> and then after a bit, you're like getting used to it and that, and you're like almost like, I can't believe how much they stood out. Like, I cannot believe how much they stood, how many people were sending it to me, pictures on them, and how many different networks were like showing it. So, yeah, I mean, just as bloke as a community, it was such a big week. Maybe that's why I like it as much as, you know, not as much as the game's origin, but just the vibe. I don't know. It was just such a great weekend for the bloke community. So thank you so much for everyone that purchased a bloke shirt, wore it at the, at the grounds, whether it was a jersey or a T-shirt, and everyone that turned up to the meet and greet. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, speaking of origin, speaking of origin, bloke will be doing a live show. Origin, game one at the Locker Room Hotel outside ANZ, now known as a core stadium. That is right. We will be doing a live show at the Locker Room Hotel. The Locker Room Hotel is literally the closest pub to the ground. You cannot miss it as you're walking to the ground. You can see the ground from it. It's like 100 metres, not even 100 metres. Let's say like 50 metres away, the entrance is uh, to the Locker Room Hotel. We will be doing a live show there before game one. It doesn't get any better than that. A live bloke show reviewing previewing the game if you walk out of just so people know if you when you get off the train it's just immediately to your right yeah that's get off the, the train the it's yeah you literally walk out it's the locker room hotel is on your right so it's it's close as anything so make sure to get down to the locker room hotel for the show i'm thinking that the start time will be around five o'clock six o'clock at the latest we will be previewing our origin we'll be talking all things footy it will be a fantastic night it's going to be a huge night for bloke um, so make sure to be there. The Locker Room Hotel, game one for Origin. We will be doing a live show and obviously saying hello to everyone. Uh, it's yeah, it's going to be the biggest night in blokes' history, put it that way. That's how much effort we're going to be putting into this night. So Origin game one, make sure to be there. It's going to be a historic night and hopefully we can make it a yearly thing. Uh, also, put your diaries, put something in your diaries for 6 p.m. June 6th. That's the Monday of Origin 1, 6 p.m. June 6th. We have the biggest announcement in the history of blog, the biggest announcement in the history of blog at 6 p.m. on the Monday, so 6 p.m. June 6, we have a huge bloke announcement. So set your alarms, 6 p.m. June 6. Uh, also, we are now in every single celebrations, Bottolo, Porter's Liquor, and IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. That's right. Every single celebrations, Bottolo, Porter's Liquors, IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT at a discounted price as well. So make sure to get into them uh, and grab a case of bloke in a bar. 12 stores in Spotlight. Caxton Hotel on tap. It was selling crazy, like hotcakes at the Caxton Hotel on the weekend. So thanks for that. Harry Brown's Liquor Barn at Eaton Hill Hotel, Stafford, uh, Stafford Tavern, Newtel, Newtown Hotel Toowoomba, Louis Liquor Barn Cairns, drive through at Rocklear Hotel Brisbane, Celebrations Gringilla, uh, Gringilla, the Icon Wollongong on tap, Top Drops Rosemore, Casino Liquor, Royal Hotel Orange, Molly Mook Gold Club, Great Northern Hotel Chatswood. All done and dusted, guys. As I said... Game one origin, bloke live, be there or be square, plus Monday 6pm, huge announcement, uh, origin week one. Now, huge talking point just dropping last night. Reportedly, the Bulldogs are holding a meeting today about Trent Barrett's future. Now, Danny Widler has come out and said that as of last night, Trent Barrett allegedly quit. Uh, This is all reportedly. There's been no confirmation from anyone that Trent Barrett is no longer the coach, but... I tell you what, there's a lot of fucking smoke. 
a lot of smoke and where there's smoke there's usually fire Gurino, speak to me thoughts yeah we're no strangers to fire in rugby league i can't see trent being there past mm. 48 hours so it's gonna be interesting to see what they do <laughs> we, we, we were saying before does Gus pick up the uh, the old tracksuit and, and the whistle <laughs> and step in or what? Mate, honestly, <laughs> honestly, it's uh, a bizarre situation because, like, who replaces him? Do you hand the keys to Team Flanagan? What are they? Oh, I mean, maybe, maybe. They, 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 if this is the case, they have to have a plan in place. What have you got there? Oh, it's, this, this is, again, not official or reports, but they're, um, the Moles just tweeted that they're going to announce an interim coach in the next 24 hours. Shit. Yeah. Interim coach. Yeah. So, like, for example, like, when Steve Georgialis took over Dean Pay a few mm. years ago. Yeah. What do you think about this, Timmy? It's an interesting one, isn't it, for Baz? Because, <clears throat> let's be fair, he doesn't have many runs on the board, you know, limited opportunity, pretty ordinary at Manly, taking over from uh, Tooves there. <clears throat> In one sense, I feel a little bit sorry for him because he inherited a pretty ordinary roster last year. We know they've got a very new-look roster this season. But, you know, it was always going to take a little bit of time to get them coming together. They haven't been terrific this season, but they're also not that far out of a lot of contests. But at the same time, you sort of think, geez, there's got to be a few more better options out there. And Baz, what's he had three years in NRL coaching role now? It's a solid enough sample size to say maybe he's not the man for the job. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really, really tough one because the argument could be like he's a young coach. He's only been in for three years. He, he took over a club that was on the decline per se. Um, but when you look at the facts, so... I got Maddie to, you know, I made this point off air, but I was like, if you actually look at the last 10 years at the Doggies, they've actually, admin has progressively made worse decisions over the last 10 years. Uh, basically, with Desi on board, what was their record? So Desi took over in 2012. They made the grand final. They made the grand final again in 2014, and they made the finals every year up until Desi's last year, which was 2017, where they came 11th. Desi gets sacked because of that. Dean Pay comes in. They come 12th. The next year, they come 12th. The next year, Dean Pay gets sacked mid-season. They come 15th. Trent Barrett is appointed. They come last. And then now we're here. And then what are we currently sitting right now? And now we're sitting last. They're sitting last. They're sitting last. Yep. So when you look at that, I think that it's tough to, I mean, it's tough to argue for Trent. But in saying that, when you look at the environment he's come into, it's like, they sacked, uh, they sacked um, Desi and everyone thought Desi's fault. He's run this club into the drown. Dean Pay comes in. He's going, he comes 12th. And still people are sitting there going, oh, it's all Dean Pay's fault. He has no idea how to coach. Now, if you said to the Doggies fans, you'll finish 12th this year, I think most Doggies fans would say, fucking hell, I'll take that any day of the week. Whereas when Dean Pay was coach, it was, mate, this guy cannot coach. He cannot coach. And I would argue Dean Pay's roster is nowhere near as good as the roster that is currently at the club. Um, so, oh man, it is, it's hard to mount an argument for Trent without knowing the ins and outs of what's going on. And when, you know, you obviously said they're coming last at the moment. When you have a look at their two wins from this season, they beat the Cowboys in round one. You remember Hammer was a foot away from being onside from winning that game from the Torrential Cowboys. Torrential rain too. Torrential rain. Then against the Chooks, I mean, Swali's toe hits the sideline as he goes out. Those two wins could have quite easily been zero wins this year mm. in reality. Yeah, right. it's it's a really tough one. And I, you always want head coaches to get more opportunities than three seasons. So mm. when you look at it from that perspective, you go, fuck, surely Barrett can get, you know, give him at least till next year to get that Reed Marnie, kick our win, to give him an opportunity with, because I feel like next year, 
with that roster, there is absolutely no excuse. Like, there, there no excuse can be given as to them coming 15th, 16th, 14th, or even 13th, really, with that roster. All right, it's official. So, Bulldog statement, head coach Trent Barrett has today stood down from his role effective immediately. We would sincerely like to thank Trent for all his hard work over the past 18 months in what has been a very difficult time for the club. No announcement of who's coming in? No, this is that, that was... So, it's actually not on the Bulldogs website yet, but Dean Ritchie has tweeted Bulldog statement and this has come up, so... Right. Um, so, Dean Ritchie is saying... So Dean Richie has said in capital letters, Bulldog statement. So they must have got the media released via email. So okay. it'll be up at the Bulldogs website in, in minutes, I reckon. Okay. Um, so that release has obviously gone out. Um, yeah. Wow. And it, it's an interesting one at the Dogs, isn't it? And you talk about the administrative problems they have and sort of looking even away from the off-field results. There's this narrative for a long time there that during Desi Hasler's reign there, Raylene Castle was in as a CEO and, uh, you know, there's all this talk of how they stuffed up the, the salary cap and they had all these back-ended deals. Remember yep. uh, Greg Eastwood one season, the, back, the last year of his, I think, NRL career was on like $800,000 and he was playing reserve grade mm. and that was because of this back-ended contracting stuff and all that, um, which was all good and well to go with post-Des Hasler era when they were struggling, but... What was that, like six years ago now, and they're still not getting results? So it's more than just like Desi stuffing the cap or doing it to suit his tenure at the club. Uh, now it's, it's a lot deeper, isn't it, than, than one little salary cap mismanagement that also took them within a whisker of two grand finals. And I mean, Canterbury have sold us so many narratives over the last, it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault. If we get to next year and Reid Marnie walks into this club and they're still last after 10 weeks, surely they've got to start to look... Mirror, I think they, they should have looked years ago, to be honest. I, I, I just and I've held this I've held this same opinion for literally years. I remember making a video and the title was Has uh, the dog's dog Desi. <laughs> what a great title. Um, but I, I that's what I, I look at it and I go, okay, everyone wants to focus on these think about it. We're repeating this back ended deal. Where does that come from? Who's releasing <laughs> The idea of this back-ended deal, back-ended deal. We are Bulldogs, back-ended deal. Desi Hasler, back-ended deal. Everyone repeats that same talking point. Does, has anyone seen it? Has anyone seen the Bulldog salary cap? Who's seen the Bulldog salary cap? The Bulldogs admin. Mm. Has any journalist ever seen the Bulldog salary cap? Has any uh, fan seen the Bulldog salary cap? The only people who have access to that. So when we keep saying back-ended deals, back-ended deals, it's like we're just repeating what has been fed to the journalists and yeah. the, the media, which is fine. The Bulldogs have to protect the club. I understand that. Every single club has to protect their own brand and the club is bigger than any person. That's absolutely uh, – that's what you want your club to do. But as fans, we have to be educated enough to uh, consume media and understand what is being uh, done at the moment. And what is being done is, is, a, is a club setting a narrative so that the Fans don't look at them and go, hang on a sec, you're the one that are in the wrong. They look at Desi and say, no, you're the one that did the wrong thing. Now, I'm not sitting here at all defending um, Desi and, you know, because I don't know whether the back-end deals were crazy, not crazy. What I do know, though, is that back-end deal yarn, the CEO, the CFO, the general manager, you know how many people have to approve those contracts before they get signed? The NRL there are so many layers between Desi and the contract getting signed. We never concentrate on those layers. We just keep talking about Desi. Every single club has back-ended deals. All a back-ended deal is, is it, the, the deal continues to increase year over year. Every deal increases year over year. Have you ever heard a, a contract announcement where they've gone, it goes 
200K, 150K, 100K. No, it always goes 200K, 250K, 300K, under the impression that players are maturing and becoming better players. Yeah, or, or on the flip side, in like the Eastwood situation, it's to fit guns into your roster at one period of time. So Eastwood, let's say he was a $500,000 a year forward at the time, he might have been on 200000 one year and eight hundred next year so that they can keep all these players together. So yeah. it's like, yeah. And, and, and also, how often do we see you know clubs or clubs under salary, salary cut pressure and then they manage to fo- like find a way to move players on. Like we're, we're forgetting all the part that comes in the next few years. And you look at Desi at Manly, for example, they've managed to, you know what I mean? Like they, they didn't implode because of their salary cap after Desi Hasler. He's back there now. They haven't imploded. They've actually had some of the best retention in the competition. Um, and so with the Bulldogs, I think it really is time. And, and maybe they are doing internal reviews. but and, and I will say there has been change. Gus Gould has come in and maybe he's you know, going to turn the club around. And, and that's, a, that's a good that's – a lot of – that's evidence to suggest that they are trying to change the admin because they have brought Gus Gould in. Um, but unfortunately, the, the admin have made decisions and every decision where Desi, Dean to Barrett, the club has gone backwards down on the ladder. Uh, and I think that that has to be noted. Like, I think that Trent didn't come into a great spot, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a complicated one because you just don't know, is it the environment Trent walked into that created these results mm-hmm. because, it, because the club was already on a downward spiral or, you know, does Trent just struggle at the NRL level? Is this a job that you're willing to take? Oh, fuck, it's tough. You know what? It's probably... If you had asked me a few weeks ago, I would have said it's more appealing than the West Tigers. But now the West Tigers, to me, looks like it seems yep. like they're getting everything together, even the way they're playing footy. Um, with Gus Gould there, though, that really does attract me because he has so much pull. I will say, though, Gus literally, maybe even seven days ago, 14 days ago, Max was quoted saying, as long as I'm at the club, Trent Barrett will be at the club. Matter of fact, he'll be there long after I'm gone. What do you think's happened there? Something dramatic, hey? Because that, that suggests obviously that he had no idea that in two weeks he was going to be sacked or stood down or whatever's happened. Um, something's going on there if that's the case, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's, as you said, it's not a good look to other coaches coming in. And I look at Craig Fitzgibbon. <clears throat> I think he taught us over the last year that you don't just say yes to every job. You mm. wait for the right job. Mm. Yeah, I reckon there'd be a lot of coaches that would sort of be... Dodging this phone call, if potentially. You're, you're looking at that club, though. I think in the last couple of years, you're looking at that Bulldogs job, and I think they've had a lot of, we don't think, there's been a lot of good candidates turned down that top job because of where the roster's been and not really seeing light at the end of the tunnel. If I'm a coach off of that now, I'm going, all right, one of the clubs with the best history in rugby league, uh, they've got a decent roster this year, struggling, but there's some signs there. Next year, as you said, Reid Marnie come in, Viliami Kikia come in, it's shaping to be a really good roster. I'm going, shit, yeah, like I can play around with that and tinker mm. with it and, and really make something and turn it into a, a top eight side at a club with the rich history of the Canterbury Bulldogs and really make something of yourself. So um, in terms of the job, provided, you know, the background stuff is okay, you know, Gus Gould's running the show now, I don't mind it. Mm. I'd, I'd be happy to slide into it. Roster-wise, club-wise, when it comes to mm. Bulldogs being a, you know, a big club and so many fans, but when I see the general manager say, He's going to be at the club, club as long as I'm at the club. And then two weeks later, I'm getting sacked. Or the, the coach is getting sacked. That, ma- that gives me massive pause as to taking that job. Because if you can't trust Gus school to have enough power to keep you in a gig, who has the power at the doggies? And you need to go speak to that guy. 
You need him to be able to say that. Because clearly, Gus Gould, I mean, I'd assume Gus Gould isn't the one with the power at the dogs right now. Because he, like, he wouldn't say that. He wouldn't just say that and then lie and say, you know, oh, we had a couple of bad, you know, results and I'm going to get rid of the coach. So I just wonder who, who really has the power at the bog dogs. I think it's pretty evident whoever does have that power. I mean, they're not really taking responsibility for their own. Yeah, well, we don't know who it is. It's like this That's figure the, in the background yeah. going, fucking Trent Barrett, like, see you later. Um, after the general manager has in fully endorsed you, literally saying you, he will be at the club long term. Now, some, you know, more, uh, I guess, less trusting people would say Gus was just throwing heat off the situation at the time. Um, I, I think that's a pretty bold thing to be doing. Like, you, I think you actually hurt the club more by making those kind of statements and then them being not true, but you're just doing it to throw heat off in the moment. I think you'll actually hurt the club more because, as I said, what coach is going to go there now? And when Gus looks across and shakes his hand, looks him in the eye and says, mate, you've, I've got your back, the, cl- the dude's going to be like, yeah, but you may have my back, but you definitely had Trent Barrett's back publicly, massively, and even that wasn't enough to save his ass. Could this be a worry heading into next year? Like, Reid, I'm not as concerned about, but a guy like Kikau, who was with Trent mm. at Penrith, he's obviously the guy that he signed with. Does Kikau start to look around the room if he yeah. doesn't know the coach? I tell you what, it's, it's, an, it's going to be really interesting whether there was something in the clause. Like, you know, because Trent Barrett's job wasn't cemented, mm. and if, if Kikau's manager was, you know, switched on he may have something in there again this is all pure speculation guys don't run with it and say that you know we, we, yeah. we're saying that we're just saying like there Kikau definitely was Trent Barrett's man like he really got, got along with him played some of his best footy now it's, it's a good point it's a really good point point. and if I'm Parramatta I'd probably be going to read and saying hey you don't know who your coach is going to be there's, oh yeah I'm Hodgson's fucking. now got an ACL injury <laughs> yeah. like yeah. There's, there's a lot of dominoes that could fall off yeah. the back of this I was going to say that Kikau leaked photo now can't even be used so there's no point. There was no point in that photo even being leaked <laughs> in the first place because it was with Trent and Phil Gould. Oh yeah, and you know when that happened, like I, I maybe I feel like I'm a bit cuckoo, but I'm like, guys, the concern isn't the photo. The concern is the leaking. Because like last week when I kept saying no, a couple of weeks ago with the, the Gus Gould thing, when I kept saying, guys, the concern isn't that Barrett is taking over and rah rah. The concern is how do we have a play by play of these inner meetings like. That is rugby league sanctuary, team meetings. You are supposed, it's just, you know, for all you modern, uh, modern uh, internet goers, it's a safe <laughs> space. It's a safe space for the boys and the girls, whatever the coaching staff is, whether it's a girls' footy team or a blokes' footy team, the, cha- the, lock, the, uh, the meeting room, you're supposed to be able to speak completely freely with no concern that blow by blow, play by play, it's going to be in the media less than fewer, like four or five hours later on the biggest show or one of the biggest shows in 360, a play-by-play by the host, literally saying, Gould, Gould stormed in. Gould got at every player. Then he got at Flanagan. Then he got at... You know what I mean? It was a play-by-play. So God. there's clearly... like That's a bad sign for a club when that is happening. Mate, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It, the doggies right now... The only thing that I can think is they have a plan in place and they've got a guy that's pretty much already agreed to it. That's the only way I can see this happening. Well, it's interesting that they mentioned it obviously will be an interim coach coming in, so there's not a – well, we'll find out soon enough, but 
a ready-made new coach coming in. Um, interim, just thinking out loud, but Davey Ferner is an assistant there. Coached the Raiders for five or six years there. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah. He could slot in as the interim yeah. until they do sort out whoever's coming in full-time. Yeah, okay. Ferner. Didn't he? He went all right at the Raiders, oh, did he? he he was okay at best, but yeah. he's also had a lot of experience since then. It's been probably ten plus years. But I mean, he wasn't wooden spoon. No, no, he went you know okay. I mean? He went okay, and then um, went over to England, coached for a few years over there. Been back here and been around the traps a little bit. So mm. he was at South Sydney for a while as well under Bennett, I believe. So he, um, yeah, he'll, he'll have improved, and especially in terms of an interim coach, he'll be fine. Yeah, it's it's just it's interesting because like who's on the market now? You know, I guess the elephant is the room in the room is the Flanagan elephant. Um, is this a, a Shane Flanagan situation where they go, look, we've got his son, he's contracted to us. We absolutely know Shane Flanagan's probably the best coach off that's currently not contracted to everyone, anyone. You know, we've got Sorrell though, but he, you know, he's untested as a head coach. Flanagan's won a premiership mm. with a club that isn't a powerhouse. Is that the direction you think they may be going? I think so, but at the same time, I mean, I felt like the writing was on the wall a few weeks ago that Gus seemingly isn't a huge fan of Kyle. Mm. Like hopefully that's changed over the last few weeks, but he was the third choice halfback he decided to use. So mm. it's, I don't know, it just all doesn't It doesn't seem gel. To fit. Yeah, yeah, because just, like if, if Kyle was his guy, as soon as Gus arrives to the club, Kyle's a seven. Mm. But it took him like hell and leather to get, to get there. Um, that's that's what's confusing about this like this sacking or quitting sorry is like i just i'm not seeing the direction like i'm not seeing you know craig Fitzgib you know for example the john morris one like even though i don't think they handled that well at all i think they could have definitely shown a bit more respect you could see the direction you could see that like we spoke about on the podcast of like this is their thought process. Their thought process is the longer John Morris stays there, the more the boys are connected. If John Morris comes out and plays great and they make top six or whatever, everyone's going to turn around and say, we're the idiots for doing it. It creates negative media. Um, instead, we get rid of him now so that there's no connection between him and the top eight. So even if you disagreed with the Sharkies thinking, at least you could understand the thought process. And also you could be like, look, Craig Fitzgibbon, you move heaven and hell to bring him in because he's got such good raps on him. Whereas the doggies one, it's just was any was there? I know some fans, you know, Bulldogs fans were saying that he, you know, should go or whatever. But was there really that much pressure to get rid of him now? Really? I don't think so. I, I really, I don't think anyone was sitting here going like, he has to go. The club is just going to go in an even worse downward spiral than it is now. Like it's, it was already. They beat the Roosters two weeks ago. Like, two weeks not ago, not a bad start. No, the Roosters just beat the Eels. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's and also nearly every game that they've played, like yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. I, I feel for Barrett because you know three years, even if his results have not been, you know, they've just not been good. That's just the way it is. You still would hope that a bloke would get, you know, the manly situation. Fair enough, he walked into a place without resources. His coaching staff seemed to, you know, his coaching style seem to be a bloke that needs resources and, and that's fine. Certain coaches love the really high-end stuff. Certain coaches love the nitty-gritty kind of stuff. Um, so you can understand why that, you know, didn't work. And Manly also, as a club, has had a history of, you know, upheaval and, and changes. We have saw with the Tuvi and Desi and everything. And then the Bulldogs won. It's like, like I would have I, I liked to at least seen him with Reed and kick out. You know, I just, just get that nine. Because the Doggies, for me, are a different side with, a, with an elite nine. But, I mean, we sat here last year and said they'll be a different side with an mm. elite six. Yeah. 
Well, oh. the other one there is Matty Burton. Do we mm. say he's contracted for how long? It, so it, he can he can actually sign somewhere November 1st so this year. So he can sign somewhere else. So, again, the attachment to Baz, I don't know, but, again, from Penrith, it's got to be some pretty decent connection there. Uh, what does that do to his contract talks for next year? Mm. Or end of this year, we should say. Uh, but, again... Gus Gould, you've, you've got to put your faith in him that he's got his head around this. Uh, and you spoke about how the club, how the Sharkies delivered and got through a, a tough period pretty well. Mm. Um, there's transparency to the fans and, and what was going on. Big 24, 48 hours for the dogs, isn't it? Mm. To see how this has all come about and how they, they get out of it. How they handle it yeah. too. It's going to be really... This next 24 hours is going to be so important to the pressure that is put on them. Um, I personally believe... Gus wouldn't do this or wouldn't uh, wouldn't do this. I'm not saying he did it, but surely he has to have a say in it. That's what I'm not understanding. I like, can't believe that he doesn't have a say in it. Surely he has yeah. some kind of say. In He's the general manager. Yeah. So what, is someone just coming over the top and saying, nah, like that's literally his job. It's like, yeah, I just... Yeah. And you, you don't make <clears throat> Gus your general manager if he isn't having a say. What's exactly. The What's the point? Yeah. And also, like, do you... So let's say you're an admin of a doggy side that has gone all the way from the tippity top to the bottom of the table. Do you have that much self-confidence you're going to override a Gus call? You know? Look what he did at the Panthers. Look what he partly did at the Panthers. So, mate, it's just a real interesting one. And you know what? It's the, the dogs, there just seems to be this split that they've never really got past at the, at the admin level. And again, I don't know the ins and outs. Some doggies fans... Let us know in the comments section because it is a members. They've got a members side to it, and then they've got another side to I it. I think so, yeah. Um, but the feeling I always get at the doggies is that there's two. There's two opposing factions constantly, kind of like the Tigers. There's like two opposing factions constantly fighting um, for like the direction of the club. But I, I could be wrong. That's just the kind of feel I get. Uh, are they at a point where, as a, you know, coaching wise, moving forward, do you just try and find a Canterbury guy? Someone just culture, like Kevin like, Walters kind of stuff. Yeah, like Kevin Walters, but you know, I'm, mm. I'm trying to think of the top of my head. Any, you know, the only one that's coming to mind for me is probably Jim Dimmick. But outside of that, I, like no, none of those guys from the 04 side have gone into coaching. Mm. None of you know. I I think Jimmy, you know, unless you're going for like a Terry Lamb or something, I don't know. But mm. I don't know how many good coaches are going to want to take this job. Do you just take? An old Canterbury, someone that understands the DNA of Canterbury, put them with Phil Gould. Yeah. Hopefully, Mate. I don't know. I've, like, you're sort of clutching at straws a little bit there. I'm but. thinking more about the Shane Flanagan situation. And I feel like if Phil Gould was willing to put his differences aside with Bennett to get him to the Panthers, then surely he's willing to put aside, you know, if he doesn't rate Kyle, to get Shane Flanagan to the mm. club. Do you think Gus Gould has had a chat to Seraldo because he would know Seraldo really well? He made Seraldo interim coach. Seraldo is the next fucking big thing when it comes to coaching. By all reports, I've met him. He's a fucking great bloke. Had a beer at my bar a while back. Really nice guy. Knows his footy. You know, fucking. He's a huge reason the Panthers are doing what they're doing. Do you think Gus Gould's connection could work there? Well, I think that Gus would be confident he could take someone and mm. mould them because mm. he's done it before. Mm. Uh, you know, he did it with Ricky Stewart back in 02. He'd retired the year before mm. from first grade. So I, I don't think that the fact that Trent Barrett's been a, a failure, if that's what you want to call it, would rattle Gus at all. I think he'd be more than willing to grab someone that he knew he could mould. Yeah. See, I have faith that Gus will work this out. Like, yeah. I, I just, regardless of the admin there, I just have faith that Gus has a plan. He's too intelligent not to. Like, how many runs on the board does he need before we just go, you know what? I don't understand what you're doing, but you will do it. I think he got there about 15 years ago yeah, for me. Yeah, surely. 
Well, it's like the storm every year. Yeah. We sat at the start of the year and we were saying, me and Guru were literally saying, internally, I don't know how, I, I actually think they're concerned. I, I'm actually concerned at how the storm were going to pull through all the shit they had off season. But then we're saying, but mentally, we know they will. We just don't know fucking how they'll do it. And then obviously look at it. And that's where I think with Gus, maybe they could be successful with just having a Canterbury guy that has runs on the board that understands the club as the last voice before they run out. Mm. And Gus can do the Monday to Friday. Yeah, maybe. Fuck. It'd be huge. <laughs> be huge. Like a, have, as unorthodox as that sounds. Does he have that energy in him though? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But He's an older, older gentleman now. Yeah. Shout out to our Baz for the power move of just like, Saturday gets told that Monday morning, emergency crisis meeting, Bulldogs headquarters, jobs on the line, Sunday night, I quit. I'm going out on my own terms. Yeah, mate. <laughs> I you wasn't know, fired, I quit. <laughs> you know what it would have been though? It would, it would have been the dog saying, mate, yeah. we can suck you and you get no, no cashola, or nothing, or here's X amount that we can agree to. Yeah. And you can quit, go out on your own terms. That's how it usually happens. Because like sacking someone is a, fucking big process yeah. but stuff like that and because con- the contracts are so strong and legally binding and because the thing is you could you, like if barrett really wanted to, he could do his heels in and be like no i'm contracted uh, have, have yeah. i done anything to deserve to be sacked like have i breached my contract rah, rah. and and usually the, the answer is no um and you don't want to go through that process so, which is really interesting because it's like well then why have a contract you may as well fucking do it weekly um <laughs> more importantly the uh best looking coach in rugby league mantle is now up for grabs it's, yeah it's up for grab. that's <laughs> way more important up. absolutely you know what bloat fc recruited trent so um yeah look no one ever wants to see a bloke lose his bloody job i, I feel for trent um I, I think i think if you know in my opinion with trent's career i think his best bet would be to go to the super league and coach get his runs there. I think at the moment, because he's had those two two situations that haven't worked out, the best bet would be to go to Super League. And if he wants to, if not, there's nothing... Like A lot of these assistant job coaches pay fucking really well. And maybe he is just a great assistant coach. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that either. Fucking no way. Yeah. Some of them pay like really good. Yeah. You don't have any of the stresses of being a head coach. You're the, you only have to give the good news. As assistant coaches never give bad news. They're only the good news. And... Like, you don't have the pressure. You get to love, like, live with footy, love footy, and you can just, you know, yeah, of course, you're going to be sad if your team loses, but he's so young, there's still time, you know? There's still time to become a great, a great coach. Uh, so, yeah, wish Trent nothing but the best. Very, very tough times. It was, a, it was a huge hill to climb to begin with, and unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out. And I think that needs to be considered. That For sure. I think whoever you got to coach there, it was a tough gig. It was a massive gig. Only the very best experience campaigners I think could have really turned that around quickly. Um, So yeah, wishing Trent nothing but the best. And I don't know who is to fight this. I don't know who is to blame. It's probably somewhere in the middle, you know, admin maybe, and a little bit of Trent's ability. I'm I'm not sure, but I hate seeing blokes lose their job. It just makes makes you feel sick, doesn't it? Uh, Especially coaching, like, like coaching in rugby league, unless you are one of those four guys, you're waiting to be sacked. Yeah. Yeah, it's the reality of your literally situation. reality, and like your all your hopes and dreams. There's only so many coaching gigs available, so and yeah. you just mentioned Desi, five years. He was a finals team, a grand final team, finished eleventh one year. Got sacked, not good enough for us. Yeah, not, not only <laughs> got sacked, but his name got absolutely decimated in the process. I think Maddie said they finished eleventh. Like Canterbury would give their right arm to finish eleventh, oh, mate. And also like finished eleventh with the idea of. We'll, we'll play finals next year. Yeah. Not of like, oh, this is going to continue to happen. It was, this is just a bad year. Mm. Um, yeah, so look, Paul Green, does he come into consideration? 
Yeah, there's a couple of guys that have their names thrown up. Paul Green will be one of them. Jeff Toovey still doesn't have a job either. He's another one. Does he still want to coach? I've got no idea. If he, yeah. If he does, I'm, he I'm surprised he hasn't be been the job for him. But yeah. Anyone you've got, Timmy? Are you thinking? Um, Neil Henry's floating about somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, plenty of success with the Raiders. Been out of it a while, but did a bit of digging into him a little earlier, and he's been with Queensland as an assistant coach there the last couple of years. Obviously, probably not under Billy Slater. I don't know if he's been retained, but. Mm. Um, so he's still around about, but in terms of hard information, I, mate, I don't know which way they'll go, but mm. as I said, I, th- I think it'll probably be Davey Ferner in the interim, but as you said, Gus will, Gus will have something lined up. Yeah, surely, surely. Is so. there a world where Gus reaches out to F- Freddie for next season, maybe? No, I don't think Freddie would ever do that. No? Nah. No, nah, I, I don't... I, I don't think Freddie wants to be a club coach ever again. <clears throat> Even with Gus, you know, I reckon... I, I don't know if he has a connection to the dogs the way he did with the Roosters, you know? Mm. Like, I feel like the Roosters was kind of a duty thing. Like, he just loved the club so much that... But Fair. stranger things have happened. Well, I mean, just because... Uh, and, like, I don't think Freddie would be a great choice, but there's no one else really standing out That's to me, going, you know? like, he's the man that can fucking do yeah. the job. Like, you know, in, in saying that, like, fuck, you'd kill to get Fitzgibbon or Peyton, wouldn't you? Peyton could do it to it. Fitzgibbon, I think, could do it as well, for sure. Um... Isn't it crazy we're saying that about Todd Payton? Yeah, because <laughs> like 12 months ago, I was Credit done. to him. I don't yep. know. I'm not sure with some decision. He did. Payton did come out and say, um, have you read that quote? No, yeah. So he came out. Um, basically, what about them Cowboys on the weekend? How good were they? Just keep on keeping on. Honestly, they look they look like a top tier side though. That's like it's. They don't look like a side that's just like, holy shit, another win, another win. Like they look clinical. You're expecting it now, yeah. Yeah, they look clinical. So um, just on the Cowboys, it's this week's Cowboys versus Storm in North Queensland with no Paps and maybe no Jerome Hughes. Mate, if they get that, fuck me. They, but Storm will yeah. bounce back, I reckon. Um, this was quoted from Toddy Payton. Um, so I think we spoke about this at the start of the year where. I think I think you agree with me. Where I kind of felt like he he put too much emphasis on the Tamalolo situation. Mm. Do you remember speaking about this yeah, at the start yeah, of the year? Yeah, yeah. And it just I felt like he was he came in as a rookie coach thinking he needed this really hardline stance of like you know what I'm going for the biggest dog in the yard because if I can change his culture then I change the fucking team's culture. Kind of like anything if you you know you go into a yard you go for the biggest guy and no one's going to fuck with which you. Which isn't a bad. No, it's not at all. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes you, sometimes you can. It's good to do that. I remember I had a coach, his name was Dean Benton, and he came to the club in, in 2005 going into the 2006 preseason where we won the comp. Well, we, I was in the squad, I didn't actually fucking play. I was 80th man once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he came to the club, and the first few weeks, he was our strength and conditioning uh, fitness coach, first few weeks he was such a punish, like so much so that he was so angry and I guess – not disrespectful, but he, he'd do things like he'd walk in and be like, hey, go on, mate. He'd be like, not your mate, not your mate. And he, he, the reason why he went so hard was to stamp his authority of like, you do what I fucking say or you're going to be in trouble. Whereas sometimes when guys come in, they're a bit too nice and they want the boys' love and, and they lose that authority kind of figure. And so sometimes, I'm not sure whether Peyton intentionally or didn't, didn't intentionally, but sometimes it does help to go too hard early on because it forces that like oh he is the authority figure we need to fucking listen to him then when you ease off a bit then the boys go oh well yeah like i I like him as well as he is the authority figure and you get that good mix anyway peyton came out and said i put a bit of pressure on him which in hindsight was not the right thing to do but we've come out the other side and knew it would all quieten down when we started to win and i think that first of all fuck fair play peyton to to say something like that so openly uh it's 
just I got a lot of respect for him to be able to yeah. do that. It's basically him saying, you know what, I probably handled the Tamalolo situation incorrectly. Maybe I needed to land in that grey area rather than being so black and white. Uh, what are your thoughts about something like that? Yeah, I, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you what rattles me about uh, Peyton. Ever since I heard the Hello Bo- Sports Boys say that he looks like an evil genius, <laughs> I can't see him in any other <laughs> any other way. way. Um, but yeah, I, and I think Todd, you know, I, I personally thought he did make a heap of mistakes last year. They've they've turned out mm. the right calls for him, but like even the ones that he thinks he's got wrong, he's owning them. Which I yeah. love, and that, that says a lot to his team too for me. Mm. And if I'm Tamalolo and I read that, it's kind of like fuck, man, like. This guy has my back massively to publicly come out as a coach and say, you know what, I got it wrong with JT. You, the, the amount of admiration you would have for him and also the loyalty that would build, I think would be pretty massive. What do you think, Timmy? Yeah, mate, any time a bloke comes out like that, in the spotlight, head of a club and admits to a mistake, I just big wraps on it every single time. It's a yep. tough thing to do and a lot of coaches and a lot of probably media types don't do it. So mm. when they do, you've got to sort of give them a bit of credit when due. Uh, that one in particular... You know, it's, it's sort of easy to do and say now that they're winning games. But at the same time, as, as we've said over and over again, a lot of these moves and a lot of, a lot of these decisions that we criticised in the past 12 months with Todd Payton were all planning towards the future and now they're killing it and winning games. So he's earned the right to come out at a rosy period for the club and say, I stuffed up this and that. So, mm. you know, good luck to him. And also, but also he could easily be like, I'm winning. I don't need to admit to shit. Mm. You know? For sure. No one's angry at me anymore. Everyone fucking loves me. So why would I come out and say I did something wrong? I can be like, nah, I fucking did it all right. Look where we're at. Um, so yeah, massive respect. So yeah, Doggies fans, um, I knew when Gus Gould came in, I knew there was going to be upheaval. I didn't think, I didn't know it was going to be Trent, but I knew something dramatic was going to be happening because if you're a new, the big dog coming in, you've got to do something to change whatever is going on there. Um, so in Gus Gould, we trust. Doggies fans, stay the course. Gus Gould will do, he'll sort it out. He really will. I, I truly believe Gus will be good enough to at least put them in a position to be playing finals footy, at the very least, to be playing finals footy. Now, team of the week, gentlemen. This was uh, a very tough one, fucking super tough, uh, especially with, like, performances by Canberra where, you know, you look at stats and statistically not really anyone in that side should make the team of the week. But if you actually watch the game, you're going, mate, some of those efforts were absolutely outstanding, Mm. outstanding. Um, But anyway, get to it. Jaden Campbell, my fucking boy. My boy, get him back in the side, baby, and look what he does. You, what's, what I never understood about that is like, you know how much other clubs would pay for a guy like Jaden Campbell? Like he's, he does things that no other player can do. Like his footwork is probably the best in the competition. That last try, Whoa. no one can do that. No one can move at that pace, step out, uh, sorry, in and away like that and make Ben Hunt just grab nothing. Mate, he's one of those guys, if I'm playing the Titans and on. You know, teamless Tuesday, he's not at fullback. I go, yeah. Yeah, awesome. How good. That's awesome. a win for us. Um, okay, so Campbell, Cobo, Selwyn, Cobo, far out. You know, I I probably thought, like, you know, I think we couldn't sing his praise any more than we did at the start of the year. I knew he was going to be a superstar. I thought it would take a bit longer, especially after the first few games. I was going, ooh, maybe it's a little bit too soon, but far out he's maturing into just a well-rounded player. And some of his just big moments that he's already had in his first fucking four or five games – some people go their whole careers not having moments mm. like that. He's had them in his first four or five games. And he's come, he's bounced back from having a shocking Shocking. And you, I, shocking. I think you can see that Adam Reynolds has said to him, you're my guy. Yeah, I know sure. I can kick to you, I can throw a cut out to you whenever I need to, I back you. It's yeah. had a huge impact on him. Absolutely. Admano at three, uh, Tango at four, Tuolangi at five, Jerome Luai at six, 
Adam Reynolds at seven. Flegler at eight. Fuck me, he's playing some good footy. Uh, uh, Wolford, Woodford at nine, the debutant. Is it Woodford or Wolford? Wolford. Wolford. Yeah. With, a, with an L. L, yeah. Um, Wolford, I mean, oh, Raiders fans, get excited. A key player in a key position that has that much promise on debut, that's fucking exciting. Super exciting. Uh, and also... The rise of Snyder, his bounce back, he was outstanding defensively on the weekend. Anyway, uh, Tarpanair. Now, you go look at his stats and you'd be like, yeah, whatever. But if you go watch that game where there was like six or seven sets in their line, Tarpanair's defense was fucking outrageous. He, he, he hit and stuck on everything. Uh, Hudson Young, he was just a constant threat on that edge. Constant threat. Uh, Papali'i. Uh, that is Isaiah Papali'i. He is a joke, honestly. He's a ridiculous player. Uh, Isaiah Yo. Career best form. Uh, had Cody Walker at 14. Very unlucky to miss the, the side, but I just thought the occasion with Luai beating the Storm probably pipped him. Uh, Josh Papali'i at 15. Kikau at 16. Cotter at 17. And Suwali, who is really... He's fulfilling the promise, we thought. Uh, well and truly. He is playing some fucking great footy. And for some reason, it's, he must be on a media ban. Oh, well, he's not. He's done interviews. But there's not much hype around him. Yep. Which is bizarre because it's like his last two games especially have been as good as Selwyn's, in my opinion, or, or close to it at least. And I'm pretty sure he's younger than Selwyn, mm. which is no one thinks about that. This guy's 18 years old. It's almost like he was hyped out of the game last year. Yeah, yeah. Now, now the major's like, oh, let's move on. Cobo's yeah. the new man. Yeah, Cobo's the new man to hype yeah. up. Suwali is playing fucking outrageous. Uh, what do you got there? Uh, fullback, Jaden Campbell, wings, Cobo, Tuolagi, Hiku and Tungo in the centres. I uh, went Luai and Reynolds as my halves. Josh Papali up front for Canberra, along with your boy, Clemmer. Put in another absolute shift on the weekend. I went Robson at nine. I thought he was huge for the Cowboys. Isaiah Papali in the second row with uh, probably a bit of a smoky, but I thought Mitch Barnett in his return game mm. for Newcastle. Yeah, he was, he was unreal. Isaiah Yo in the 13. Then my bench, I went Flegler, Cotter, Kikau, and I put Corey Oates in there. I thought he had a really under... Everyone's talking about Cobbo. Oates was sensational. Yeah, Oates was absolutely sensational. And he has been sensational. Matter of fact, my two wingers right now for Queensland would be Oates and Coates. I didn't have... Oates as a Brisbane winger at the start of the year. Yeah, neither now I've got I. him as a Queensland winger. Yeah, and I just think those that if there's a point of difference that Queensland can have, it's two massive bodies on the wing because you look at Car To'o, we're kicking to Oates and Coates. That could be a place where we get points yeah. anyway. Yeah, Jaden Campbell at fullback, Cobbo, and <clears throat> I'd Corey Oates to my starting side. You boys nailed it there, but I think he's running for like 200 plus metres every game. Yeah. He's just been sensational. Uh, Isaac Tago, Peter Hicker at centre, another one who just continues to fly under the radar for me. Jerome Luai, Adam Reynolds in the halves. Josh Papali'i at prop with Ruben Cotter, who's sort of been playing more as a lock, but same shit. Damien Cook at nine. Found the hookers a little bit harder this week. Not a lot of standouts yeah, for once. And yeah. <clears throat> particularly because most weeks you just go with Harry Grant, don't you? But yeah. then, um, Cookie probably did enough for, for me there in a weak position this week. Big Viliami kick out and Isaiah Papali'i in the back row. And Isaiah Yo, <clears throat> another lock in that side just about every week. Bench, Paddy Carrigan, Cody Walker, Jared Warrior Hargreaves and Ryan Madison. Madison was massive. Madison the best bench player in rugby league or what? Oh, my God. His impact is outrageous. It's bizarre. Like, I, <coughs> if we get in three weeks' time and Freddie picks him on the bench for the Blues, I'll be like, yeah, that's and fair. credit like, to Brad Arthur for 
Like I was critical of him not starting Maddo on the edge and playing him in 80-minute roles uh, at the beginning of the year. Still coming off the bench. He's only playing like 50, 55-minute roles, but it just shows that, you know, your best forwards, they don't have to be 80-minute players. They can come off the bench and have an impact. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, the Titans do it with Holbrook, do it with Dave Fafida at times. goes, well, you know, maybe they can be more effective in 55, 60-minute roles. And uh, for Arthur to stick with Maddo off the bench, start Sean Lane there, super effective. Absolutely. Um, matter of fact, let us know what your team of the week was in the in the comment section. In the comment section, have we? I think did we do one last week? I will check. I'm not sure yeah, about check. last week. Um, that just one player I want to mention as well. Oh, sorry, two players. Firstly, Mitch Moses in a losing side mm. was yeah, outstanding. outstanding. And um, Junior Satola from South, he yeah. racked up 200 meters. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. South were a hard team to pick because that second half. I was like, oh. And the Warriors were just so poor. Oh, man. What's it was like on, watching man? a heap of cones out there for the Warriors in the first half. Mate, it was tough. It was tough. It was tough. Uh, now, let's get on to the reviews. Bulldogs versus Knights. Interesting game because, like, once again, the Doggies started outstanding. Outstanding. They had the, they dominated the first half, had all the field possession, really couldn't convert. And credit to the Knights, they just hung in, hung in, hung in. And then, obviously, in the second half, they came through and uh, got the job done. What do you think about this game, Timmy? Yeah, Doggy's just falling away a little bit in the back end of games. Um, still just lacking, and it's, it's probably not going to change overnight, to be fair, just lacking that that polish in attack, aren't they? They, they get so many tackles in the opposition 20 and just can't convert it to mm. points. Um, so, you know, there's there's a few decent signs there, but I just I don't really see where the points are going to come from. Mind you, they do have the players to do it in Burton, Adokar, these sort of blokes. But uh, And the Knights, the bloke you touched on, um, Guru, Mitchie Barnett, just... <laughs> First game back in five, six weeks out. He's so important to that side. I think the Knights can be a little bit almost monotonous in attack sometimes, especially through the middle. And you know what you're going to get. They run their shapes at you. Mitchie Barnett brings a bit of X factor to it. He can jump around, but he's got a good offload. He's a bit unpredictable, I think. Mm. And I think he busts his ass every game. Plenty of heart in him. I think he's so vital to that team, and we saw it on the weekend. And I think for Mitch Barnett, those five or six weeks out, he would have been looking at that going... Was I the turning point in this season? Yeah, yeah. Like we we were getting spoken about as a top eight, potentially a top four team. Now we're contending for a spoon. Mm, yeah. Um. So I, I thought Mitch Barnett was great. You mentioned Canterbury there. You know, a couple of good pieces. You mentioned Burton at O'Carr. It just feels like to me if it's not Burton and O'Carr, they're not going to score. Yeah, it's true. It really is true. The doggies are in a, a weird position, and also for how well they started, they ended the game with sixty four percent completion. So that, that last 50 minutes must have been literally closer to like 50% completion, which is just like, fuck. Like that, that's something that the doggies aren't known for. Mm. It, like at least have your higher completion rate. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll speak about the Knights. Look, this is just one of those, they needed this. They desperately, desperately needed this. They just broke a seven-game losing streak. Seven games. It didn't matter how it looked. We no. just had to get it. Had to get it. Get the confidence back. Um Get the boys just just knowing how to win again because sometimes you just you get into games and because you've lost a few you, you you start making decisions you normally wouldn't and you don't have the confidence to back yourself in those last twenty minutes. Whereas I did, I did think the Knights showed a lot of resolve, uh, especially in that first half where they're under the pump for quite a few sets. Um, look, it, yeah, great win, great win. It's just going to be interesting to see, you know, what how do they turn up next week? How like this is against the doggies that. Literally just sack their coach. How do they turn up next week when they play the Broncos, who are flying right now? 
Absolutely flying. Yeah, and I, I think when you have a look at that game for me, you know, uh, at the back end of the game, the one that sealed it, the Adam Clune try, like, respectfully to Canterbury, I don't think Clune scores that try against any other side. Yeah, that was really, really poor. Like, watching that, I, my mouth was open. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe that I'd just seen that. Like, that, I I can't remember, like, I can count on one hand the amount of times I've seen a try like that. Like, if you did that at, like, local Oztag, you'd be disappointed. Yeah, you'd be like, well, why didn't you try to... Yeah, what? Um, yeah, so in saying that, as I said, Knights fans, you've got to get a win, however. Sometimes it's these wins that change everything for you it's, it's almost yeah. it's, it's almost the same as like when you are going well like sometimes that one moment that's bad changes everything like for example the barnett elbow is at the moment that just changed everything for them where they lost the confidence now on the flip side is barnett coming back into the side and bringing this crazy energy the moment that goes oh injects everyone with oh we actually can play like this also for the knights more good news they get frizzell brody jones <coughs> dan gagai bailey hodgson kurt mann uh, and so I saw Sue all back in the next two weeks. Yeah, massive, massive. And I, I saw someone in the comment section last week basically say, oh, you can't blame injuries. And I was like, injuries matter. Like, I know we, no one wants to admit it because then it sounds like you're making excuses or whatever, but, like, they absolutely matter. And, yes, the Knights shouldn't have lost seven in a row, but it has absolutely contributed to why they are where they are right now. There's just no denying that. It's like, it's like saying a team that doesn't have – like the Storm, for example. Even the Storm, without Pappenhusen and Hughes, looked like a totally different side. So are you going to turn around and say, oh, injuries don't contribute? No, they do contribute. And I think the two names that stand out for me there are Gagai and Frizzell. You take out two, you know, kangaroo standard edge defenders on either side, you're going to have problems. How much – they with Gagai on the side, he's kind of like Barnett to them as an outside back. His energy is yeah, in, yeah. just infectious. And it also – he raises everyone's standards up like – if I'm 32 or 31 or whatever, ripping and tearing, there is no excuse for you as a youngster. Um, I actually thought um, I thought Tex Hoy had some really good moments. I, I thought he actually had some really good moments uh, at six. I, I, I really do believe that my thoughts from last week of just get a good, big, solid six that can defend his dick off and maybe kick a little bit, but is just a big ball runner. And I thought Tex provided that. Like, he's just a big ball runner. He's probably like six foot two. Great, great step. And I think that that kind of releases Kalen to be like, I can step in and be the ball player if I want to be. Mm. And, and we saw that. I think, you know, he went down the short side a few times and had his hands on the ball a lot in the first 20 minutes. Um, I think that's probably going to be the best setup for the Knights is get a really structured seven that isn't going to break your game apart, but he's really structured. A ball running big six that can defend really well and you allow Kalen to be the guy that, you know, because I think they just don't have the recruitment power to afford to have Kalen to be the tip of the spear, I think we're kind of finding that now he has to be the spear. Like, he probably has to be the spear. Yeah. I think it's good to see Tex, you know, play the last two weeks well because he came in with so much hype. So much hype. So much hype. He had the name, you know, his old man who is who he is and everything. So, um, you know, it's a lot of pressure. Anytime you can rhyme your name with sex, <laughs> yeah. you'll go hype on it. Yeah. But no, it's been good. He's been playing some great footy the last two weeks and that's – Probably the Tex Hoy that we expected to see. Yeah. Or we were told but we were going to see when yeah. he debuted, you know. For sure. Was anyone else that stood out for you? I, just, I still think the <clears throat> story that reflects for me uh, in Tex Hoy's life, Sexy Tex, is the fact that he had his – when he had his four, he cut off as a baby. Andrew Johns, the eighth immortal, was holding on to him. <laughs> Isn't that just every baby's dream? Anyway. <laughs> Destined for greatness. Destined for greatness. How could he not be a yeah, future? It's NRL almost like superstar. a god holding your, your fucking four. <laughs> 
Um, just looking at the positives for the night and, and the parallels there, going back to those first two rounds where they did surprise everyone and came out with a couple of wins to start the year and a couple of upset wins there. As we said, uh, Fitzgibbon back in there, uh, who still not convinced he's a star, but he seems to get a few results there. Him back in, Mitchie Barnett back in. Adam Clude played, played a pretty decent game. He's been injury-hampered for a fair while now. So a few decent little things. And just on the, the big-bodied 5-8 argument uh, that we sort of chatted about in depth last week, I still don't hate the idea of Kurt Mann back into that team at 5-8 mm. uh, because he said, I think it frees mm. up Caelan Pong to play that first receiver role a lot more, which he did more on the weekend, looked terrific. Mm. Um, Kurtman back this week, Frizzell back, so it'll likely be Frizzell and Fitzgibbon on the edges. So if they want to play Connor Watson, Connor Watson, Kurtman at lock, I'll do that all season, no worry. If they want to play Kurtman at lock where they had uh, for the start of the season, Barnett's going to have to go back to the bench. Like he played 80 on the weekend and was excellent, so maybe there's an opportunity to go Mitchie Barnett at lock and we would play Kurtman at 5'8". You've got the structured half in Adam Clune. Yeah, it's um, interesting. I just... Kurtman was so good at lock So though. good, yeah. But you're right. You don't want Barnett on the bench. Mm. You can't have Barnett on the bench. Yeah. Like, like I'd start Barnett ahead of Fitzgibbon, but they just love Fitzgibbon out there and they always choose to start him and I can't see that changing. So. Yeah. I, I personally agree. I'd probably start Barnett over mm. Fitzgibbon. Uh, but if you're not going to do that, yeah, it's a good point. You know, maybe you put Barnett at, at 13, just get him to play like a Ruben Cotter kind of role. Cotter's got obviously better hands, but he seems to get through a lot of work. Yeah, interesting. The good thing is, is they finally got this problem to have. Yeah, you know, like they finally got this problem to have where they actually have some depth. So, yeah, nice fans, enjoy it, enjoy it. Um, yeah, it was the doggies, but the doggies beat the roosters two weeks ago. It's not like you know, it's not like they're fucking terrible or anything. Still no like that. easy wins in this. There's game. no easy wins. Yeah. And anyone that thinks like, think about if you think it was an easy win, go and watch that first half. That first half, Knights were under the pump. Under the pump. So, yeah, good win for the uh, the Knights. Now, we've spoken pretty lengthily about the doggy, so we won't spend too much time. Um, look, it's just that second half, it's just... I just don't know. It, all of a sudden, they just exploded, imploded. It was just a different team. Um, I, I don't know what the, the answer is because when you really look at their roster, it's, it's a fucking pretty solid roster. And I agree with you. You know, I, I think they, they imploded in the second half. They l- let in one of the softest tries I've ever seen to Clune outside of that. And they conceded 10 points. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it wasn't pretty, but it's not as dire straits as what it could be at Canterbury. Yeah, that, I that's, think. I, I, they're just there. Like, there's, a, there's glimmers of hope. You can see it. You can see it. But just falling away at certain mm. areas where it, it's, like, it's like they have these moments where everyone decides to just switch off. You know what I mean? And then they'll go another 20 minutes of like real gritty, strong footy mm. and then boom, everyone's just watched. So what do you think about the doggies, Timmy? Yeah, I said it. Aside from that, I think mean, there's heaps to touch on with them because they're not throwing up anything new week in, week out at the moment. But I think that's maybe where the issue lies in that they're a little bit uh, placid and, and, and sort of, again, monotonous in attack with these sort of block plays and they go out the back and you know it's being thrown at you. I'd like to see them just shake up their attacking structures a little bit, particularly around Matty Burton. I think they need to probably tailor their attack, particularly uh, in the uh, opponent's red zone, around just getting Matty Burton early ball and around his running game mm. because it's so dominant and he's doing a little bit like I sort of go on with Ponga sweeping out the back of the Knights. Mm. Stop him, sweep him, and get him playing this flat and fast footy. I think that's where all the best big ball running five eights like Jackie White and do their damage. Yep. Um, so I'd like to see them change that up a little bit, but otherwise, mate, they're you know a few issues there. I, yeah. I was very surprised to see Avarillo, 18th man, 
Mm. Surely if you're struggling for points, you've got to find a spot for him somewhere, don't you? Yeah. I, I know that's easy to say, but I, I, just, I can't believe he isn't in their best 17 when he's available. Who do you replace, though? Like, do you put him on the wing or... I mean, fullback's probably... You start considering him at fullback, yeah. Well, I think you've got to start considering it. Dufty... The, the tough thing about Dufty is he's so, when he's good, he's fucking so good. Like, he's almost Tedesco-esque sometimes when he's good. Oh. But then, then other weeks he just turns up and it's just not on for him. Like, yeah. I don't know, like, you know, 107 metres at fullback, it's, it's pretty, you're probably going to, you need to get a bit higher than that as a running fullback. Yeah. Especially in a game like this too, where you need a points. Like, I don't know if he got injured. Did Tavita Pango Jr. get injured or did he, like, he played 44 minutes. <laughs> I, I, right. I, I, I didn't notice he got injured. Mm. But for him to only play 44 minutes with, you know, the offloading ability, that he's got when they're behind against a Knights team who the defense isn't fantastic. I would have thought, like, to, to only play Tavita for 44 minutes to not play for Avril on the side just seems a bit backwards to me. No, nah, oh. Tavita came back on in the 68th minute, so yeah, maybe he got injured mid game and came back on. But Corey Waddell, like, he got concussed, so whether that impacted the interchanges, but I think Tavita might have got concussed. He, something must have happened because yeah. you think with yeah. um, Waddell okay. going down as well on the edge, he would have played bigger minutes, and just on the average low one. Surely it's a better side with Brent Naden on the wing, Ockenbore out, and Avery Light centre. I, per- I, take that every I day personally, you know, Ockenbore at his best is fucking really, really good. He just hasn't seemed to be able to find that form yeah. this year. You it don't just, get enough of it. I feel yeah. like he's still living off the reputation of trampling Cam Smith mm. twice in one game. About Which I appreciate because I bring it up to Cam Smith all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I feel that's the only thing he's done in the NRL. That's a bit harsh. Like he, he's, he's solid, but I, I think the opportunity to have Avery Lowe in your team is yeah. way better. I say all the time, I say, you know you played 400 and plus games? <laughs> Remember when Ockenborg steamrolled you? <laughs> twice in about 15 Twice minutes. in about 15, like Ockenborg steamrolled you. Like, are you serious? Um <laughs> You know those like real passive aggressive people that like. <laughs> <laughs> I met I met an old friend the other day, and, and he's a friend, but and he just he says stuff that I don't think he realizes he's passive aggressive. But I met him, and like obviously everything's been really successful. First thing he says to me is like, "Why are you wearing your, your own jersey?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Why wouldn't I?" And he was like, "Oh, okay." And I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Hadn't seen him in years, and I was like, "Man, like those little those little yeah. digs at you, like to try to." Yeah, you don't know how to respond. To yeah, you're like, you just- "Bro, we like ten years old. Of course, I'm gonna wear my own brand. Like, what? I expect everyone else to wear my brand, but I'm not gonna wear the brand because I'm too cool for it. Like, what? I fucking love this shit." Um, and yeah, anyway, back to the footy. Um, <laughs> it's not in my head or anything. Yeah. It's fine. Oh man, but I, I hate because it's just like if you're gonna be a dick, just be a dick, bro. <laughs> just be a dick. Like, get just it out in the it. open. Yeah, own it. Get it out in the open. We don't have to do these little subtle digs and that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, look, the, the, do- the dogs. We've kind of spoken about them like quite lengthily when it comes to their coaching. So I really think that that's probably their biggest concern right now is their, not their roster. It's more just like what's happening above them. Mm. Um, so hopefully they can bounce back. Hopefully they can bounce back. Now on to Broncos versus Manly. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Uh, mate, the Broncos, probably the best performance I personally can remember since Bennett left. I think that's fair. They yeah. absolutely dominated them it looked like broncos were the premiership threat and manly were the struggling club that hadn't that, you know had been close to the spoon and won the spoon the last couple of years obviously that isn't a reality situation but to see a manly forward pack get absolutely dominated by a young team like that i think that desi will have be fuming in the manly like 
when it comes to the meeting in that. Um, but we'll talk about Broncos first. Uh, Gurino, what do you think about the Broncos? Yeah, very impressive. Obviously, Adam Reynolds, uh, that, that's one of the best individual performances of the season Mate. for me, I think. That I, was I said that it's the best seven performance we've seen, or at least one of, since Kevy Walters was the premiership winner in 2000. Now, Benny Hunt probably had some performances like it. Well, not probably, did. Mm. But I would say Adam Reynolds, that, that performance by Adam Reynolds was at least equal to any of Benny Hunt's best games when we went on that premiership run, in my opinion. So. Yeah, and but that, that chip over the top he did, like, that was so perfect that if it was anyone else, you'd almost say, oh, he's, he's mishit it. He's mishit, Absolutely. Absolutely, like, yeah. It was like he kicked a balloon and it just, yep. it just, it was so... Well, what he did was he chopped the bottom of the ball yep. so it spins a lot and it doesn't have much length, but it kind of goes up high. Like it was... Which sounds perfect. easy when you say oh. it, but to do it at pace with bodies around you, to do it without bodies around you is Crazy. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very impressive. And I, I just love the confidence that he's put in Selwyn Cobber. Yeah, I, I honestly, at the end of round two, round three, I thought, fuck, he has played so poorly and people are talking about him so much that mm. this could really derail him Absolutely. for quite some time. Well, we, we said, we said maybe yeah. reserve grade just to get him out of the spotlight because he is a 10-year player for us. Yeah, and fuck, the turnaround has just been incredible. Once again, we come back to it. They just beat Manly 38-0 and Staggs didn't really have many touches of the yeah. ball which is not a negative on stags but i remember saying at the start of the year to you they're not going to win games of football unless stags has 20 touches of the ball yep. and on top of that has to his standards had a relatively quiet game to his standards like you know anyone yeah. else I'm not and you know you uh, like in a weird way you almost want him to have quieter games so that the rest of the blokes are going with him yeah i think i heard adam reynolds talking to uh, maddie johns last night saying that he's he's always in harsh's ear saying to him need to let some of this load go. You mm. need to let the other guys we've got here are good footballers. You've got to let them take mm. a little bit on. But as Reynolds said, Haas has just been in this mindset for the last two years. If it's yep. not me, it's not fucking it's happening. Not anyone. Which has been true. Mm. Um, on top of that, just with the Reynolds comment, it's also like the work Payne Haas does, like incredible. He, you know, no one thinks his praise is high enough. But sometimes as a half or as a team, you don't need that big crazy run you may make 20 meters but you've just taken us off where we need to be getting to on the field and the key to reynolds brilliance is he's getting to certain positions on the field for a reason like he's getting it to create space somewhere else and as soon as you deviate from that the whole set's fucking imploded and it's turned from a set where we're setting everything up to score tries to all right this is just a meter set you know anyway sorry yeah no you're and like there's a number of plays in the competition that are like that mm. i I think for Parramatta, Nathan Brown's improved his game a lot because of that. He used to be the same. He'd bounce off three, he'd offload, and all of a sudden your set would just be in complete disarray. Uh, but, yeah, Brisbane, I I thought they were incredibly impressive in this one. Um, yeah, I, I thought they'd hang in the contest. But to go 13 plus, let alone almost 40, it's unbelievable. It should have been 40. Like, it, I, Yeah. Maybe I, I'm super, super, or I am definitely biased because Bronco my team. But I actually thought some of the calls that Manly got early in that game to keep him in the game were outrageous. Outrageous. Like, anyway, sorry. But, yeah, no, I'm very impressed with Brisbane there. They're just getting better every week. And yep. I still don't think they've solved a couple of issues in this team. I, I agree. Tomorrow, Martin's uh, got an injury. So, going to see some changes there. We're hearing that Selwyn will play fullback, whether he does or not. We'll see. But, um, mate, considering you haven't worked out your spine yet, so exciting, bro. Makes me so you, you, fucking You're built happy. around a halfback who didn't really have a preseason. 
mm. has only just arrived. Mate. It just makes it's me incredible. so proud and happy for those boys because I want them to experience. Like, obviously, I'm not a 300 game player. I'm just a fucking shit kicker that played fucking 40 games. But I just want them to experience what it really f- should feel like to be a Bronco. And they're starting to feel that. They're starting to feel like, oh, we're the motherfuckers. Like we, like you look at that forward pack, and you're starting to see them realize, go, oh no, we're the motherfuckers. People come to Suncorp and fear us, whether it's the fucking storm or whether it's the roosters. We're the ones that you fear, not the other way around. We're not the little youngsters anymore. We are the guys that, you know, like players whisper about and say, oh, I wish I was at the Broncos and fuck, we're this mysterious, like, there's this this aura about the Broncos and you're starting to see it with that forward pack. What did you think of the game, Timmy? Yeah, mate, terrific watch. Um, obviously for all the Brizzy fans out there. I reckon the morning after the game, NRL headquarters, they've gone to the terminology book, gone to Deft Touch and just whacked a QR code in there straight to that chip chase. Yeah. It was, there's just moments in rugby league that they, they might not be off it, uh, as obvious or like um, exciting as, you know, you might like at times, but that you just makes hair stand on end yep. at the sheer class and like difficulty rating of plays like that. Mm. Um, and Brisbane themselves, I just I remember looking at them the last sort of two months when they've been at, <clears throat> at their deepest, lowest of lows and just haven't been the club that we've come to know and love, some of us know and love. Um, <laughs> One thing that stood out for me is just when I was watching them during those periods, just like the lack of willingness to play with each other and, you know, they'd be coming out of their own end and there'd be a bloke trucking it up by himself and there'd be no options either side of the road. It was just awful. Now, you look at them, they've got two boats going up and a pair on the left, two boats going up on the right. There's a bit of shape with the halves out the back of them and all of a sudden they just like this foot, look like this footy side who want to be out there and as you said, they want to win for each other mm. uh, and it's... Refreshing in there, bloody good to see. Absolutely. What do you got there, mate? I just want to say, um, you said the Ben Hunt, Adam Reynolds thing before. When I think Ben Hunt, Broncos performances, the best one I can think of is the prelim in 2015, which unfortunately was overshadowed by the grand final. But I'll just read you. I know stats don't tell the story, mm. but I'll just read the life of like stats. Ben Hunt in that game, one try, two try assists, 18 tackles, kicked him to death, 472 kicking metres. Adam Reynolds, pretty much identical. One mm. try, two try assists, 14 tackles, kicked him to death, 438 kicking metres. Yeah. So we're getting... We're getting that level again, that, you know, prime Benny Hunt or, you know, not Kevy Walters level, but what I'm, when I say the best since Kevy Walters, what I'm saying is there's like, since then, I'm not saying it's as good or better than Kevy Walters, the bloke fucking won a thousand premierships. Uh, but I, because you have to remember through, through our dominant period, early 2000s, that was Lockie. Mm. You know, it wasn't a seven that was doing, mm. You know, obviously Seven was playing really well, but we won the premiership in 2000 and then we didn't win a premiership in 2006. The 2006 was obviously Darren Lockie. He, his partner was Shane Perry. You know what I mean? And so we actually haven't been blessed with another Seven because Lockie has consumed that role so much. And, you know, you know, you could argue if they had to choose between <laughs> Benny Hunt and Milford, maybe they probably should have kept Benny Hunt. In saying that, Milf did have some really good years after uh, Benny Hunt left. Uh, but the beautiful thing is, is like, Reynolds is playing as good as prime Benny Hunt. And prime Benny Hunt, what do you do? He got us to a fucking grand final. Yep. So if we can just find, you know, some, a six and a nine or whatever. Um, yeah. For the rest of the team, uh, I just want to give Corey Jensen a massive yeah. rap. <laughs> Mate, like Corey Jensen physically, you know, he, what was that? The Cowboys, you know, got to start here or there. Comes to the Broncos as, as a, almost a fringe signing. He's forced his way into a starting eight role. And let me read you his stats. He played, and I know you messaged me as well, you're impressed with him. He played 36 minutes. 
He ran for 190 metres, 74 post contact, two tackle breaks, 18 tackles, zero misses. 36 minutes. Now, to put that in perspective, Payne Haas, 56 minutes, 178 metres, 74 post contact, 24 tackles, zero misses in an offload. So um, for Jensen to be putting up similar-ish numbers to Haas, now he'll never be able to do the 200 metres, 40 tackles, zero misses like Haas does. I don't think any player could do that other than Haas. But when you're getting that kind of balance out of your front rowers, it's a scary, scary thing. And Jensen, he's just been outstanding. Such a any club that is like fighting their way out of the bottom of the table, these are the kind of buys you need to make that shore up your team. That you know they may not set the world alight, but they're fucking doing their job really well. The Bellamy specials, yeah. Bellamy special. I um I I, I text you about him, and I had a mate sitting next to me who knows his footy, yep. and I said these are Payne Haas's stats, these are Player X's stats. Guess who it is? He didn't. And as I said, he knows footy. I said Corey Jensen. He goes, I didn't know Corey Jensen was in the team. Yeah, and <laughs> most said, people. Corey don't. Jensen sat in between us on the lounge. Wouldn't even. I know. wouldn't know who Corey Jensen was, <laughs> mate. And that's no disrespect to Corey at all. But uh, it's a compliment to where he's yeah. come from. He's, he's incredible. He's, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I just think, like, think of the rotation we have now. Flegler coming off the bench, Palacia, who, who's been a little bit quiet since he hurt his eye, but like. Then you've got Hetherington, who just fucking goes all day. Like, it is truly growing in to a really, really good forward pack. Um, you know, Jordan Ricky, I think he – although he had that drop ball off the kickoff, which, you know, sucks. Outside of that, I think he's really starting to improve. He has less errors, less drop balls. He's starting to, to really round his game out, which is good. Um, and when everyone else in that forward pack is playing the level they are – you can afford to have a little wild card in Ricky. Yeah. Because you know he's got the upside of that offload Absolutely. down that edge. Um, Herbie Farmworth continues to f- – like, fuck, I rate – I just I just appreciate him so much. You know, he gets through so much shit work, and every week he's a 150-metre-plus player, um, solid in defence. So, look, the crazy thing is, is we still don't have essentially a specialist fullback like Tomato Martin, although he's been solid – um, you know, probably had a pretty quiet game on the weekend. He's uh, definitely not a specialist fullback. He's not a specialist yeah. fullback. You know, Tyson Gamble, love his attitude, love the energy he brings. But, you know, we probably could recruit a, a, a higher tier uh, six. You know, in saying that, players improve all the time. Mm-hmm. And he is improving each week. I think the first week he came in wasn't great. I think he's really starting to understand his role with Reynolds. And it's basically like... Yes, sir. No, sir. Wherever you want me, sir. I'm just going to be there. You, you give me the ball. I'll run as hard as I fucking can, and I'll tackle as hard as I can. And you know what? If he if he continues growing on this trajectory, maybe we don't need to go in the market. You know, mm-hmm. like I do think you know, it would be good to pair Reynolds with a fucking a game breaker. But who knows? Maybe Reynolds has the game break in him. And I thought last night when I heard Reynolds talking on the Matty John, so they sort of said, oh, how's Tyson going? He's a loose cannon. And he sort of went, yeah. He, he sort of just said like, yeah, he is, but. I know who he is, and I know how I have to work with him. Yeah, like it, like Adam was, you know, essentially saying like I'm not playing, I, I'm not playing the way that I want to play with the five eight I want. I'm playing the way with the five eight I've got. Yeah, and he's yeah. making it work. Yeah, and the last and it's working. the last years with the bunnies, he didn't have to be a game breaker, and we he maybe he's become the game breaker that we didn't think we had him. He had it in him because he had Cody Walker there, he had the Troy Mitchell there, a yeah. bunch of stars around. He's like. He could literally just run the show, get around the park, sweet, they do the damage. Now, as great as the Broncos are going, with no disrespect to any of these blokes, it's a spine of Tamari Martin, 
just had his first few games back in years. Yep. Um, so Tyson Gamble, Billy Walters, who's give or take a hooker half, whatever, chopping and changing with mm-hmm. other hookers. Reynolds is the bloke who has to stand out there and be the key creator as opposed to only getting around the park. Mm. And it's just been sublime, hasn't yeah. it? Oh, man. And I think for, for Reynolds' legacy, if he continues this, it changes everything. Mm. It changes yeah. everything. Because a year ago, Reynolds was... He's a great structured half, you know. Yeah, he's not your million-dollar man, but he's a great structured half. He's going to kick you in the corners. He's going to set everything up. Um, he's going to do everything you need to, to to get you around the park. But he's not a marquee big dog signing. Whereas if he continues this trajectory, and let's say the Broncos next year, top four, top six, even, you all of a sudden go, you know what? Reynolds is so much more than a structured half. So much more than a structured half, and it's almost getting out of the shadow of the Rabbitohs has helped him become who maybe he always was or, or or whatever. So, mate, he's just been absolutely incredible. He now sits, I think, equal third on the Dallium. Well, if you oh. were picking off form and form alone, he'd be your Blues 7, I think. A form alone this year. This, at least this month. At least this month, for sh- yeah, for sure. Form alone this month, I, I agree with you. Form alone this month, but, you know, obviously... Oh, obviously, you're yeah, going to be clear, but if yeah. you're going on form and form alone... Yeah, if, if you had X player and, and Y player, you didn't know what their names were, yeah. and you just looked at the last four weeks, you would probably have Reynolds as the best seven in the cop. Reynolds or Moses? I was going to just about to say Moses. It's funny how the Blues are pretty blessed with three... Super blessed. Like, in form, top yeah. tier halfbacks yeah. right now. Uh, in saying that, you know, we have to remember, Cleary did just come back from a major yeah. surgery. And, mm. and, and to be really clear, Cleary still played some really good footy. We're just looking at some crazy... Um, Form for career best form for Reynolds. Yep. He's third on the Dally M, equal third, I'm pretty sure. Could you just check that for us? He's equal third. Imagine, <laughs> I know ad nauseum, I apologize, Rabbitohs fans, <laughs> but like, imagine sitting there as recruitment going, fuck, we let go of, we wouldn't give a guy that's currently third on the Dally M's an extra year. He's not third, he's sitting at like about seventh because but he's, equal, got, but he's yeah. equal on points though. So Yo seventeen, perhaps Moses fifteen, Hunt fourteen, DC thirteen, Heinz thirteen, then Reynolds eleven. Eleven. So he's fifth, equal fifth. He missed the first three weeks, two weeks, oh. didn't he? So he's equal fifth then. No, he's one, two, three, four. Well, it's seventh because you have to count. Like you, one, it's seventh. Two, three, four. Well, they're all equal on points. Though I'm talking about just the points. So number one on points is seventeen. Number two, number two position points is fifteen. Number three position points is 14. Number four position points is 13. And number... Well, yeah, whatever way you look at it. Yeah, like, so he's yeah. fifth on points. That's fifth what on, I mean, fifth, fifth on, on points. points. Yeah, sure. Because they're not all going to get three next week. Yeah, I'm just saying you wouldn't call Hunt equal third. That's that's what I mean. Anyway, whatever. He's on 11 points. Mm. He's playing well. Yeah. Cheers, Matty. Cheers for, <laughs> cheers for grinding the show to a, a painful halt. Over a nonsense technicality that actually doesn't make sense. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So he's he's sitting he's sitting in the the leaderboard for the Dally M. Sitting at the leaderboard. Fuck, honestly. And he's equal fifth on points. Um, and, and to think that you wouldn't give him an extra year, you know, to think you wouldn't give him an extra year, it's just it's. I don't think Maddie would either. Just quietly. yeah, just quietly. That's why you know what. That's why his butt hurt. That's why. That's why he's trying to get me back because yeah. he's a Rabbitohs fan. Real, real sour point. Yeah. yeah. Just technically, <laughs> technically, because there are other people that are equal on points. Um, and look, to be honest though, like if he, how many he'd missed the first what two, three weeks? Two weeks, I think. Two weeks. Yeah. So fuck, he'd be close. 
Like yeah. you'd have to say, get at least you know a couple points over those. Well, weeks. They won the first week too, so just first yeah. week. Sorry, um, yeah, missed the first week against the bunnies. Yeah, yeah. Then he played the Panthers the third Dogs, week. Dogs, cow, uh, pan- roosters, and Panthers were five and six. Five and six, like fuck. And did we, we beat played the Cowboys in there too? Yeah, yeah. like yeah. we Cowboys. had a, pr- a fair, a fair like draw to start with. So yeah, sure. great stuff for the Broncos. Great stuff for the Broncos, um, mate. It's just fuck the world, Joy Star. We just got to keep this up. Uh, on to the, the Seagulls, mate. I just thought this was a real case of their forward pack. They just didn't seem to have that energy. Yeah. Like, they, they weren't anywhere near that energy. And I wonder, like, were they overtrained? Were they, like, why were they so fatigued, it seemed? There was a moment where Dylan Walker and Marty Tapao walked on the field at the same time. And I sort of thought, ah, oh, okay, this might start to turn a little bit here yeah. or even up. You could argue it got worse. Mm. Yeah. Like, Broncos. Had two over two thousand running meters. Mainly had a, a one thousand two hundred, eight hundred less running meters. The uh, the Broncos averaged twelve more meters per set. That's essentially like playing seven tackles on six. Well, Ma- much. Marty DePauw had the most meters for Manly. Off nails off the bench, ninety two. Olakwatu eighty eight. From there, the rest of the pack was sixty three meters or below. Fuck. Yeah. And, and coupled that, with that, five Broncos forwards went over hundred meters. Yeah. Mm. But on yeah. top of that, too, Turbo was the only manly player without a missed tackle, and he was fullback. Yeah, wow. 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 You don't see that very often. Like, the other 16 players had a missed tackle. Yeah. Well, I was looking at um, Knights, and there was, like, they literally missed, I think, their, their starting side missed, like, four tackles all up or some shit like that. Yeah. Five tackles all up. Um, are we concerned for manly at all? <clears throat> yeah, well, mate, you know, I, I think in the first... 10 weeks or nine weeks or whatever, there was three or four weeks where I had stats that said Manly are really struggling, but mm. we said Turbo's going to be back. You know, we said last week that Turbo didn't look 100%. Fuck, they can tell you he got corked all they want. He's not there. Mm. He's not. I reckon he looks so far off his best fitness. He, he just looks like he's in pain moving around to me. Do you think that it, the Manly – because, like, Tommy would want to play through everything. Yep. You know, he'd be desperate to play because he would hate the tag of being injury-prone, rah, rah. And he's proven last year that he can get through a whole year of footy. Do you think Manly need to be like, mate, just take a couple of weeks off? It's a long season. It, you, you do the team more service by being 100% and rolling into the year than, than uh, maybe prolonging the injury. I'm not sure if, if you're limping around. What do you reckon, Timmy? Again, like without knowing <clears throat> the medical side of things, they have to give him a spell, don't they? Just get him right. Like They're a good enough team that they can scrape into that, um, even if not top four, which is obviously the major goal, into that fifth to eighth spot, play finals footy. <clears throat> if they get back to what they were doing last year and they get a fully fit Tommy Turbo playing anything close to last year, they're a team capable of winning it from outside the top four. Mm. So just focus on that. And, and as I said, I don't know. I know Desi came out. After the game said Tommy didn't have any new injuries, it was just the same, whatever carry he's been carrying, it was the knee niggle. Um, just spell him, get him right. You know, he's got a busy origin period coming up as well. Um, just look after him. Have faith in your side to make the top eight, um, mm. even if it means giving Tommy a month off or whatever. Because, uh, put it this way, if he keeps playing with this and it doesn't come good or he gets injured again, they can't win the comp and they probably won't make the finals footy. Well, so. that's the other thing. Like, I, I think it's manly. You can't ask him to sit out origin. No, you don't so you've got to like you've probably got to take care of him over the next few weeks. They play Parramatta next week. They're ninth at the moment. Like as much as we say, oh, they're a good enough team to be in the eight, are they? Yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about. Well, that. we have to remember that, like you know, they they have form runs sometimes. You know, they were they were on the up last year, but 
They have started the year poorly, two years in a row, so it's not like they don't have it in them. I do think they're an eight side. I will say, though, what surprises me is a lot of, in, like, not a lot of, some soft tissue injuries come because your body is out of balance. So I'm just surprised that Manly, now maybe they, not maybe, they probably are telling the truth. Maybe he was corked and that's the, the whole reason. But let's say he isn't and, and he isn't 100%. Maybe, the th- problem is, is maybe Tommy is saying to them, I'm sweet, I'm sweet, I'm mm-hmm. sweet, because he's so keen to get back on. But the the increased likelihood of some other soft tissue happening whilst he's limping and stuff, that would scare the shit out of me if I'm Manly. I'd be like, I don't want, like, what if it's not his knee that, let's say his knee does heal fine, but in the last week of his knee just about to heal to 100%, you know, he does his calf or his hammy or his hip flexor, you'd be going, shit, like, we, did, was that us? Did we increase the likelihood by allowing him to play? Um, I have a question based off that. Would you it, did the similar thing happen with Pappenhausen the other? Well, way? you don't you don't know. Like you don't know for sure, but you could argue that because his body is unbalanced, he's putting more stress on other areas of his body. So, like if my left knee is a little bit weak, and that's injuries are usually pain and weakness. That's the usually, and, and obviously Dior. Best, you know what, the best page to follow is the NRL physio. He'll give you a crazy breakdown of everything. But from my understanding, for being an athlete essentially for fucking, I don't know, 28 years or 20 years or whatever, it, injuries are weakness and pain. And so if, if your injury knee is weak on one side, you have to f- make up for it somewhere. Like you have to find that strength to run normally somewhere. And so you, you put more stress on your other muscles to, to balance yourself out. Um, and with Pappenhusen, the argument could be made because he did his knee that he was stressing more hard, like putting more um, tension on his right hamstring and eventually it just fatigued and boom, just went. So I, it's risky. It's risky. So I don't know. I, I, I personally believe Manly's coaching staff probably are saying to Tommy, like, like with a... A physio-player relationship, the physio can only go off what he's being told. Now, he can do some tests and feel – like, you can't really feel weakness in a joint. You can to a degree, like, I want you to do bridges with your hamstrings. And if you can't get through 10, obviously there's an issue. But there are stages of, like, with physios is where they can only go off what they're being told. If Tommy keeps saying to them, sweet, I'm sweet, I'm sweet, like, what can you do? You yeah. can't go, you're not sweet. Um, so it's a really hard situation. Like, the, it's a double-edged sword because the reason why Tom Travoyage is so great is because he's competitive as fuck, like competitive as. But sometimes, um, I don't know, I think maybe the club could step in and say, you know, mate, mate just, just give us a week. Just take a week off, relax. Let's reassess next week and then just take a week-by-week week basis. As soon as we can see you running cleanly... We'll get you back in. But it's really hard to comment on because we just don't know. Mm. We don't know what the inner workings are. Maybe he has told the physio, yeah, it's a little bit sore, but the physio is uh, far more knowledgeable than us. And some injuries are purely pain. So like, for example, rib cartilage, you're not really usually going to make your rib cartilage worse. It's just how can you, can you deal with the pain? If it's so much where you're constantly wincing, then obviously you're going to be weaker than usual. And so maybe Tom, Tom's injury is more a case of, uh, it's never going to get worse. Or if it does, it's just a freak accident that could have happened anyway. Mm-hmm. And they're going, look, if you can play through the pain, then play. So- it's really frustrating, isn't it? Because <clears throat> the NRL is historically so poor at uh, this transparency between particularly injuries yeah. uh, between players and fans. And on one side, you say, you know, they're a club. They don't have to tell everything. They've got a competition and all that sort of stuff. But on the flip side, it's like, well, 
fans feel the game. They have a right to a lot of this information, maybe not everything. So it's so hard to really know what's going on with injured players and how bad they are or how close they are to being 100%. Whereas I know American sports do such a better job of it and conveying what's going mm. on at clubs and players and injuries. So whether that ever changes, and I digress a little bit, but it, it's a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I, I can, Tommy. Yeah, I can I totally understand from a fan's perspective. From a club's perspective, it's more along the lines of like any advantage we can get with keeping that information from other teams. Mm. So like, for example, let's say... <coughs> Let's say Tommy isn't back for two weeks, but what we do is we chuck him on the bench like as a, as a reserve. That now the team that's playing the Manly Seagulls train completely different to what they would train if Tommy's not even named in the squad because they have to train under the impression that Tommy might be playing. And if Tommy's playing, it's a very different style of footy than if, say, Ruben is or, or whatever. And so to get that upper hand, it, does, it helps clubs a little yeah. bit. But I understand where fans are coming from. Like, I wish there was... It would be interesting if the NRL could come in and say, all clubs, you must report accurately your injuries because then it takes the advantage away from any club and there's fair no one. All. Exactly. It's, yeah. a, it's fair for all. No one gets disadvantaged and the, and the fans also get to get a fair insight into you know what's happening. But yeah, it's an interesting topic. Look, mm. to be fair, every, every sport eventually will just be like America because they're so fucking good at what they do. And every, everything always trends in the direction, at least in Western countries, towards, towards America. They just sort of, you're, you always feel in the NRL that, you know, if they made that rule, everyone has to be honest. I'm sure every coach would be sitting there going, I know he's not going to be honest. I know he's <laughs> not <laughs> going to be honest. Like, in a perfect utopian world where yeah. everything, everything goes to plan. Well, and what they could, I mean, what they could do is report directly, the physio reports directly to the NRL and basically put it, the onus on the physios. If you, ha you have a duty to of duty of care or some shit, whatever the fucking duty is, to make sure it's accurate. And if you're not, we have the right to remove you or whatever. I, I, but yeah. it's still good. Oh, I, I can just see the boardroom, them announcing this to the coaches and Wayne just giggling. Yeah. Going, oh, no, I know, well, I know. But you, we, we, can't, we can't just throw our hands up with yeah. everything like that. We have to at least try to make yeah. it even. Otherwise, just be a fucking wild west. Stuff though, because like, and like, you know from playing, like, you see it all the time. If you know, like, the, the, like if a Mitch Moses comes into the game with a right shoulder injury right. who's going to get a heap of traffic at their right shoulder well I came back three weeks after I broke six rigs in my lung collapse I'm an idiot like this again competitive nature mm. just like wanting to get back out there I want to fucking get out and play I was running the ball and they were literally yelling hit his ribs hit his <laughs> ribs and I tell you what they did hit my ribs <laughs> I got an inside ball off Lockyer and one of the massive Newcastle forwards boom straight in the ribs I was off again out for another few weeks um, anyway uh Manly Seagulls, yeah. Look, I, honestly, I think you could put this all down to, unfortunately, it was just one of those weeks where the Ford Pack didn't rock up. They just didn't seem energetic. Maybe they had a heady, heavy load in, in fitness. I'm not sure. Maybe the game where they, they lost a player is finally caught up to them. Because we'll speak about the Sharks thing. Do you remember when I said last week, I'm a bit concerned that they'll be able to back it up, mm. the Sharks, because they had such a big... And that, you have to pay the debt. The debt has to be paid. You don't just get to have those performances and like no, you know, no consequence. Like eventually it's going to happen. And so maybe Manly are just eventually paying for that pretty incredible performance they put up against the Rabbitohs because they looked a bit tired. I don't think it's um, cause for concern at the moment. Just one game. I think it's a mixture of the, the Manly not turning up plus the Broncos being a lot better than people thought they were going to be. They play Parramatta um, this week, Manly Seagulls. If they lose that... Yeah, there's a world where they could fall to 
eleventh and twelfth, yeah, depending on how the results go. It just it's you know what it is. It's that start, man. If you have that bad start, it puts you in a real tough position. Because there's there's no way anyone here believes the current Manly side should be sitting eleventh or twelfth. Yeah. But they very even the best Manly side can get beaten by the Eels. But it's like like Cam Smith always said at the Storm, we like to start well because if you can bank those points, it just sets you up for the rest of the season. Well, that's the thing. If they're eleventh and twelfth going to Origin, where Ches, Turbo, and Gerbo go away for six weeks, yep. life gets very difficult. All of a sudden, very difficult. All of a sudden, if they if they drop a fair few games in the Origin period, they're chasing the eight, not the four. They're chasing the eight, and the problem is, is there's two teams, Sharks and Broncos, that have made the eight even harder to make because they're playing well this year. They play Parramatta this week. They play the Mel- Melbourne at Amy Park the week after, and then they play the Warriors, who will not lose a single player for State of Origin. That's a rough fucking... Oof, that's a tough gig. Yeah, it's that a tough gig. Um, and don't forget, guys, we will be doing Bloke Live, Origin 1 at the Locker Room Hotel. Bloke Live, Origin 1 at the Locker Room Hotel. Also, we're in every single <coughs> Celebrations, Bottolo, IGA Liquor Plus, and Porter's Liquor in New South Wales and ACT, currently at a discounted price. So head into your local uh, to grab a case of Bloke in a bar. Uh, on to the next game, Warriors versus Rabbitohs. First half, I'm sitting there going, holy shit, heads are about to roll at the Warriors. Second half, I'm going, holy shit, this could be one of the greatest comebacks of all time. Uh, thoughts on this game, Gurino? Mate, I honestly, I thought there was a moment during that Warriors first half where I thought they might be worse this week than what they were last week. They just looked, it was the most pedestrian attack. It looked like they hadn't seen each other all week. Mm. It was It was just such a... God, it was poor. I mean, and the thing that the thing that got me was that they started well. They came out, they got two repeat sets, mm. and I sort of thought, "Fuck, the Warriors are on here." Then SJ kicked on about third tackle it was a turnover, and for the next thirty minutes, they just went, "Not going to tackle, not going to." Like Cody Walker, he he played really well, Walker, but that must have felt like a training drill for him. Mm. I almost felt sorry for Southie in the second half because. They almost didn't have to get off the bus in the first half yeah. to score their first 24-odd points, and the Warriors started playing. It's like they got lured into a false sense of security. Yeah, yeah. This is such an interesting game because if you're both sides, you're pissed off. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure no Rabbitohs... Yeah. No one's happy with his performance. Like, I'm sure Rabbitohs are fuming. Like, I'm sure Demetrio is going, boys, that's fucking bullshit. And I'm sure Nathan Brown is going, boys, that's fucking bullshit. It's a weird, weird situation. What do you think about this game, Timmy? It's hard to line it all up because one side of you says, all right, the Bunny's starting to show a bit of attacking now. So again, Cody Walker looking a lot sharper. But then you're like, the defensive structures that the Warriors have thrown up in the last month, mm. as you said, pedestrian, like, like so, so horrific to watch. Um, but look, you can only beat what's put in front of you. Uh, granted, they only just did it, but... Cody Walker's starting to look a little sharper, swinging both sides, which I was really happy to see because I think mm. he's lacked that this season. Uh, Ilias had his moments, and I was trying to look at... I looked at all the Bunnies' tries that they scored, the tries that were scored last week, and why the Warriors just getting stripped for numbers so easily and trying to pinpoint what the issues are. And I don't know if it's just effort from the inside men. They're just not going out. They're like, even when they're not getting beaten, blokes just aren't screaming. Like, you know, you see Melbourne or Penrith, and, and they get stripped a little short... And there's just a herd of players coming across field to try and cover it. Goes past the Warriors, and they kind of like, yeah, gone, whatever, try in yep. the corner. Um, so, mate, I, they're hard to watch at the, war- the moment, the Warriors, but the second half to get up and have a dig and show that ticker that we saw over the last 18 months, it was, it was something for them. Mate, they won the last 30 minutes, the Warriors, 24-0. 
I mean, as you said, no one comes out of this game happy. They, they would both just be filthy. It was it was really tough to watch this one. Um, I don't know. The Warriors, they, they've, they've got a decent draw over the next two weeks. I think they got the Dragons into the Newcastle Knights. So two winnable games if they play the way they did in the second half. But... Mate, regardless of playing South and whoever it was, if they come out the way they did in the first half, they're going to get dusted like that <coughs> every week. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, the cookie send-off, uh, 10 in the bin. I, like, I'm trying to remember it. I don't know if I agree with this, the, this 10 in the bin. I, I feel like we're getting a bit too trigger-happy with this. What was it? it was, didn't he like... He, t- he turned his back. It was a try-scoring opportunity. SJ actually got there and dropped it. But I, I, think, he, I think it was... Oh, yeah, I remember it now. It out, yeah. I remember it now. Is that ten in the bin? Very soft. Like yeah. it was a he stepped a meter oh. and just turned his hip. Like fuck, ten in the bin. I think we're getting way too like way too gun ho with ten in the bin. Uh, because what's crazy is Sean Johnson still got there and knocked it on. If the fullback would have picked it up and scooted and got out and it was play on, I don't think we ever hear about it. Yeah, yet. ten in the bin. Yeah. I just think we're getting way too trigger happy with this 10 in the bin. Make it five. Like, I, I am super, super hesitant to add more rules to the game. But this 10 in the bin, some, like, there was another one. I, I hope I wrote it down. But there was another one. I was like, what 10 in the bin for that? I think it was um, Raiders' first one, maybe. Where, was it Hudson Young, I think? Anyway, I just think we're getting a bit too trigger-happy in this 10 in the bin. Like, we're forgetting how impacting this is. Like, yeah, okay, there's exceptions to the rule where the team holds on. I guarantee the Raiders pay with pay for that incredible win. They've got to pay for it somewhere. Yeah. Unless they handle their uh, recovery impeccably, the Raiders will pay for that incredible win, just like the Sharks paid for that incredible win the week before. Um, Two tries there, in five minutes when Cookie went off as well was yeah. this close to costing him the game. Literally. Like, mm. they, lost, they won the game by two points. Yeah. Um, you wrote down 10 in the bin, fuck me, that's rough on Hines. I, it might have been, I'm not sure. I, the, Chance was the first simp in for Raiders. Maybe Chance is what I wrote. The cha- yeah, the Chance yeah. one. I thought that was rough as shit on Chance. Mm. Like, because he was like, he wasn't even really holding him down. He was just like stepping over him. Understand a penalty, but 10 in the mm. bin, like, what are we doing? Like, and also that one, it's like the tackle had already been made. So, are you telling me that they were guaranteed to score the next play? Like, this, they were 40 metres, like, or 30 metres out from the try line. Yeah. Just this, this 10 in the bin, way too trigger happy in my opinion. I feel like we've, we've lost a bit of control. Like, I feel like it's getting a bit out of ref's hands where they're not really, like, there's no consistency. Like, one week that is 10 in the bin, one week it's not, and then the refs feel like they have to, but... I don't know. The 10 in the bin, if you want to use it more, then we have to introduce something that is less impactful. Like, for example, tell me how Chance being a split second on the ball too too long is equal to Dale Finucane's head being yeah. nearly taken off and Dale Finucane doesn't to return to the game, yet the punishment is equal on the day. How does that make sense? How does that make sense? Sound like a broken record and I hate bringing it up, but five minutes in bin. Has to, it has to be. I don't see why you just wouldn't do it. Yeah. It, it, it honestly has to be because I just, for, for the life of me, I can't understand how Dalfin can, like that was clear aggressive contact to his head with a shoulder and then Chance is like literally just skipping off the ball like half a second later and he's getting the same punishment. Makes zero sense. I know it's like 
different, but before they brought in the captain's challenge, it was very polarising. People saying, yeah, do it, don't. I was sitting there going, this could be the best change they ever make. And it just made 100% sense. I couldn't see why they wouldn't want to do it. People forget, like, there just used to be captains blowing up about decisions, fans blowing about decisions and all that. And all that crap is now, a lot of that crap is out of the game mm. because the captains have a say in it. And they, yep. they have a, a control over refereeing decision, not control, an impact on it. Mm. And it's just the same with the five-minute for me. It's just like, just do it. And I, yeah. I don't see why there's issue with it. Yeah, it, well, it's, again, yes, it is another rule, but it doesn't really affect the game, like, flow. Because they're getting sent anyway. The game's getting stopped. He's getting sent for 10 anyway. Instead of going like that, you just go like that. Like, that's literally <laughs> like, what, I, I've never understood what the negatives of having a five instead of a 10 could be. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like what could – I'd love to hear their arguments why they're not – why they don't want to do it. Yeah, it's, it's really bizarre to me. It's really bizarre. <laughs> anyway um, – Apologies for that uh, detour. Um, yeah, so this game, really interesting one. The good thing is, is at least we, we saw a half a footy with the Rabbitohs attack humming, really humming. Can I just say, sorry to take it back to Simbins, but I, I will just say, Graham Nestle came out in April and said, the five-minute Simbin was abolished in the early 1990s due to perceived inconsistencies between the refs sending off plays for either five or ten minutes in the bin when they were similar offences, but can be fixed. The, the problem is, though, is that we are now using the 10 in the bin way more than ever. So the game has changed because of your decisions, because the, the NRL has changed the game. So you need to address that. You can't just go, oh, well, back in the day when the game was way different and we never used to send people to... Like, think about it. Back in the day, 10 in the bin was like once a month, maybe. Maybe. You had to kill someone. Literally. Now it's, it's, it's once a game, minimum. Minimum. And, the, like, from where we are, we talk about this every single week. Yeah. I'd love for an inconsistency between a five and a ten yeah. instead of a ten and nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And also, simbins are completely subjective. It is entirely on a referee's opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, there can be different severities of it. So I don't see why saying fans were fed up with inconsistencies around it. Well, it's a subjective, like, decision. So well, that's, Sometimes I feel like, you know, Graham Allen Annesley, he's an extremely intelligent bloke. Surely he understands the game has changed since then. You changed it. You know what I mean? Like, bro, you changed <laughs> you the it. game. You did it. How do you not know that maybe it needs to be... Like, what you're doing is you're measuring a decision today by a totally different measurement. Like, you're, you're measuring it by, like, yesteryear's standard of the 90s footy, and then you're saying, I'm going to take the information I've got from the 1990s to apply to a decision made today. Shouldn't you take the, the information you have today? today? Anyway, um, so hopefully they consider it, because I, I just... Doesn't make any sense. There, to me. There's not a world where it could make more problems than what we have now. There's no way. Any any professional foul should be five in the bin. Five in the bin, unless it is Easy. like, then we give a penalty try. That's the thing. If if he was going to score a try, he gets the penalty try. Um, anyway, South versus Warriors. Good thing is the South attack did hum for a period, for a period. But I, I I'm just reticent to to really give a commit, like a commit to a. Um, a comment about this game because it was so a game of two halves. Like, if you look at the second half, you go, Rabbitohs, that's, we are, that's really, really concerning. The Warriors, who have been massively struggling, put 30 points on you. Yep. You know, that's, a, that's, that's the reality. Um, but you look at the first half and you go, that's the Rabbitohs that made the grand final. Yeah. So I don't know what to say. And you've got to also keep in mind with this Warriors side, like, they're still missing Josh Curran. They're missing their 13. Tohu has only just returned. Mm. Aitken was ruled out during the week. Their hooker was ruled out during the week. So they are missing 
a fair whack of truth. And Nicarima left. Left. Um, and he probably would have made would that side. Nicarima have been handy on the weekend. Yeah. This may sound like I'm a South fan making excuses, but I'm literally just reading what Demetrius said after the game. And this, this could be a legitimate excuse and it might be ridiculous, but he did say that South was sweat with a non-COVID flu during the week and he always thought the fatigue at the end of the game was going to be an issue. Yeah, That's right. absolutely a fair reason. Like it's been yeah. flying through South yeah, Sydney. It's yeah, it's been flying through every every squad. Sharks had it um, Broncos game. All the boys had it before the Broncos game. It's Every squad has been smashed with the seasonal flu. Um, it's, it's, yeah, let's not get into that. It's like you get one flu, you can play. You get another flu that has the same effect, you can't play. You've got to lock yourself in. Anyway, we'll get into that. Um, let's go back to the Dally M. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go back to the Dally M fucking chat. Uh, Interesting thing about the Warriors, like they're definitely struggling for outside backs, in my opinion. I thought um, Mon- um, Montoya was actually outstanding. Yep. Uh, but I was watching on the weekend and I was like, you know what the Warriors could use? Hiku and Herbert. <sighs> How they let them go. What I'm not understanding is Hiku and Herbert wouldn't be on big contracts at these new clubs. They weren't marquee signings. It wasn't like these huge contracts to get away from it. They would be on just solid contracts that the Warriors definitely could afford to pay them. How did they let go of Hiku and Herbert? It, it baffles me. With, with the, the lack of depth that our outside backs has right now, Hiku and Herbert would be mainstays and would be outstanding for them right now. I, that almost changed the... Like, they're both kind of culture players too. They're super aggressive and great defence. I don't understand yeah, that. It, it's almost like the Warriors had, you know, six or seven young outside backs they wanted to get and they somehow managed to land them all. And instead of just picking three or four of them, and mm. then put experienced guys around them. They've just, their squad is just so young in the outside backs. Yeah, it's I, super I young. wonder, to counter that, do they look and go, you and Aitken, for starters, who I think has been superb on an edge in the back row, and I like that career move for him, but he's also one of the best defensive centres in the game. Mm. Put him back out there for ex- experience, shore up a defensive spot, whether for, that's for Vaelia or whoever. Um, they've got a lot of back rowers. Tohu Harris is back in there. Josh Curran's coming back. So they're not, it's not a problem area for them at all. Jazz Tavanga can play lock. He's been playing hooker. Um, just to shore that up. Then the other one is Harris Tavita. Mm. He's due back hopefully this week from a ruptured nut or something awful. He's a really good defensive half. Mm. So I thought Dayan Arcee had some good moments <coughs> on the weekend and there's a good future to him. But if they get CHT back in as well, all of a sudden, defensively, you're looking that little bit better. Torhu mm. back in there. So, a bit of food for thought, but, you know, something needs to change with their defence. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. How good was it Torhu? Yeah, bloody on. oath. Bloody oath. He's, he's the forgotten man, seriously. He's so important to that side, and he's such a good player. Such a good player. Like, to come from the storm and then continue to play the way he's been playing, at to, to win a Dally M, you know, at the Warriors. Um, so, look, the glass half full chat for the Warriors is at least you fought back in the second half and got back into the game. Um, and Rabbitohs, the glass half full chat is is at least is looks like the normal side. You, you know, the, the side we came to love last year, you looked like that side in the first half. And it's looking like Cody Walker is starting to find that, that form again, that touch, you know, the imperfect passing and kicking. What about that pass he threw where, where the winger shot up oh. and he just... He's just got so much time sometimes. It's like, just. But the passes, they almost come out of nowhere. Like, he doesn't wind them up heaps or like. They just like, you just have, like, you can see it and boom, he just nails it. You're just waiting for those passes to dip short. They just never do. They never do. Just uh, just whips them, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, you wonder if the player wasn't there when it would dip. Yeah. Yeah. Just (laughs) keep going forever. 
he has a very like the he just runs perfectly because like he's he's he runs so that like it doesn't affect his speed, but he's always ready to pass if needed be. Where if need be, whereas like some halves, they they it's either all they're either running or they're either passing. It's very hard to put yourself in a position to be able to do both. But he seems to be able to do both. Uh, Edric Lee signs with the Dolphins. With the Dolphins, Edric Lee, the great Edric Lee, another huge signing. It's a big signing on the Sting, the big fella gliding down the wing. Um, mate, if they can get him playing some good footy, it's a great signing. He would have got him for relatively cheap. Um, he played some really good footy when he played Origin, I think. He he was playing some good footy, so... They'll get Branko then too, I reckon. You reckon? I'm wanted at Brisbane. Wayne's there. He coached them both in Origin last year. Yeah, Shoot maybe. Fields. Maybe. Um, yeah. Look, Matt Lodge, he had a fair few metres. I think he's been really good. Adam Fenor Blake, 187 metres, 28 tackles, zero misses. Look, they got close. That's The good thing is, is that... Last time they got put in the position, they just went to water. This time, they showed some fight. So that's a positive for the Warriors. Um, anyway, on to the next game. Dragons v... the, the uh, Titans versus the Dragons. This is an interesting game because I thought the Dragons would grind them out of it, but uh, Titans get the win. And I have to say, Jaden Campbell was the difference. He was truly the difference. Yeah, for sure. Such a good performance from him. Like, without him, do they score half their points? Like, I, I really don't think they do. That's no. like a completely new side and attack, don't they? Yeah. Like, just X factor. Yeah. And that was in the rain, too. Imagine when you get on a dry track. Mate, he's, he's it just, yeah, it baffled me when he, anyway, 13 tackle breaks. Uh, breaks. That's always, when you, especially the way he does it, that's always good going to bode well for your attack if you've got a fullback constantly causing that much trouble for the defence. And he's also like 13 tackle breaks is a good stat but he's not the sort of guy where he'll just run over the top of you. No. He's just he's just hard to handle. Yeah. It's funny, funny looking back on the things that you say you know the week prior or whatever or for the last month the things you get so right and things you get so wrong we've all been sitting here saying get Jaden Campbell back in there immediately we've also been sitting there going she's Tyrell Sloan's worth another crack isn't he yeah <laughs> and then I he know. comes in and has a shocker same game same position yep. uh, we'll get to that soon though I'm sure yeah no absolutely I was, I was going to bring up the Sloan situation look like apparently he's been receiving um, abuse from fans what I don't get is if you're a fan of the Dragons, do you really think it helps your club by making your next superstar hate the club and hate rugby league? You should be giving, you should be sending him messages of encouragement. If you want your club to improve, he's the guy that is going to do it. There's, tell me who else do you have coming through that can be in a key position and change that club? It's Tyrell Sloan. So if anyone's sending, like, I mean, I'm, it wouldn't be anyone listening to this because I hope not because, yeah, you're kidding yourself. But yeah, Tyrell Sloan, obviously he didn't have the best game. Be patient. I think you've got to remember, this guy got dropped. It was very public. His confidence would be down. This is why, in my opinion, it was a bad idea to drop him because this is what happens to some kids sometimes. They lose their confidence. They come back into a game. They make one error, and then it just snowballs. It just snowballs. You could see in that game how hesitant he looked at the line when he was taking them on, whether he'd pass, kick, run himself, whatever. It's like, no, you need to do like basically what... What Trent Robinson has done with Sammy Walker and said, mate, you're green, you're young, uh, you've got some chinks in your game, stuff, we'll work through it, back yourself. Yep. Do the same with Tyrell Sloan. I know that's hard as a coach because you don't want these errors, but surely you've just got to back their talents and say, mate, you'll make mistakes, but yep. the good that you'll get out of it will be worth and, it. And that's what Phil Gould said at the start of the year, that he likes to look at the Dragons because they're going to play with no fear, these young guys. He's playing with fear now. 
Yeah, because he's fear that he's going to lose his spot yeah. if he doesn't, and that's not that's not how it should be. And he's and he's heard the rhetoric. He's young. Yep. He's green. He's not ready. He needs to go and work on his game. And that this is where, you know, I, I do rate Hook as a coach. I, I really do. But I, I disagree with this. I understand you've got to be brutally honest, and it's all great that we're all honest and rah rah. But certain players young players need cotton wool like they need they're just it's just the different way not cotton wool but they just need to be treated differently and they don't that harsh kind of publicly saying he's young there's a few things in his game he needs to work on i don't know how that benefits him at all publicly saying all that kind of stuff uh all it does is make him think oh shit like yeah. i do need to work on my game and i'm not i'm not as good as i thought i was and you know gosh and there's so many young players that come through and this kind of stuff does happen where they start to second guess, guess themselves and they start to go and they turn into a player that they you know aren't really that kind of player so i think with sloan the the challenge for hook is 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 kind of reversing that that kind of stance and going more the stance of like you're the man you've got your spot you're going to be the guy for the next 10 years we back you if you make a mistake don't stress about it we've got your back we're going to defend for you because the only way the dragons have any improvement in them is if sloan becomes that guy and it's tough if i'm sorry if i'm sloan hook says that to me this week i'm going bullshit yeah i know it's a fine I'm line that. Yeah. it's a fine line as a coach to keep their feet on the ground but without Belting them and like shooting their confidence down and making them second guess themselves. Yeah. Like it's tough one. Well, I just I thought the the Sloan one was such a public one as well. Mm. Like it was quite it was quite public. Whereas like the Campbell one was kind of under the radar, and you wonder like, is that because Dragons are such a big club that it was more public, or you know were they trying to was it they trying to play the media game and putting out that you know like I, I remember there's one NRL three sixty where they were like essentially made up the fact that Campbell was kicking, kicking rocks in reserve grade. So they, they made up that he might be doing it and then started arguing, well, if he's, he should pull his head in, he's right, and was arguing about something that hadn't actually happened. You know what I mean? Like they created this narrative, like he, he might be kicking rocks. And then, then they started arguing over how he should pull his head in and rah, rah. And like, I don't know, that's got to, it's going to affect a young player eventually if, if they you know, get sent that from their mates or whatever. But yeah, with Tyrell Sloan, I think the best way forward for them as a club is just to get around him. Like, I know, I understand what you're saying, Guru, is like, it's hard for him to believe him, whatever, but like, what's the other option? Is yeah, the option no, for sure. And, and I was about to say, I, I haven't listened to the uh, the press conference, but I hope Hook did put his arm around him. Mm. Yeah, I've, I haven't listened either. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's even like a Monet, like he, he's confident, like he's probably not playing the way he was at the start of the year. Um so, yeah, really interesting. Really interesting to see how the Dragons pull through this because the last thing you want to do is damage your young fellas. And right now, the concern is you have Sullivan, Sloan, Amon. All three of them aren't playing as good as they probably can. Sullivan hasn't had much of an opportunity. And if all of three of them aren't playing as good as they can, is it their fault or are they not being managed correctly? Yeah. And that's, that's the concern at the moment. Yeah, and, you know, mate, I, I wonder if, the plan was to ever play Sloan this week. I wonder if McCulloch being out forced his hand. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. it's Because, uh, like, it would make a lot more sense instead of pissing rain at Suncorp to bring him back. They play the dra- they play the Warriors the week after at home, then they got Canterbury. Like, it would have made more, I, I would have thought, but maybe his hand was forced maybe, with McCulloch yeah. being ruled I mean, out. It's interesting because he, he went back to New South Wales Cup and was killing it. What, what, what do you reckon he does tomorrow then? He's got to name a team tomorrow. If oh, absolutely fit, sticks with him. 
Yeah, okay. absolutely sticks with him. If he drops him, it'd be the worst thing to do would drop him. It would kill his yeah. confidence. <clears throat> it would annihilate his confidence if he goes back and gets dropped again. I think he, like the like what 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 I couldn't understand about the Sloan dropping and the Moan dropping is they didn't improve as a side. So what like the, the idea that they needed to go and work on things and that that's what was affecting the first grade side was statistically and factually incorrect because they got dropped or put to the bench and then dropped. They the Dragons did not improve as a side. So they it wasn't their shortcomings that was hurting the Dragons and or whatever. Um, and so I think that he has to stick with him. Like if he wants, yeah, because the thing is like, okay, you, you drop him and you replace him again, you're just back where you were last week, which is, you know, struggling. Um, you know, so look, they're, like the crazy thing is like the Dragons are sitting 12th now. Like, fuck. They lose next week and they could be genuinely sitting 13th or 14th. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because they were actually my Smokies to, um, you know, make the eight. They're playing the Warriors though, so this is actually the perfect game for Sloan and Moan to get their confidence back. Um, yeah, I think they select them. I really do. Speaking of confidence in younger players, he's been around for long enough now that he's probably not in the, in the younger player bracket, a bit harsh, but Zaki Lomax, that penalty, 15 to go yeah. from the sideline. Bad side, just put his hand up, and they would have said to him, "Do you want to take it, mate, or do we tap?" Fucking oath, want to take it, yeah, and just nailed it. How yeah. good, like confidence to take it, and then just clutch as they come. And it's also one of those kicks that, from the position he had to kick it from, it was it was going to be tough to kick it dead. So it, it was <laughs> it was huge risk on it. If he misses and it doesn't oh. go dead, all of a sudden you've lost possession. Mm. All right, it, it was a huge punch, huge kick. Fuck, just, he hit it with some confidence. Just quickly back on the Sloan thing. Absolutely like, you know, you missed four tackles or whatever. But when you read his stats, he still ran for 182 metres, had three tackle breaks, two offloads, 54 post contact. He only had two errors. You know what I mean? Like, we were talking about Selwyn, Selwyn a mm. few weeks ago. He had 11 errors in two weeks. So, Sloan obviously wasn't his best performances, but performance. But if I'm Hawk, I'm, I'm sitting down with Sloan and going, mate, like... Have a look. You actually ran for the second most metres of anyone in our side. Um, you know, yeah, yes, you know, there were a couple errors or whatever, but don't fixate on that. Like, you did some good things as well. So, um, hopefully you can bounce back. Uh, outside of that, with, the, with the, uh, the Dragons, it was just one of those games where I, I just, it seems like a cliche, but it seemed like the Titans wanted it just a little bit more. Just their energy, shooting out of the line, wanting to put hits on. Um, they were quite aggressive, especially Tino through the middle there. I thought he was really aggressive. Um, I don't know where to put the Dragons anymore. I don't know, I don't know what kind of side they are. They, they just – for a side that you would have thought had that consistency going into this year because that's what Hook does bring, they kind of just lack a little bit of that consistency. Well, when you consider – and you know, you've said it for a few weeks – when you consider the side that the Dragons have built, you know, the squad they've built where they're going to be a gritty side – a wet game against a team that is very inexperienced and very young. Like this was, this should have been the Dragons' bread and, bread and butter, butter game. Yeah, yeah. like if, if this is perfect scenario yeah. for them. If you could recruit a team to win a wet, gritty game, it's literally this Dragon side. They're all tough as fuck. They go all day. They're going to grind a win out. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what direction the, the Dragons take at the moment. I don't know. I don't know. Like, what's their ceiling? You know. I think. People may have gotten ahead of themselves a little bit with this dragon side on the back of the ages of your 
Amone's, your Sloan's, uh, O'Sullivan's, all these blokes. The future is so bright for all these guys and the team, but you know we're talking three guys, albeit sort of two starting at the moment, yep. in key spine positions. So maybe it's a case of all right, let's just like take a breath and go. Even if we don't necessarily play, make the top eight this season, but building towards next year when these blokes have, and it's where we're saying stick with Tyrus Sloan, stick with Talatella Monet, get games under their belt, because come round one next year, they've all of a sudden got a full season of NRL under their belts. They are the future of the club. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to come as soon as people have probably hoped. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I also agree with the, they should have probably stuck with the Monet and Sloan from the get-go. I think that if they had stuck with Sloan, from the get, Sona Mone from the get go, I think that the team's probably in a better position now than what they currently are because at the moment now they're caught in between two worlds. Mm. They're caught in between: do we put Moses Mbai back there? Do we bring Jack Bird into the six and grind out maybe a top eight finish? Like we can hope for it, or do we just go? You know what? Let's build this year and go into next year because Hook is not re-signed for next year, um, so it's not like he has to worry about. I personally think like the the short term pain that you put off by having a moan and slowing out of the team to bring your experience in, you're still going to have to go through that pain at some point yeah, now. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, look, so the, the, as you said, the promising thing for the – I don't know what direction they go in this year. That's where I'm a bit muff, like bit puzzled at. Like what is the direction this year? Is it, you know what, let's put aside the eight for now. If we make it, that's great. Obviously still, you know, try to make it. Or do we go, we're doing anything we can to make the eight this year? It's a very – I, f- I felt like at the start of the year that it was very clear the direction was we have youth in spine, let's follow that youth all the way till the end of the year. Now it seems like we're in that real bit of a, a weird mix. I'm not sure what the answer is. Oh, I sort of feel like in order for them to make that, they're going to have to back these young guys in. Yeah. I personally don't think Jack Bird at six and buy at fullback is going to make you a top eight team anyway. Yeah, fair. That's fair. And you touched on it before. It's like, all right, do we want to scrape into the eight with some gritty wins and get knocked out first week of finals footy by 40 <laughs> points? Or do we want to invest in the youth and potentially scrape into finals, but with Talatau Moan, with Tyra Sloan, these boats who can put points on and shake up any team in the competition or going to plan and potentially cause a boil over week one of finals. And, yeah. and I think that's the route they're going to take, albeit at the risk of, all right, maybe we don't play finals footy this season, but round one next year, we're ready to go. You touched on uh, Hook there being signed for next year as well like you can imagine if he wasn't signed for next year and I know that's not the be all and end all with contracts as we're seeing with Barrett but if he was only contract of this year he'd take the safe approach and try grind to the top eight but hopefully has the backing that he can go invest in the youth aim primarily for next year uh, but we'll see which way he goes won't we yeah I, I don't I just don't see like what is the benefit of not doing that like, what do you gain? Like, we're, we're, you're not going to... If you do a grindy, gritty win, as you said, Guru, you've got to put them in eventually. Yeah. They've got to be put in eventually. Um, yeah, so, look, interesting time for the Dragons. As we just said, though, the positive is you've got these young throbbers in key positions. That's something that a lot of clubs are so desperate for, so desperate for. Um, Titans, look, great gritty win. Fuck, good on them. Good on them. They weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I think Campbell in the side, they, they, the only way they make the eight this year is honestly if Campbell is in that side killing it. I can't – without Campbell in that side, I don't know how they make the eight, to be honest. I think both these teams are in a very similar spot. You have to back in your young talent. Yeah. Just back them in. You, you might not be a top eight side, but if you are going to be a top eight side, it's because you've got the very best out of mm. those guys. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And what's what's weird is like you, you could actually argue the Dragons are in a better position because they have Ben Hunt at seven to guide the six. On paper, they're not in a terrible spot to have young guys in. You've got yeah. an experienced nine in McCulloch. You've got an experienced seven. you got you got a hard-nosed forward pack. Like, it's really, unless you're at the Melbourne Storm, the Penrith Panthers, the Sydney Roosters, there's probably not a better spot to bring these guys in, I don't think. Literally. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. You're totally right. And I, 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 um, as I said, like I feel like they're actually probably in a better spot to like, be backing you. If you swap you. the halfbacks and Toby Sexton's at the Dragons, I'm going, oh, okay, maybe we don't have that yeah. many young heads. Yeah. Well, it's like what happened to the Raiders where we thought, look, I think you put too many young guys in at once. You bring in Frawley and now Frawley's fucking, he's the next Joey at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Frawley's the next fucking Joey. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It, do you think it's a little bit mismanagement from Hook? I think so, but I... He sees so, things that we don't see. Mate, there's so many things yeah. that Hook does that I just go, what planet are you living on? Mm. But then three months later, I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of get I it I get now. what he was doing now. It made yeah. no sense to me. And it still kind of doesn't, mm. but it worked. Yeah. Like, you, you, you know better than me, but I just don't. Yeah, don't even when I was at the Broncos, there were some decisions that I was like, it really did surprise me. But he does... I know he hasn't won a premiership, but he kind of has the runs on the board. Like, he got the Panthers to top four. The Broncos, we saw how hard that is to take over that job. Like, mm. outside of Wayne, you know, Ivan had success in that first year. I think he just struggled with the senior players. Outside of that, like, Hook did pretty good with that squad. And, and also, he, has, he assembled a lot of the squad that ended up going on to play grand final for the Broncos. And you look at the Penrith. He was a part of a lot of that as well. You know, I think, he, I think Hook unfairly doesn't get talked about enough in assembling a lot of those young Penrith Panthers guys together. And okay. exactly what you just said then, I do it all the time. Say, oh, he hasn't won a comp. Fuck, it's hard to win a comp. Who has won <laughs> a fucking comp? Good God. Yeah. There's what, four, five, current coaches? six coaches that have won a comp? I was going to say, his um, winning percentage at Penrith was actually 58.3%. That's great. Like, yeah. And also, that's with it. That's, he didn't walk into a fucking world-beating side. It was just a solid, you know... Six to ten sides. Well, he essentially had Peter Wallace, who no one really wanted. Jamie Sowell, the Dragons didn't want. Mm. A heap of young guys. Didn't that, he hadn't had a hooker like a you know an, an elite hooker at all really at the Panthers. Panthers. Uh, Matt Moylan was like twenty three and he was the captain. Yeah. So so that's the thing with Hook. Like although I disagree, like for example, I disagree with the Sloan immediately when he got dropped. I disagree with that, and I, I think we all disagree yeah. with it. But he does have ev- – you've got evidence to prove that he can get the job done. So, you know, maybe he, maybe he is making the right calls and we're going to see the dividends be paid later. Hopefully. You know, maybe, maybe okay, Sloan came back, he didn't play that great, but maybe being dropped to reserve grade, he comes out next week and he appreciates how lucky he is to have the first grade jersey. But you, know, you never know. Yeah. That, could, that could be the, the case. And maybe Hook putting him through this kind of tough period makes him a stronger player. We, we just don't know. But um, – yeah, interesting time of the Dragons. Again, the positive is, though, when you look at that roster, there's a lot of potential there, a lot of potential. And you have to give credit, Ben Hunt's playing arguably career best, if not career best, the closest he's been to career best uh, since the Broncos under Hook. I, I think Moses Sully's playing career best footy yep, as well. That's, and that's, so that's the, for, every, for the couple of losses or the incorrect calls that we believe Hook's made, we have to look at the positives too. Yeah. Suley's playing out fucking rageously good. Zach Lomax is killing it. Benny Hunt is killing it. Uh, Josh McGuire has come back and playing some really good footy. Andrew McCulloch has been solid. So there's been some wins there. There's been some wins there. It's just about the points on the board, obviously. Uh, sorry, back to the Titans. I thought Sexton looked a different man. He, you know, he was more confident. He was kicking in certain areas. I actually think putting Brimo in the halves with Sexton gives Sexton more confidence. confidence. I think Brimo gives him a lot of 
just just get Brimo backs him. He's a very um, infectious kind of character. He's very upbeat, positive. And I, I thought Sexton was really good on the weekend. Yeah, I I, I think Toby needed that one. Yeah, for sh- for sure. And for sure. Brimo at six takes a lot of pressure to create off Sexton. Mm. Um, you know, he can focus on getting the team around the park, which is so important for the Titans at the moment due to a lack of experience. So uh, he does it. And, you know, we saw at the start of the season with Jaden Campbell at fullback, Brimo in the halves with Sexton. They were getting results. So Campbell back in now, Brimo back in the halves. I think we've touched on, I think we'd all, or I'd personally prefer Brimo at, I think he's a better fullback, mm. but in this Titans outfit, in the halves, they're playing better footy. Uh, interesting to see now that Campbell's come in and gone whack, this is what you've been missing out on. On top of the foreign news, uh, how Sexton responds over the next month. Because all of a sudden, like how quickly things change oh. to, you know, we've invested in you now to going, shit, like if Jaden continues this form, there's not a spot for me really. Literally. Year, well, so. that's, I mean, I said it last week, it's actually, it's not Campbell or Brimo's position that's under pressure. Mm. It's Sexton's, in my opinion. And I think, I think the weekend bear that out. I think Foran is actually going to be putting pressure on Sexton um, to keep that half role. But I do think that if Sexton has to go back and play reserve grade for another year, although he will be, you know, Devo, you know, absolutely wants to play first grade, it may not be the worst thing for his development. You know, he's still 22 or so years old. Let's say by the time he comes back into first grade, he's 23 and a half years old and he's got a whole year and a half under Foran. That Campbell's another couple of years older. Brimo's another couple of years older. I think it's fine. Also, Foz and Brimo also not uh, not don't, don't shy away from injuries too often. To be fair, so yeah, <laughs> yeah he'll yeah. get his chances. He'll even, get his so. absolutely. And also, look, if he plays great, he keeps his spot. Like in yep. Campbell, you know, it's going to be hard to get Campbell out of that fucking position. Like Jesus Christ, he was so fucking outrageously good. Like I cannot express to you how hard that try is to score that they scored from Campbell's footwork. Mm. To put an in and away on at full speed against Ben Hunt, one of the best seven defenders in the comp, to make Ben literally grasp it air. (laughs) So much so that if Campbell kept running, he might have even scored himself. Like, it was just incredible. It's in the wet after 88 minutes. After 88 minutes, whack, whack. People, usually it's one way, not the, you don't do both. It's one way or the other with a step like that. Um, and only blokes as light as him can do something like that. So, mate, he is special, special kid. Speaking of blokes not as light as him, that try from Jared Wallace. The big fella. That was huge. That's probably I the was, play of his career. Mate, I, I was always a bit surprised that Wallace got dropped because I just thought he brought such consistency to the front row. And I know that, uh, uh, yeah, I know sometimes with Wallace, you can look at him and be like, does he have the explosiveness and all that extra stuff? But I think if the Titans were missing anything, it was a big yeah. front rower. You need a mix. That just yeah. got through his work. Him and Moe coming out and playing the first whatever minutes, like I think that's a great front row rotation. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the last couple of years we've seen fullbacks change like the defensive structure particularly on the line has changed so much with them defending in the line at that a marker spot we're seeing so many tries like barge overs like jared wallace is like we're seeing a lot of hookers go through and i reckon nine times out of ten that they happen it's because there's a little fullback in the line so that was straight through granted he wasn't the only one at fault but through tyrell sloan mm. uh there was a couple of others over the weekend just barge overs it's not much if there's a there's not much you can do you got a front row on it runner you no. like that or even a back rower that no, close there, the line. There, no there's yeah. not but it's just like the amount of times that these little fullbacks at the a marker get run through oh. if you're a, a solid sort of all the dummy halves are solid in the game if they look up and see them there and there's a half quick play the ball 
you're going every time because geez, they've got to do a lot to stop you. Where is yep. when the fullbacks used to sort of slide out the back of the defensive line, even on their own line, mm. there were bigger bodies there that just didn't happen as often. Yep. Um, so, mate, yeah, it's a great, great try from Wallace and just a great victory from the Titans. They they desperately needed this. It was grindy, it was gritty. They completed at eighty one percent. Um, you know, compared to a 78% from the Dragons. Uh, just a great victory for the club. And it's going to give Sexton so much confidence, you know. He kicked for 544 metres. I think that's probably the most he's kicked all year, I think. Um, if not, it's definitely up there. Uh, made 23 tackles, only missed three, which is pretty solid for a half. Brimo, 24 tackles, only missed one. Um just a, yeah, look, Isaac, uh, um, Isaac Liu, 33 tackles, zero miss. Uh, I thought Tino Fasuama Alawi was, uh, he was nearly in my team of the week. Talk about an inspirational captain. We have to remember this guy is 21 or 22 years old. Like he, and yet he plays like a grizzled veteran. Just on Sexton, yeah, significantly more than he's kicked this year. The, yeah. the next is 408. Yeah, so like that's what you want from him. You want him kicking his dick off so Brimo doesn't have to do it. Get those meters, turn the big boys around. And his most forced dropouts for the year with four as yeah. well. Nice. It just, mate, it just shows you if your kicking game is off, you basically can't win a game of footy. Whereas if your kicking game is switched on, it can change everything. Clear is a perfect example of that. Brisbane. Yeah, fuck me. Yeah. They're like a different well, side. They are. It's because they've got a, a premier ki- and the the difference between a really good kicking game and a premier kicking game, it shouldn't be much, but yeah. it is It's a world. It honestly is a world away. And then and then there's another little step up to a Cleary kicking game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's very good Premier, and that's like your Moses, your Reynolds, and then there's another little step and it's Cleary. And the difference between good and Premier isn't kicking in the sort of third row of the grandstand. It's a metre and a half. Yeah, literally. Literally. And it's a shit kick. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, great win. Great win. Uh, Corey Thompson. Fuck, I, I like Corey Thompson as a player. Mate, he's probably going to be the most one of the one of the most not one of the most, but a very unlucky player that could that would have played Origin last year if um, he didn't get injured because he was playing great last year. Whereas now with you know Oates back in the frame, Selwyn there, you've got Coates as well, you've got Tulangi. It's going to be very tough for him to to get that Origin jersey. But I, f- I just he's just constantly working in a constant threat. Like every time he carries a ball, he must be a nightmare for defence. Why do they keep dropping him? Oh, mate, you know you what it is? You cannot tell me he's not in the best mate, back five. You know what five. it is? It's because he's a small winger. Oh, they, they can't get past their head. Like, if he was six foot three and putting the exact same stats up, guarantee he never gets dropped. But because he's a small winger, they can't get out of their head that he's a small winger. And yet, you look at his stats, it's a million tackle breaks, it's 160 plus metres, it's very little errors. It's just, yeah, it's because he's a small winger. I, I couldn't believe the Tigers let him go, even yeah. before he got yeah. to the Tigers. Yeah, I think, didn't he win, like, player of the, player's player or I some mean, shit? Like, the, the, the t- like we, we, we've been complimenting Luke Garner for the last three weeks because he's doing well at centre. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you just keep Corey Thompson around the place? He yeah. came back from England to the Dogs, I believe, also the other way around, and he was fantastic at the Bulldogs for a few years there. They let go of him there. Everywhere he goes, it's like, what are we missing here? Because I think... And I, 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 I'm with you. I think it's, it's because there's, like, small little white dude. Nah. Yeah. Mate, I'm, last year he was busting tackles like 10, 15 a game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm telling yeah. you, it's because he's a small winger and it just, people just have it in their head. Like they just, they want big wingers. They yeah. just want big wingers. That's just really the only reason. Because when you look at his body of work and he starts, you go, why would a player like that who's not going to break the bank, he's not going to be super expensive, like those other big wingers? Like if you get a six foot three winger that's doing this kind of stuff, 
He's on. He breaks the bank. He's too expensive. But it's funny at the same time. Whenever you compliment Corey Thompson, no one pulls you up on it. No, yeah, it's like everyone's no aware one. of it, but no one wants to be. Aware. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> bizarre, mate. It is bizarre, and he's been consistent literally for four or five years. Like very rarely will he have a, a shocker across numerous inconsistent clubs. Yeah, yeah, mate. Huge, huge fan. Um, who else played really well? Uh, you know, congratulations to Saka getting that match winner. That was a great finish. A really, really good finish. Uh, Brimo, a try, a try assist. So look, mate, be be excited, uh, Titans fan. If this, if there is a victory that can turn things around, like some may say, oh, it's only Dragons. Dragons aren't an easy beat. Like they really aren't an easy beat. So congratulations to and, the Titans. And I said before that this was perfect for the Dragons. This was probably worst case scenario mm. for the Titans. You're yeah. playing a grindy team. It's wet. Your kicking game is going to be super important. You don't have a half. They can go overseas and buy himself a beer at the moment. Like, to be able to win this game, I thought it was incredibly... And the bright lights of Magic Round, really good win. Yeah, and from the first whistle, you could see a difference in the body language of the Titans. Like, you could see that it meant a lot to them, and that's what you want a reaction. Um, and where are they? So they currently see it. So the, the, the tough thing is, though, they're still fucking 13th. Mm. But if they win, and then, you know, either the... Raiders, Warriors, Dragons lose, they drop, they, they push up into that ninth to 12th this spot. This year is, for me anyway, it's always been about development for yeah, the Yeah, for sure, for sure. Agreed. Um, now, on to the next game. Wow. Panthers. Uh, now, I don't want to take away from their incredible win because they were the better side. And even without key players in the storm, they still would have maybe, they probably would have won it. They were favourites. Um, but I, I do think it takes a little bit of the sweetness out, the fact that Hughes and Papanusen weren't there. But I will say they rocked up and did exactly what they fucking should do, exactly what they should do. They were dominant, aggressive. They won nearly every part of the field, probably every part of the game, they won that battle. Yeah, and, you know, the two boys being out for Melbourne, it hurts, probably takes a little bit away from it. But Penrith dominated them through the middle. Yep, I, I, I said before, you know, uh, Penrith averaged 17 more metres per set. Fuck. That's like having eight tackles to six. Yeah. 17 per set is incredible. That's a fifth of the field. Crazy. Crazy. That's the difference between like an attacking kick and a fucking yeah. just a normal bomb. That's like every single set you get a 20 metre restart. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I, and my, you know, for 30 to six, I thought there was a couple of times where there was one that... Um, Luai could have passed. They would have scored another one. There was one. There was a few times that Crichton probably held the ball when they could have scored. So thirty could have quite easily been 42, 48, yeah. I thought. Yeah, they, they, as I said, you know, and I totally agree with you. They won the battle in the middle, and yeah. the the storm weren't. I'm trying to think of. They're obviously missing Christian Welsh, but he's out for the season. Outside of that, it's pretty much a full strength pack, unless there's someone I'm missing in the storm forward pack. You've got Jesse. You got Nelson. You got Felice. You got Keneath. Uh, Kenny Bromwich, and you got Josh King. Kamakamika was back too. Kamakamika was back. more than they've had the last few weeks. Panthers, yeah, they looked super, super impressive. And they looked like the team where you're going, how do they get beaten? Who beats them? What do you think, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> certainly wouldn't panic as a Storm fan based on those outs. But you said when it comes back to the fact that they've dominated in the middle, well, Pappy and Hughes aren't going to change that too much, are they? They're for nearly 1,000 more metres than them had double post-contact metres than them, 38% possession Melbourne, which is just obscene to look at. Yep. 
the biggest thing that stood out for me going or coming out of this game was just the fact that you know we speak quite often about how expansive Melbourne are these days in their footy and their style. Remember five years ago when those wet conditions on a bog track were just like Melbourne never lost. Mm. They'd just get into the grind, kick deep under Cooper Cronk or whoever it was, even after Cooper Cronk, and they would just win every one of these games. They're not that team anymore because they use the ball so early. They use it off their line with these big, wide, long passing game. Penrith are the opposite, where they're like, they love a grind. And yeah. because they're, they might look expansive at times, but they play very structured footy, um, the Penrith. They just do it so well. So they've near become these wet weather just specialists. So, mm. you know, Melbourne want to face Penrith on a dry dry turf. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Like, Penrith are real gritty in defence. Like, they bash you up in defence and win the battle there. Um, when it comes to the Panthers, though, like, I just, I love the energy from every single player. They looked like they were all on board. Leota has been such a big back in. Far out, he's underappreciated. Kind of maybe a bit overshadowed by Fisher-Harris because he's the guy. But Leota just brings so much energy to that side. Isaiah Yo. Oh fuck! He's just—he is almost the perfect thirteen. Because you could, you could, if you wanted to, if you said Isaiah, yeah, I want you to play like a front rower, he could do it. If you said Isaiah, yeah, I want you to play like a center, he could do it. Isaiah, yeah, I want you to play like a six, he could do it. Like he is outstanding, outstanding. Um, you know, I would probably—I not probably—he's the form thirteen in the comp. No debate now. Like, no I, debate. like I would have said, you know, start of the year. I still think Murray is the form thirteen of the comp. Um, I think last year I still would have had Murray as my my guy, uh, as in you know the form thirteen of the comp. But I think at the moment there is no debate when it comes to form, not the best, but form. Isaiah Yo is out and out the best. When you look at Yo, like his his body shape is so important for that Penrith side mm. too. Like he's got the ball playing ability, so you you always said the first contact on him is high, wrap up the ball. But because he's so lanky and his legs go forever, he just pushes you for another <laughs> three or four metres. Yeah. Like, he's really hard to handle. Yep. To try and, and I think as well, like, his... What would you say? Like, his um, play selection of being able to play at the back or just know, I just need to go forward mm. on this one. Yeah. He just never gets it wrong. Never. Never and, and gets it wrong. He picks up so... He goes to the line, takes a look up, and just knows if it's not on, just dummies goes himself. But two attributes with his passing game. One is just, he- like... A few of those Panthers tries on the way and how deep he goes into line before Psycho. he passes. Yep. Like, being a bigger body, he's a bit able to do it, but there's so many halves in the comp who are, maybe aren't tough enough to do that, whatever it might be. But not only to do that, but when you've got a big bopper a metre from your head about to clean you up when you turn your back, and then just to put the pass perfectly out in front of his clear or Luai every single time, yep. it's freakish. It's, yeah, it's incredible. And the problem is, as a defender... With Isaiah, you, know, you cannot afford to slide off even a little bit. Because if you don't get good first contact on him, like if he just dummies and goes, even if even if you are ready and you're fully set, he will still most likely break the tackle or get a front quick play of the ball. But on top of that, if you aren't ready and you go to slide off too early, he's going to make an extra 10 metres. And then you're fucked anyway because they've got a quick play the ball. He's Yeah, as I said, like if you were to design someone to 13 to suit this game that we have now playing... Fuck, it'd be Isaiah It really yeah. would be. He's just so consistent, so good, strong in defence. You know, not only – like, we're talking about his ball playing. The bloke ran for 178 metres. He he ran for the most metres of any – outside of Isaiah uh, Tungo, he ran for the most metres of any player on the Panthers' side. Yeah. And yeah, Matter yeah. of fact, any player on the field. 
And, and you mentioned there, you know, like how good he is when he when he, those passes. Like, I can't even picture in my mind a time where a yo pass hits the deck. Yeah. I really can't. Like, with a Radley, I can. It happens quite a bit with Rads. Mm. With a Cam Murray, it, it's not as common as Rads. But yo just never – it never misses. Yeah. He's just – fuck, he's good. And, yeah. and when do you ever think, oh, fuck, that was a hospital ball from yo? Yeah. Mate, he's just – He's improved. He's probably the most improved player in the NRL. Yeah, and it's. I think it's one of those things like, <clears throat> it, God, it would be near impossible for Yo to bring another lock forward in and coach them how he does it. Yeah, he just he's got it. He's yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I just don't think any lock has his physical attributes. Yeah, like he's perfectly built for it. He played built. so many years as an edge back rower. And 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 I've said we've said this before, and some people disagree. As an edge back rower, that was a solid first grader. You weren't sitting there going, oh fuck, like. Isaiah Yo, he's going to, you know, kick on and play for his state. And he, whereas I don't care what anyone says, no one could predict that this guy would turn into a shoe in for the 13 for New South Wales. And right now, a shoe in for the Australian jersey. Yo, Yo, five years ago, was a guy that if he didn't play that weekend, you didn't notice. Mm. Yeah. You really didn't. Yeah. 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 He was a good, solid he first was solid. grader. That, yeah. But not anywhere near how good he is now. He wouldn't leave a hole and he wouldn't fill a hole. He'd just be there. Mm. And on top of all the on-field sort of antics and how good he is there, I've never met the bloke, but he just comes across as such a brilliant leader for, for the club that's mm. high on energy. You know, a lot of excited players in that side. We see it. Just that level head and experience. He must just do so much for them off the field as well. Yeah, absolutely. He's honestly a guy that, you know... If he's on anything less than seven, I think he's getting ripped off. Yeah, we've spoken a lot of teams that have got young guys in their spine. Penrith halves are pretty young. Yeah, bloody oath. But this bloody is the oath. guy that is the glue that holds it all he's together. He's the mature head. Yep. You know, Appy there as well, but outside of the hooking role, he's the mature head. But you like, can even see with Appy, like, they're now experimenting with two and three hookers. They're experimenting with a different hooker yeah. every week, preparing for next year, and they're okay. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible. So... Yeah, man, another another really Penrith, um, you know, back-heavy performance. Again, this is their back meterage. Uh, Edwards, 165. May, 141. Tungo, 198. Crichton, 116. To'o, 160. You know, like, when you've got all the backs doing that kind of work, plus your forwards are going forward as well, it is so hard to stop. And it's why they ran for 1,000 extra metres. And it just reminded everyone, like, they had that little hiccup against the Eels, but let's not forget, this is a record-breaking, dominant uh, Penrith Panthers side that will absolutely be there or thereabouts at the end of the year. And I think we've also got to keep in mind too, for Parramatta, like they would have had that game highlighted. Yeah. Since they lost to them in the in the finals yeah. last year. Right? Totally, totally agree. Um, so yeah, Penny Panthers fans, be fucking happy. I mean, it's just you just look at this roster and you go, fuck, like where's the weakness? Like what? Tell me a single position. In like reality, like where you don't have an infinite salary cap, that you would change. Even if you did have an, have an infinite salary would cap, you? where are you actually improving a heap? Yeah, like tell me Dylan Edwards hasn't improved to a top tier fullback right now. Tell me he's not playing as good as Teddy. Yep. Like Teddy is obviously still number one, but when it comes to form right now, tell me he's not playing as good as Teddy, even Tommy. Um, perhaps maybe just a little bit better right now, but. Not by much. So I just did a bit of quick math. So it might not be 100% accurate, but I'm pretty sure it is. Isaiah Yo in his career has played 60 games at lock and he's only lost 10 of them. Jesus. That is fucking outrageous. 60 games at lock and he's only lost 10 of them. Incredible. Um, I thought Kikau, even though statistically 
you know, you, you didn't. If you look at him statistically, you go, oh, didn't do that much. If you watch the game, though, fuck, he made some big plays. He made some massive plays. He's a perfect example. Sometimes stats don't really tell the whole story. Because, like, look at this. When you look at his meters, 58 meters, <laughs> 24 post contact, two tackle breaks, 25 runs. Now he has a try and a try assist, though. Yeah. You know? He's a hard one because when he has his massive games, stats tell the entire story. Mm. But, but when, when he just just has his solid games where the things that the do go unnoticed, stats don't even come close to telling. Yeah, like those narrative. stats you'd be like, if you took the try and try assist out, you'd be like, bro, that's really, really... Like most people with a try and try assist have like 150 run meters or something. Um, but just some of his big plays, he's just... He's such a good example of a big game player on the back row. Like I'm trying to think of another back rower that has these huge momentous plays and you know Papa Lee gets through a bunch of work and does some really good stuff but when it comes to these like just these big moments Kikau seems to always be there like we remember a, a year ago with that try saving tackle where it looked like he was dead and then he got up and ran across the field <laughs> try saving tackle um, and that like there's also not a stat for Kikau how many times he is the best decoy in rugby yeah, league too. Oh, massive decoy Bucky's a good decoy um, so yeah look man Penrith you already know what you already know. You already know. We don't need to tell you. Incredible side. Now to the storm. Ooh. Now, if I had to be hyper hypercritical, I will say this is another match, big, big match, that this version of the storm has struggled in. Being hypercritical, but the post Cam Smith storm, this is one of the big matches where they've they've just have not turned up the team that we know and love. Is that fair or unfair, do you think? I think it's very fair. I, I, was, I was pretty disappointed in Melbourne. I understand there was guys missing, I get that. But, um, mate, as I said, I thought that Penrith should have scored more points than what they did. I thought they created more opportunities they just didn't execute, which normally they do. I think there's a fair argument that Melbourne potentially caught them on a decent day to play them, mm. considering how, how they are normally. Yep. You know, Melbourne scored one try, which... We'll talk about it briefly. How on earth Cam Munster gets the ball in those positions, sums up an entire field, and then just puts in a perfect kick out of nothing? I know it was a brief highlight in this game, but how Munster does is unbelievable. And, like, if it wasn't for Munster just being the most freakish guy on the field at doing that shit, I don't think they score. Yeah. They, they, they honestly, it was a complete domination. Yeah. It was very surprising. Very surprising. And... Let's be really clear. If the if the Panthers were missing Cleary, um, Edwards or Cleary and Luai, you know, and then maybe one of their centres, absolutely, I, I think they would struggle. But I I still don't believe that the missing players reflect how poorly the Storm played compared to their usual standards. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I will say this in Melbourne's defence. They lost Hughes and they lost Remus Smith. That's half of your right side mm. defence mm. uh, going up against the Penrith left edge who can throw so much shape at you. Like Marion Seve. Put it this way though, do you think Penrith get beaten by this No, 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 no. if they lost those same two players? No, no. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. But I think it, it has to be taken into consideration. For sure. That, Marion Seve, who's been playing Queensland Cup, he doesn't he hasn't trained with them for the last five or six weeks. They had to get him yeah. approved to come into this side, taking on that Penrith left edge. It's a tough gig, but this could happen to Melbourne come finals time, and they've just got to fucking deal with and it. That's that's the thing. Like my concern is, and this is this is my concern is because they're a premiership threat, yep. and they absolutely, if not win a premiership, should be in a grand final this year. This is the second big game, big big game where everything like a, it matters a lot where 
they've just just haven't seemed to turn up and that's very unstorm like storm with a big game players now obviously in their history they've had games where they haven't turned up but it just the concern i have is like is this is this a pattern like do they seem to struggle in the big games i just want to read out a quote from craig bellamy um it's a game we needed after three or four weeks where we've been we've won really well with all due respect it was a good come down tonight this is the interesting part perhaps we haven't been going as well as people have thought yeah and it's fair. It's it's fair. Like maybe there's little parts of his game that Bellamy has seen um, that have you know upset him a little. Well, not upset him. But like for example, you look at like a perfect example in my opinion is the Warriors game. You have to remember they were only what they were losing to the Warriors at halftime. So yeah. yes, they towed them up and it was incredible. But for 40 minutes, the Warriors were def- were beating the Storm. And so and look, it's us. It's easy for us to, in hindsight. We were all sitting here going, the storm are incredible when it happened. So we're wrong too. Like, you know, we, we got caught up in it as well. I will say, in my humble opinion, that means absolutely fucking nothing. I do think we shot at fullback was probably the wrong call. I think putting Meany back there would have probably been better. Now, in the storm's defense, were they so decimated by injury that they have no one to put in there because they had to call in a guy that hadn't even been trained with them? Is that? Do you know anything more about that, Guru? Or? No, I, I, I think they were in a tough spot. But, I, you know, I, I thought the one that I, I wouldn't have picked, I, I didn't think that um, Cooper Johns was quite up for this at the point. That he Pretty tough ask, career. man. It's tough ask, no doubt about it. But once again, this is – you've got the two top teams, it's cutthroat. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I just sort of excused Melbourne for a couple of injuries. Mate, Penrith kicked off this season missing the best front rower in the world, their best halfback, and they were still just dishing it up to footy sides. Like, unfortunately, and it's harsh in Melbourne, if you want to win this competition, this is the team you've got to beat. And they can give it to you regardless of who they're missing, realistically. Yeah, it was very surprising. Like, even Harry, like, I, I know I spoke about earlier in the year where I thought his defence was probably his only, like, my only concern with him. And then... For the last few weeks, he seemed to have cleaned that up. 50 tackles, 10 misses. Yeah. 10 misses. Jeez. And that's, that's a bit, um, yep. you know, that's really, honestly, the only thing knock on Harry you could have is sometimes he can miss a few tackles. Outside of that, he's fucking amazing. What do you think, Simon? Yeah, I, I like the guru touched on the right edge there. And like Cooper Johns, Marion Seve, Xavier Coates, also still very youthful despite what he's done already in a short period of time. But that edge got torn apart by the best attacking edge in the NRL, which mm. is only getting better with Isaac Tago, how good he was on the weekend. Um, so because of that, I wouldn't be sort of too concerned with the Storm. I think the concern is that, and you go back to what they did in their most dominant eras and whatnot, but I look at the, the wet weather that came on the weekend and how, how Penrith are just so relentless with their line speed and getting up in your face and they win these forward battles. I think Melbourne's long passing game, particularly off their own line, can combat this as well as any other club in the NRL could. You can't do that in the, the torrential rain that they played in on the weekend. So a few things like that. But going back to Melbourne in yesteryear, they'd overcome uh, weather conditions. They'd overcome two or three injury setbacks. Uh, and whether they'd win this game or not, you know, they'd be in it up to their teeth. Mm. Uh, so the issues they haven't had in the past, that being said, I think they get Penrith on a drier track with a couple of fresh faces back. Oh, Big guns back, I should say. And like I said, you touch on Remus Smith sort of goes in a little bit uh, forgotten about because of Pappenhausen and Hughes. but His defence has been yeah. incredible. So yeah. he would have shored up that defensive edge on the right so much. Um, 
you know, there were big changes that mm. Storm outfit on the weekend. I will say too, in the Storm's defence, is there, as we've spoken about on this podcast, their new style of footy is so front foot. It's like front foot footy. As soon as you get quick to play the ball, everyone is just fucking on the front foot. Now, when you lose Pappenhausen and Hughes, Pappenhausen and Hughes, you lose the ability to play front foot footy because they're the guys closest to the ball. So as soon as there's a quick play of the ball, they're the ones immediately going, boom. Like, yeah. you, you, I honestly think, I, I, not honestly, but I think Hughes and Pappenhausen would be quicker over their first 10 metres than Munster. So they're more suited to like, as soon as they quick play the ball, boom, they go, like Hughes goes, Pappenhausen goes, Munster goes. And so as soon as they lost that, you know, Cooper Johns is not really a front foot footy player. He's a an organising seven that's you know can get you around the park. And so it's almost as if they they lose two players and they turn they have to play a totally different style of footy that they hadn't played in years, literally years, probably since Smithy was there. Um, so in their defence, like I ju- I do believe that Hughes and Pappenhausen are so crucial to the way they play. Not only, not, not only uh, like tactically but physically like no one else in that team has that same kind of physicality to play like that but Pappen has Hughes, uh, and um, Hughes's fitness and speed is unique to them it's kind of like Billy Slater's speed like mm-hmm. only Billy Slater had that fitness to be able to constantly be on the ball front foot so I, I, I think that you have to give Storm credit that they lost key players but it was just more the fact that they they never really looked in the fight like there was never even really a it didn't seem like a wrestle. And, and the, the low completion rate in such a big game, 65%, really concerning. So, um, look, when they get their players back, we all know they're going to be there or thereabouts. Absolutely. I, I do think Bellamy probably will be looking at, like, we can't in big games. I'll put it this way. I think Bellamy is going to hope for another big game like this in the season so that he can test the boys, you know, get through it and be like, okay, the big game thing is not an issue for us. We can win big games against the, the big dogs. The problem is, it's like it's really only Penrith that they have these. Well, mate, giant the, the next best against. might be Saturday, Cowboys. Yeah, that's going to be really, really interesting. You know what? It's going to be really interesting because they're not going to have Pappenhausen. Hughes should be back, but then they're not going to have their fullback. It's going to be interesting if we see the the storm of old or they really do miss Pappenhausen did you see what Cameron Munster said after the game it's like 12 years or something yeah he said we're playing like 12 the thing that stood out to me though was that you know Smithy was like oh best of luck next week and Munster said sort of just went fuck I can't wait for next week he didn't even shake <laughs> Smithy's hand he just walked away yeah it I just, love that yeah you can Munster- just tell that he's going to go on a tear yeah so yeah we're storm fans I know you know a bit hard to hear because you're like are you serious a week ago you guys were yeah. fucking calling us the next best thing right right we're talking you gotta put the put it in context. We're talking about the storm being one of the greatest sides we've ever seen. So our standards for them are gonna be much higher than our standards for say, you know, a bottom tier team. The stand, the way I see Storm and Penrith, I hold them to higher standards than I do the rest of the comp because they actually are at a higher standard than the rest of the comp. And like, you go, you, no, go to me. Go. Say Melbourne putting fifteen, sixteen, seventy points on Sides basically six and below. Who cares? Mm. We we're going to judge them on how they go against Penrith and how they go against Parramatta and top four sides, aren't we? Because they're the only ones you really care about. And now they've had a loss to the Eels. They've lost three games in a row to the Eels. Um, and I, I hate to bring it up, but this is the post Smith era. They lost three games mm. to the Eels in a row. Now they've lost to the Penrith Panthers um, twice in a row. Or do they win that first one? 
it's twice in a row. Yeah, the, yeah. And so it's like, fuck, th- those are big games that if you're putting 70 on a team, you should be winning those big games. It's, uh, sorry, it's twice in a row, but it's also, in the last games against Penrith, they've only won three. Three, what, last one? They lost eight against Penrith. Yeah. They've won three. Wow. wow. The, the one thing I would, and again, it's, you feel a little bit harsh on what they've done. Yeah, so I do. I feel, I'm feeling harsh yeah, right now because I'm like, fuck, they're so you know, good. Clutching but yeah. it was a pretty heavy defeat. Yeah. And realistically, they're probably going to face Penrith in the grand final this year, all things going going to plan. Josh King's been one of the buyers of the years. Mm. Brandon Smith played 31 minutes off the bench. This it's is interesting, like, this, isn't it? This is the Kiwi hooker. He, most of the time this year, he's been playing 50 sub 50 minutes. Um, barring a few injuries and whatnot. I uh, understand that he's moving on for next year. He's gone with a bigger body, but we speak about the importance of a more agile lock um, for ruck speed and all those things. We saw how dominated they got on the weekend. He's so big for their ruck speed and getting that front foot footy going. That's a good point. 31 minutes, like, it's not a knock on Josh King, but Brendan Smith's a better football than Josh King. Well, Brendan Smith is literally, last year, one of the best players in the NRL. And this, I, I think it... I can only assume, but it seems like, look, we're just planning for life yeah. post, post Smithy, which is like post uh, Brandon Smith, which you, you, I understand you're, um, I guess, hesitant because you're like, well, you're trying to win games now. Like you got him in your squad. Let's fucking use him. So what do you reckon about? Would you put Brandon Smith starting at lock? Even though I think King has been good. I, I don't know if I'd start him at lock, but I, I'd definitely play him more than 33. Maybe like, he's injured. Maybe he had a head. No, actually he had a HIA. Pretty sure he had a HIO. He probably, even so, like the week before, 50 minutes, week before, 46 minutes. He's played 35, 50, 50 before. Not a lot of minutes. So you now. reckon you want to get him up around the 60-minute mark? Bloody oath. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Pretty sure he had a, had, a, had a HIA. And maybe he didn't come back on. Maybe that's why. Well, anyway. Look. Um, so look, the Cowboys, that's a scary storm side. To, uh, an angry storm side, scary side to play. And just have a look at Melbourne's run over the next few weeks. They play the Cowboys... Manly, Roosters, Brisbane, Manly, Cronulla. Pretty tough run yeah. during Origin. Why'd you it stop is. at the Raiders, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Two on the trot. Just on Smith, it's uh, quite interesting. So he, he got a HIA in the 39th minute and went off, but then it got cleared. So he come back on a minute later, but then he went off eight minutes later and then never came back on. So he must have been so, still concussed. Yeah, he must have, yeah. Must have been concussed still. Yeah. Anyway, um, congratulations, Panthers. Got got the uh, got the W. Um, interesting times for Storm. See how they bounce back. I think they'll bounce back in a fucking big way. Um, now, Sharks versus Raiders. What about them Raiders, eh? Uh, as I spoke, we spoke about earlier. But to be honest, the Sharks didn't look anywhere near the side that they normally are. And I think if we ever needed, if there's one thing we learnt from this game, it is Hines has to be their seven. It is undeniable. I don't care who you've got to move to pull fullback. I don't care if you've got to put a front row back there. Hines has to be a sevens because unfortunately, Moylan and Trindle just don't seem to be seven material. They're six material, um, which is fine. Everyone plays different roles. No knock on them, but Hines is their guy. Far out, he's their guy. Yeah, and I personally think it's easier to replace a fullback than a seven in this time. Mm. Like you, you've got guys that can jump in there. I still think you know if you're desperate, kind of Tracy at fullback could do a good job. Yeah. You've got Lockie Miller who could come in and do well. There's so. also that young fellow that's gone really well in New South Wales Cup. I forgot yep. his name, but K Dykes. K Dykes. Dykes. Yeah, you got Metcalf still in the t- in the squad, so they've got a heap of options there. I just think 
God, it was just so bleedingly obvious that they oh. struck without him, wasn't it? I, I, I feel like you could tell Hines was almost at the point where he's like, just get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. Well, towards the end, it was kind of yeah, like that. It was, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, you've also, you, you could move Moiser back there. H- however you're going to do it, Hines just has to be in the seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, fuck, it was frustrating to watch. And Canberra had three Simbins. I know. Shouldn't it's win a game of football with three. It was incredible performance by Canberra. So gutsy, so gritty. Um, and I think the Sharks were just paying the piper for last week. Like, I think that that took so much out of them. Now, I thought the seven-day turnaround would help them a bit. But, you know, what? my my initial gut feeling was probably right. Like, you, you don't get wins like that without being fatigued. Yeah. You really just do not. I, I texted you yesterday, and with all due respect, um, as soon as the Raiders got out to that big lead, I thought, oh, beautiful. They're at, you know, $6 on sports bet. I was on hold for 45 minutes. Far Everyone up. must have been getting on the Canberra face. The country was getting the on bed. the Sharks. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, the game was God. over and I was still on hold. I was like, oh, fuck. Thank God you didn't get through. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, made worse, but we'll speak about the positives. Speak about the positives. The Raiders. This is Ricky's Raiders. This is the Raiders that we know and love. They were tough. They were unrelenting. I think, boys, the course for... White in a 13. I think it's getting oh. I think it's getting better by the day, boys. Getting better by the day. Think about it. Like I thought Schneider was really good at seven. Frawley was really good. Do you do you want to break up a good thing? That's two wins on a trot. Yeah, I get it. But <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> No, I don't. Speak I to you. me. Again, as per last week, they're already loaded in the back row. I think Frawley has done more than enough to earn that spot. I think Schneider was okay, but I, I, to be honest, I don't think he's convinced me this season at all. Uh, there's a future for him, but I think Frawley and Jackie White will be perfect. Frawls in there running the show will take so much pressure off Jack Shoulders, and hopefully Sticky can just get Jack back to doing what he does best, and that's running the football and not worrying yep. about game management as much. Um, the Raiders, they just... They showed discipline for the first time this season. They completed... they. They weren't doing these shit offloads and turning over bo- uh, footy and, and giving up possession all the time. And, you know, it, it was just a massive, massive change for them and, and it, it paid off big time. Yeah, absolutely. They just they, – they were playing like the team that we know. You know, like the, this is the Raiders that every week we feel like we're going to see them come uh, up here again. And then they just – yeah, they, they absolutely did. Um, Frawley, his discipline is so good. Nearly kicked for 500 metres. Um, you know, Rapana constantly popping up, being a pest through the middle with his great ball running for the defence. Um, you know, like, I just, they just look like such a, like, more structured, more direction. There wasn't just shit going everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, they had a plan and they stuck to it. Um, it was just a massive win. And, you know, Papali'i and Tarpanan, they just were so important through the middle. They're so clinical, so good in defence. Um, I thought Starling came on and really injected a lot of energy through the middle. Um, yeah, I, I just I think uh, Raiders fans should be absolutely stoked with that performance. And if there is a performance that can turn a season around, it's one like that where you have three sin bins and you still get the win against people, what a lot of people think might be a top four side. Um, I will say the Chan sin bin, though, as we spoke about earlier, was just mental to me. Uh, yeah, so like, just be excited. Do you think that – so you think Schneider gets replaced by – I one? do, but I don't say that with confidence. Uh, that's what I do, and I think that's what Sticky will do. Because you'll see 
He'll see how big a difference an organising half made to that side. Mm. Like, how could you not? Like, their whole season has turned on its head in two weeks without their Dalian medal winner, mm. um, purely due to the, the style of the halves. And, and Frawley, like, he showed his experience where sometimes young halves, they'll, they'll do a play early in the game. It might be a crossfield bomb, and the winger bombs it, and then they go, oh, yeah, cool play. And it's like they forget that that happened. Whereas a good, experienced half, they do all play at the start. It's a bomb. Katoa drops it, and Frawley goes, oh, all right. That's who I'm kicking to for the next fucking 30 minutes. And he just keeps bombing it to Katoa for the rest of the half. And it's where they got a lot of their points. Mm. And that's where experience matters of, like, noticing patterns and trends and going, oh, this wing is not on today. I'm just going to keep bombing him. Whereas, like, some young guys, they'll be like, okay, they'll just bomb wherever they feel like bombing that set. Whereas Frawley was a master yesterday at sticking to the plan. Mate, it was even smarter than that. He was kicking on angles so that he was looking into the sun. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it was a really well thought out, you know, it sounds easy kicking to the sun, but he was, you could see where he was actually positioning himself to kick from that the trajectory would be yep. into the sun. Uh, I want to give, you had him in your team of the week, Zach Wolford. Just for a bit of context, he, he won a New South Wales Cup um, competition about five years ago playing for Canterbury. Looked unreal. Yeah, it looked like he was going to walk into first grade. It's going to be great. Went up to Newcastle as a great hooker. They didn't have a hooker. They had like Danny Levi and a couple of other guys bouncing around. They tried to turn him into a 13, put a few of extra kilos on him, and it just went completely to shit. Um, he left there. And I remember in 2020, I was watching a mate play rugby union, and the guy he was playing, I, sort of, I thought, I know that guy from somewhere, and I couldn't figure out where it was. It was Zach Wolford, he was playing Park Rugby Union two years ago far out he then signed with Newtown I think last year went back and played reserve grade there I think we were sitting here three weeks ago and I said you well they signed the Wolford kid the other day yeah, I wonder if he's a hooker play you've beat me to it you bastard yeah <laughs> <laughs> where that I had a mate, wind up, thought yeah. that Park Rugby you had all show but he like I, I had his his old man Simon Wolford on the podcast and he's coaching over in England and when all this was happening up in Newcastle I said to him off mic you're going to bring Zach over there and give him a shot? He goes, oh, mate, I know he'd do a job for me, but I just want him to find his own way. Mm. I don't want to give him an easy out or let him find his own way. And I, I was sitting there going, like, he's kind of been left out in the dark yeah, yeah. here. Uh, but, mate, he's fought his way in. It's been sensational. It's funny, like, you, you were seeing the video on the Canberra Raiders um, Instagram of Ricky Stewart handing him his first jersey. Mm. I remember Simon Wolfe telling me when he was 19, he was choosing which club to go to. He was a halfback that a lot of people were keen on. He went to Canberra for an opportunity just to learn off Ricky Stewart. Oh, wow. 30 years later, he hands his son the most unlikely first-grade jumper yep. ever. Just a crazy story. And he story. fucking was great. That, that, that try was set up service. Oh, they picked mate. a hooker at hooker. Yeah, a hooker. He was a specialist hooker. Like, it, it, it's in the key position, it's so important to have a specialist. At least in your spine, I, I feel you need at very least two specialists out and out. Don't want to play anywhere else. They want to play exactly that position. Um but yeah, that, that, the, even the, the, where he takes that dummy half run, um, sets up later in the game with that try assist there. Mate, it's just, it's just good for the, the Raiders that maybe, just maybe, that this uh, Hodgson problem that's just plagued them, it's plagued them, this Hodgson problem, is, could potentially be solved. Now, does it mean he's going to be as good as Hodgson? Maybe not. But, fuck, if he's 75% the player Hodgson is... You've got a winner there. You've got a winner there. So massive congratulations and good on him to stick and buy, like sticking to it. To be able to sit there, you're playing park union footy and you stick to it, you stick to it. You get your debut at Magic Round. Fuck, how good's that? He's just, he, and he's like being Simon Wolford's son, 
He's like 25 years old. He's had a host of opportunities through New Wales Cup. He's had every opportunity put in front of him that he can to play NRL, and it just hasn't eventuated. Yeah. Yeah. I said, went back, went back one weekend, his mate said, come play park rugby with me. Starting third grade, they're like, oh, well, you know, you're a hooker in league, whatever, put you at half back or in the forward. Somebody goes, mate, I'm here for a bit of a run around, I don't yeah, care. Play fun, yeah. Played fullback. Fullback? Little nugget. Played fullback, killed it. Wow. Same day, second grade coach. Mate, do you want to back up for us? Oh, yeah, righto, boom. The week later, mate, first grade for us this week? Oh, yeah, whatever. Fullback? Oh, yeah, fullback, sweet. So I played fullback in first grade park rugby. Um, mate, he's been, like, wasn't playing footy fit there for a while. He's working full time with, like, the Snowden Racing Stables. He's working with Godolphin. Yeah. Couple of weeks later, he's playing NRL on Magic Round. Like, what a mental story! Wow. And that was what two years ago. His Park Footy third two grade. Two or three years ago, yeah. Park and not Union just playing first grade. He set up two tries. Yeah. Against <laughs> the Cronulla Sharks, who we've been yeah. saying are a premiership threat. He made like a line break through his own, just purely his own yeah. off his own bat. What a what a great great story and. Stories like that can really buoy a team as well. Like when you mm. see battlers come through and they're really good to point to and be like, boys, you're all so privileged to have these big contracts and everyone loves you. You go down the street, oh, you know, I love the Raiders and thanks so much for everything you do. Right. Here's this bloke that was third division union coming in, ripping and tearing. If he can come in and impact a game the way he did, what is stopping all you guys who came straight through the grades, have all the talent in the world and... It's it's really good for everyone, and and it's really good for the senior players too to point to him and go, boys, like look how much he's ripping. Let's all rip and tear too. It's inspiring. You need sometimes in a team, you just need that little bit of energy that you bring. I remember um, when the Warriors were struggling a little bit, and Kevin Locke came in, mm-hmm. and he just brought a bit of energy. They, they the Warriors like struggled, continued to struggle that year, but it just brought energy to the squad and a bit of life. And sometimes that's all you need is just this one player to come in that sparks something inside of the rest of the boys. And hopefully Wolfie can be that guy because he yeah. was, yeah, he was outstanding. So what was else was scary? And you, you remember like, you know, like every, every player has their own little, you know, th- things that they do, you know, their little, little characteristics or whatever. The way that Zach just approaches the ruck, the way that he, it's Simon all yeah, over. It's crazy. It is like a direct, like, you know, you see those things of Nathan and Ivan when they're goal yeah. kicking. Yeah. It was scary. <clears throat> Mate, yeah, it's so good. So I'm stoked for the Raiders. Really important win, like really important. This could be a win that turns their season around. And I know we've discussed this before, but this is now the second time they've knocked the Sharks off. You know, so like the tough thing for the Raiders is when you look at them on the ladder, you go, you know, they're currently sitting 10th. Last week when you looked at them on the ladder, you go, they're not this out of a side to be sitting 13th or 14th. There's no way the Raiders should be there. Now, they're sitting 10th, and if they win this weekend, they could find themselves in the eight. And then all of a sudden, a year that was, you know, doom and gloom and, and all that kind of stuff turns into a year full of hope. They could be sitting in the eight, and if they go on a run, they are actually only, so they're on eight points right now. Fourth is on 12 points. So if they go on a run, they could genuinely challenge the top six. That's, in, that's, that's within their grasp. Like if I'm Ricky, I'm getting them in the room on Monday or Tuesday or whenever it is and going, boys, we can be a top six side this year. Could you imagine the different conversation we're going to be having at the end of the year if Raiders finish top six? It'll go from it's a disaster, there needs to be a clean out to this is one of the best young squads in the NRL. How confident are you feeling as a Raiders? Because I know I spoke to a Raiders fan on Saturday and sort of said, oh, how good's that? And he straight away said to me, 
where the fuck has this been? Mm. Well, I, I can't like I I'll enjoy it when they do it three weeks on the trot. They play the bunnies next week. As yeah. a Raiders fan, how you feel? Oh, to be honest, I'm I'm not convinced. Like, there's a glimmer of what we can achieve. I just do think we're lack, lacking attacking spark in the back mm. line. Still, really keen to see how hopefully Jackie White goes with falls <laughs> and how they look then, but. I, I just I don't think the points are in the back line against the better sides mm. to really do too much damage. But that being said, if the four pack are good enough, which they can be on their day, you can achieve a lot off the back mm. of that, which we saw on the weekend. Yeah, so oh, for sure. No one's sitting I'm not sitting here saying going, fuck boys, they're gonna be top six or whatever. What That's I'm saying is is these guys have put themselves in position. Mm, yeah. They have an opportunity in front of them. And that's why why I'm saying is like Ricky gets them in a room and shows them the ladder and says this is where we're at, boys. We truly have an opportunity here to change this season from a negative one after last year into we're building momentum for 2023. We have this completely like a really young side that's got a whole two years or a year of first round under their belt. I, I just think the Raiders have such an opportunity in front of them to change the season. The Sharks got one try. It was um, it was in the what was it the 66 minute. That was just as the Raiders came back on with having 13 players. Mm. They had three separate Simbins. They didn't just concede a point during any of those yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah, it's incredible. That's, it is something to build off. That, that's it is, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm, I like yeah. trying to say. I'm sure there'll be some people that'll go, are you fucking serious, Dan? It was one win. I, I, I get all that. What I'm saying is, is like, if you're looking for a, an opportunity to build on, this is the fucking game. This can be the moment where it turns from, fuck me, you know, we, we need to clean this whole club out to, oh, holy shit, we could be genuinely challenging for the top six this year because like look let's what's their what's their roster for the next four games so they've got they've got south para roosters south para roosters like they could definitely beat south and they could definitely beat roosters and who knows para as well you never know with para let's say they're two from three the next few weeks that, they're they, capable of doing we, absolutely, they're capable of doing. They so get Roosters without their origin players too. So, so they knock off South. So that means South dropped to eight. That if they knock off South, they will be. So they knock off South. That means that they will be on equal points to South. If they knock off Roosters, and either Sharks, Eels, no, if they knock off Roosters, they become on equal points with Roosters. I will say as well, their draw to finish the year is. Really, really like what's their draw to finish? Really good. So, I'll go back six rounds. So they got, well, they got Warriors, Titan. This is leading to finals: Warriors, Titans, Panthers, Dragons, Knights, Manly Tigers. That's what I mean. Like, talk about an opportunity. <laughs> Fuck me. And as much as you know, the next two weeks they got tough opposition. They play South Sydney, who aren't flying. They go to Dubbo for that. Mm. The next two weeks are both in Canberra against Parramatta and the Chooks. Right, this next month can set the whole year up. And, and I, it's not to say that this will happen at all, but it is to say they this effort on the weekend put them in the position to do that. Mm. If they don't have this arguably historic win, three people sent to the bin for 10 minutes each, like a 30-minute period or 25, there was a period where they had 11 men and they still won. They didn't just win by two points. They won 30 to, to six or whatever. Who would they lose to origin? They'll lose Josh Papali and potentially and Jack. maybe Jack. I think that would be it. See, I I probably think Hines will get that fourteen role. I reckon Jack will. You reckon? I, I know yep. Fitler loves Jackie but White. Off the back of how much Freddie loves Jackie yeah. White, and God, he's so versatile as well. Like he's the perfect fourteen in the sense that even if you need him to play lock, yeah, um, and play in the fallback, he would. Could do you fine. imagine if he goes on a lock and fucking kills at it at origin level? 
Mate, I'll just be sitting there going, I'm, I'm, I'm the greatest man alive. I'm the greatest man alive. But if he goes on and plays poorly, I'll be like, I didn't actually say to play 13. I was just posing the question. Yeah. When Ruben Cotter ch- chops him in half, I'll let yeah. him know that. Don't worry. Um, yeah, yeah I, look, I understand. Like, Freddie loves um, fit life. I've spoken about this story before, but remember that the year where he's had that Guns team and Latrell had that poor game. Latrell ends up getting dropped. And, like, in the post-match interview, press interview, like, Freddie was under the pump. Like, people were like, you know, it wasn't good enough, this, that, and the next thing. And he made it a point to be like, Jack White and come on the field and was outstanding, rah, rah. And he was really the only player that Freddie gave, like, a massive rap to. And and I understand Freddie's thinking if he does pick White at, at 14, because you're right, not only, like, we always talk about built for origin. Like, he is built for origin. He's super fucking aggressive, can play anywhere. He's also a big frame. You want... You want as many big frames to handle the contact and orange as you can. In saying that, Heinz, he has been like so silky. So silky. Imagine him coming on at whatever, you know, minute um, and creating that extra like high-end footy on the back of quick play the balls. That'd I'd be, be happy for it to be, Nico. I just yeah. think he'll get Yeah, I, I, I won't be shocked at all. If I won't be shocked. I, I won't, I, I, at the moment, I think Heinz will get it, but... I understand the thought process for yeah. White to get it. And also, I understand the loyalty thing as well. It does pay dividends to be loyal. I just quick story about um, Jack White. Because that, that game, Jack actually threw an intercept that game as well. And, yeah, Freddie, and Freddie still came and out. Fred, and exactly. That's, that's what was like so crazy. Well, because Ricky yeah. Stewart is, you know, he, he's obviously Jack White's main guy. And him and Freddie are so close. Mm. But Freddie actually, he said, he said to me, he was looking in the newspaper and he saw a photo of Jack after that game. He's like fending off Dan Gagai and he's like elbows in his face and he's got someone in here. And apparently Freddie just looked at that photo and said that this bloke's in my team. That's really? all it took. Yeah. So like he loved the He the loved just, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And I wondered too, with game one being in Sydney, if you do just go for that bigger body of Jack there. Yeah. Like if it was at Suncorp, a bit of a faster mm. track, I would probably lean towards Nico. But if I had to put my money, I reckon he will go Jack. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, look, it's a fair call. And and you know what? It would probably come down to styles of play too. Yep. Like, does he just want another fucking aggressive bloke in the middle? Or does Freddie sit back and go, do I need attacking potency? Probably not. Like, I, I've got so much fucking weapons on the field. Scoring points for New South Wales is not going to be an issue. It's going to be the line speed from Queensland and the aggressive nature of that forward pack that Queensland... You know, for example, in the, the, the year that we were the worst side or whatever... It was our line speed from our forward pack that rattled you. That was like, oh, shit. It wasn't the fact that you didn't have guns that could score points. So, yeah, oh, fuck. When Origins are around, we'll, we'll be able to talk to our fucking can't talk anymore. <laughs> but as I said, Raiders, massive opportunity. What an incredible win. Raiders fans, enjoy that shit. You know, very, very rarely does a team have three people sent to the bin and put in an effort like that for its fans, for its families, for everyone. So massive congratulations. Um, we'll talk about the Sharkies. Mate, oh, I just think this was... I, I think it's probably Fitzgibbon's first little stumble in the sense that it was probably it was his call to move him to fullback. Mm. I think if he could make that choice again, I think Fitz. Like, well, I mean, he's got what this week to make the choice, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because Kennedy's not back yet. I think he's got two to, weeks. Yeah. yeah, two weeks. So I think we'll, we'll see Hines back at seven. Do you? What do you think? I would assume so. Do you think this is uh, Fitzgibbon's probably first stumble in decision? Like he's been perfect pretty much. Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, I, I think it's also easier. It's an easier call in hindsight. Like oh, I personally thought they'd no be okay. You know, in like, hindsight. What's that? In hindsight. Hindsight. Oh. 
Uh, no, not bad. Um, <laughs> a bit better than that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that I, mate, I personally think Nico Hines would have walked off and said, "Yeah, I want the seven. I can understand why um, Fitzgibbon did it though, because when I, I think, put it this way, if Hines didn't go to fullback and they go and tear the Warriors up, I don't think Fitzgibbon does it. But I think Fitzgibbon yeah. would have thought, well, he can just play like he did yep. against the Warriors. Sure. Like he'll just come in, play seven and attack. And then go back, um, and and you're totally right. It's so easy for us to sit here and go, you know, Fitzgibbon should have kept him at seven. You know, if we really felt that way, we would have been strongly like, don't put Hines back at fullback. So, um, yeah. What, what what do you think Fitzgibbon says to to the Sharkies, Timmy? What do you think he says going into this next week? Look, they've been so good this season that like. <laughs> <clears throat> There aren't many teams who will go... In fact, there's next to no teams barring what basically Penrith have done the last two seasons that don't go through a season without um, one shit outing for whatever reason. So firstly, he'll say, put a line through it, we'll be back, we'll be better. And then he'll hammer down on the... Without making excuses, how big the Warriors' win was the week before with 11 and 12 blokes Mm. and how much that took out of them. And he won't use it as an excuse, but he will point to it and say you know what, guys, we'll come back, we'll regenerate and we'll be okay. Mm. Um, at what point do you start asking questions? And again, I feel super critical of it, but of Cronulla, when you lay down the teams they've beat on paper, there's not a lot. They've beaten up a lot of lower tier sides in the competition. They've lost to the Raiders twice, who haven't done much this year. Brisbane and the Storm both beat them pretty comfortably. So they've beaten one top eight this season. <coughs> And it was Parramatta in round two by two points. So while they've looked the goods and they're pumping ordinary sides, mm. you know, they haven't – I don't know. I, I still want to see them do it against the top sides because – Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair point. I do think that the only reason we're thinking that is because they've shattered expectations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if you said to me – if we said all of us at the start of the year, Sharks are going to go out and pump every side. They're going to get one win over a top eight mm. side. They might drop a game or two against, you know, you'd say that's a fucking great start to the year for the Sharkies. Like last year, they were the worst defensive side in the comp, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and, but you know what? It's, it's actually a compliment that we're asking that question because yeah. now we're saying, yeah. I actually think Sharkies are a top four side. The bar's gone from top 10 to top four within six weeks of the which season. Which is incredible, which yeah. is incredible. Um, but you, you're totally right. Like they need to get a sculpt on one of the biggest squads. Like the Storm, they were in the game for probably 60 minutes or so, um, but they need to get a big win against a, uh, you know, a side that is, like it's tough because like, yeah, okay, let's say let's say they go out tomorrow and they beat the Cowboys. Would that be enough for you? Really the only two teams that convince you yeah. are Storm and yeah. Panthers. You go, how do they go against Storm and Panthers? Any outside of those two, you go, yeah, well, they're not really like the tippity top right now. Whereas the, cow- the Cowboys are out and out for third now. Well, just have a look at their draw moving forward. It's a, they've got a big three weeks from around 17 to around 19. They play Storm, Cowboys, Penrith, three on the trial. So uh, this is that, the biggest, That'll be yeah. six weeks before finals. That'll give you a good indication. Storm in origin week is a bit of a bugger because that would have been a cracking game. Yeah. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So they go Storm, what did you say, Storm, Penrith? Storm, Cowboys, Penrith. I still think this will, be, this will gauge. This will show us where they're really sitting. I think if I'm Craig, uh, who has just been absolutely outstanding. Craig and Peyton, for me right now, coaches of the year. Like, they're just so outstanding what they've done. But if I'm Fitzgibbon, I'm backing off their training. Like, just 
bringing it right back and making a very clear point like, boys, this next month is season-defining. We need to get some wins on the board, but also the message we're going to send to the rest of the comp, if we can jag two of three, uh, a pretty big fucking message, especially that Cowboys game. Is that next week? No, so sorry. It, it's, it's around 17, 18, oh, okay. 9. So it's in a few weeks' time. Yeah. But that, that'll be five or six weeks before finals. The Sharks will essentially play a little final series. So they go, mm. they go Titans, Roosters, bye. and a bye. Yeah. So you basically want to go for two for two. You, they, they need two from two from that. Two from yeah. two, get into the bye, get your, get your rest, get your relax a uh, few Mate, weeks. Then, then they go Warriors, Titans, Canterbury, and then they start that tough draw. So so basically the, the, the next six weeks uh, will lay the platform to allow them to drop a few games in, in, the, in the end of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we need to win four from six minimum, minimum, to guarantee that we're going to be in the eight good no, to go. I think based on the way Craig Fitzgibbon has been talking this year, I think he would expect them to go six from six. Six from six. six. That's fair. That's fair. Like, like Penrith would. Do you th- would. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Do you think that the weekend, and then you add that onto the Broncos game as well, maybe backs my sentiment of they don't have enough time to become that side to be a premiership this year? Or do you think that they still have a chance to be a premiership threat this year? Well, I think they have a chance to be a premiership threat this year. Um, but yeah, that they, it, is, it is a short amount of time. It's a short amount of time to do what they've done. Incredible. To go to that next level is be impressive. I, For me, I look at the Sharks and I look at Parramatta and I go, if Penrith and Melbourne have to play each other in a prelim, Sharks and Penrith will be a really it's just Sharks and Parramatta would be a good hope in a grand final to win yeah, the for sure. there. For it just sure. depends how it plays out. But mm. I also look at the Sharks and you know we we, we I, I think Maddie brought it up last week or you did that it, they they played the three games in eleven days. They then went into that Warriors game where they won against all odds. Then they went down to Canberra and essentially lost against all odds. Mm. I think it's just been a weird five weeks for them. Yeah, it's true. It's been, like I, I would almost this week sort of pull off their load a little bit. Mm. And in their defence, they lose Will Kennedy, half part of their spine. Um, they have to move Hines back to fullback. They lose Ramian, who's been literally one of their form players. So although they could have, they, they should have played better yesterday uh, on the weekend. Um, there are reasons to explain why they yeah. played the way they did. They've also brought Wade Graham back in, which means that they've taken Wilton out, who I think he's been one of their form players this season mm. so far. Yeah, and it is going to take Wade time to get back to player that we know he is so there has been a lot of changes there yeah and Dale getting taken off I think that hurt them massively there was a bit of momentum being built Dale gets fucking poor bloke Hamlin Uele was their best front rower in the first five weeks they've lost him too Jack Williams played six minutes did his shoulder just stuffed with their rotation two big boys gone like that yeah that's a really good point so look you know what maybe yeah okay the opposition had three sin bins or whatever but there's definitely reasons for why they just weren't mm. the same side. Like yeah. when you when you name everything, it's like you know what? Maybe this performance was probably it's a coming. Lot. Yeah. It's a lot to deal with, especially with a team that's already you know punching above its weight as it is. I do want to mention. I think Royce Hunt has crazy potential. <laughs> crazy so potential. Oh yeah, big, <laughs> oh, big fan. Oh really, mate? His <laughs> footwork and size. I, I don't think he's anywhere near to where he could be. I think he could be one of the more devastating ball runners. He made his debut for Canberra five years ago, at least. It was a long time ago. He played one game, and then he just fell into a rugby league black hole. He was yep. playing reserve ground for four or five years. <laughs> 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 and um, 
everyone's always like, what happened? They don't actually know that's the most hurtful thing you could ask. If someone goes like, what happened to your career, bro? You were so good. <laughs> it's like, you don't actually know, oh, thanks, bro. Like, you're basically like crashed and burned. Like I was at the tip of the top and I crashed and burned. But no one actually knows how much that hurts. Like, just imagine you were doing something and you were killing it or whatever. And everyone always comes to you and be like, what happened to you, bro? You were doing so good. It's like, oh, fuck, sweet. Let's get reminded of that shit. I've been, I've been waiting for three weeks. It's the positive weeks. of being good at nothing. I've been waiting for three weeks to get kicked off this podcast. <laughs> and just have blokes come to me, weren't you doing real good and going on that bloke podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, far, so good. <laughs> sorry, mate, the black hole. Yeah. Um, oh, just that, you know, he came into first grade, he fell out, no one wanted anything to do with him. Like, he was coming off the bench for their reserve grade for Mounties for three or four years and um, got an opportunity at the Sharks in a forward pack that is stacked. Like, if Royce Hunt wasn't in this squad, they'd be okay without him. But he's playing so well that he's kept himself in there and he's, he's genuinely having impact on yeah. game. So, a really good story of just perseverance. Yeah, mate. He, he's... I just think physically he's got so much fucking potential. Yeah. Quite agile for a big man, huge body, good footwork. Uh, just quickly, I'm looking at this fucking draw. First of all, Broncos are sitting seventh. How good? Second of all, Broncos <laughs> go Newcastle, Titans, and bye. We could be looking at, what, we've gone four in a row. We could be looking at fucking six in a row. Oh, yeah. How good's that? <laughs> you imagine Broncos sitting in the top six? Because, like, what? you got, we're on 12 points. Well, we're equal. We're essentially equal to fourth. Well, I'll throw an omen for you. Last time you went four in a row, you went six in a row. Five years ago. <laughs> mate, could you, mate, if the Broncos hit, I'm fucking, if the Broncos get in the top four, we're going to celebrate, I'm celebrating somehow. I'll, I'll do something. I'll do something. Could you imagine Broncos in the top four right now? For the sake of Mondays, I hope not. <laughs> um, Sharkies, yeah, look, I think once we've, I don't think it's like a therapy session for Sharks fans right now. We've spoken through the problems and we've gone, you know what? Yeah, okay, we get it. We get it. Um, now, on to Roosters versus the Eels. Uh, Roosters are back? Question marks? <laughs> Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, kind of. I'm not sure. Again, I don't know how to assess this one. It's like a, it's like a better version of the Rabbitohs Warriors situation. Because it ended up being a, a, a relatively close game. Uh, there was a period there where the Roosters looked fantastic. Then the Eels almost looked like the Eels were like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll kick in the gear now. Kick in the gear, score a bunch of points. But then the Roosters hold on. Uh, what do you think about this one, Timmy? It's a funny one, wasn't it? They, like, their attack's definitely getting there. Like it's, You don't want to see them put points on rubbish sides in the NRL. You want to see them do it on good teams. And Parramatta... You know, knocked off Penrith the week before. So, again, maybe a slight case, even though they've put in so much the last week's game. But uh, getting there in attack, they still conceded 24 points, but Parramatta were, like, were quite good with ball mm. in hand. So, yeah, the, the signs are there for the Roosters, not far off it. Um, you know, they really set it up in that first 20, 25 minutes, didn't they? They came out all guns blazing. Jabberware Hargreaves in that first 20, 25 minutes was exceptional. He had 113 metres after 20 minutes of that game. Wow. Um, so while they sort of switched off in periods there, particularly in the second half, I think they did enough in the first 20 to set up that win. Mm. What do you think, Guru? Oh, mate, similar to you. I've got here, you know, are the Roosters back? Then I've just got, who are Parramatta? Who are they? <laughs> Mate. You know what I mean? Like, like, yes, you know, and I got absolutely licked to death by Parramatta fans last week after they beat Penrith and yeah. everything. And it's like, oh, beat these top teams. It's like, yeah, you beat them during the regular season. You get up for regular season games, but 
you lose consistently to these teams that have finished somewhere between third and seventh yep. every season. You beat up on the bottom teams. I just I don't I don't know who Parramatta are. I don't know. I I I think they've improved since last year when they got really close in that finals game, but still haven't won. Well, they've won I, I would guess two finals games in the last five years. Mm. And they don't put these teams away who Roosters were better, but they weren't great. You want to hear something absolutely fucking wild. Roosters are fourth. With the season yeah. that they have had, they are fourth. They're still underachieving and they're fourth. That's what I mean. Like, that's where you go, I don't know whether to be super scared of when this Roosters team does click. Because if you, if you could just read the media, and, and to be fair, even read the way we've spoken about the Roosters, you would go, Roosters are fucking 12th or 13th. You really would think that. They're fourth. And if that isn't a sign of a great club, I don't know yeah. what is. I think about all the things we've been saying about the Roosters, for example. You know, Teddy's struggling to f- sort of find his spot in this team. The halves aren't gelling. They don't really have a premier hooker. Look at the Parramatta Eels, what we've been saying all year. They're 5'8's flying. Their halfback's flying. Mm. Their fullback's great. Their hooker's a gun. They've won the same amount of games. It's, it's absolutely yeah. amazing. Like, it is amazing that they are they are fourth. They are, they truly, like, if they go on and go, all right, boys, we're going on a run. We're, gonna, we're going to the roosters that we all know and love. They easily could be sitting second right now. Like, they win a couple games. I know the Storm won't lose many games. But it, it's just amazing that they're sitting fourth. It is almost, it's almost unbelievable. Seriously. Yeah. Fourth. And it's been... Like, they have had a soft draw, but, again, you said we spoke so poorly of them because for good reason, but the next six weeks, Penrith, Cronulla, Raiders without players for Origin Week, Storm, Eels, Panthers. But it's kind of worked out well, hasn't it, that, yeah, they've had a slow start to the season by their standards against the softer draw. You know, it's Trent Robbo. They'll build into it. These combinations yeah. coming together again, um, particularly Sammy Walker and Keary as it comes into this harder draw. So it's going to be an awesome month, six weeks of footy to watch with the Roosters and see where they're actually at. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, but again, it's it's a really good example of setting yourself up for a mm. year. Like it's a really good example of just jagging wins here and there um, because they've given themselves the luxury now to like, they don't have to be fully stressed out of, oh my God, we're chasing the eight, we're out of the eight. And yeah, they've had a soft-ish draw, but I mean, they just beat the Eels who beat the Storm and beat... Penrith. And once again, you look at those top four teams. Who are the four best defensive teams so far? Those four. That's one thing that Robbo has consistently said, no matter how poor they look, we're getting our defence together. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, massive hats off to that whole organisation. For them to still be fourth, it just shows you that even when they're playing nowhere near where they should be, they're still a top-tier side. Like we, We have a look at the Sharks, you know, and we've complimented them a lot this year, said how good they're going, how great they look. The Roosters have scored two more points than the Sharks this year and they've got the exact same defence. It's crazy. It just shows you the different, like, because you have such high expectations of a club, you... I mean, it's... it's the, to, to be fair, though, I, when the year started, I would have had Panthers, Storm and Roosters in the same bracket. Yep. Um, I think they've just fallen out of that little bit, but I do believe that if there is, a, if there is one team that, if they get on a run, can truly beat the Storm and Panthers into a grand final, it's probably the Roosters. But if there was also one team in that top three bracket that could fall out, it was the Roosters because we were backing them to get their players back and it all fall back into place. And yes, they've fallen out of that top three. They've fallen to fourth. Yeah. Yeah, Imagine if any of the other teams on this list were in fourth, how much we'd be praising them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So massive congratulations to the Roosters. Uh, I agree with you too. I think that they're – 
it is starting to fall into place for them. I think that the fact that – I think Suwali is a really good example of like they still are developing these young, young guys and they're still – their methods still work. You know what I mean? Like they still – they are still the roosters that we know. It's not like it, – put it this way. If Suwali came into first grade and didn't improve the way he did, I'd be like, hmm, does, does the roosters still have that magic that they do? But – that they had a few years ago. But I think with Walker improving each week, um, even Walker's kicking, he's um, converting, it's improved out of sight. Like there was a period there where I was going, he doesn't have the mechanics to be a goal kicker. Mm. Yeah, he's kicking great. Um, Yeah, it's a great win for the club. It really, really sets them up to to go on and do something uh, special this year. And and it puts them in a position to challenge for the the top tier sides and beating an eel side that although didn't start the best, the eels still played probably... 60 minutes of, or at least 40 minutes of really good footy. Yeah, and the yep. Roosters came into that game with a second or third choice hooker. Radley got injured during it. Yep. I mean, Early I, too. I also thought that that try that Sam Walker scored, like, yeah, ch- chip over the top, exciting to see magic round. Just the awareness. Crazy. Oh. Awareness to be 19 and just to be 19 and barking the players around, that he, like telling yep. Rhea Hargraves, Teddy, where to be, and then just still have the vision to one, that see the Guthos up in the line, two, to back yourself. Mm to do it at his Crazy. age. It's, if, if he kicks that ball dead, he's an idiot, and yeah. that game flips yeah. on the tech. Absolutely. Which would have been so easy to do. He's just... think of, And also think about key, key individual um, situations that scored points for the Roosters. Like, we're talking about teenagers that stepped up in the big moment and got them the points. They won by a try. And those, those big moments were two teenagers. One, one's 19, one's 18 years old. <laughs> against the Eels, who I still believe are a premiership threat. Like, if that isn't promising for the club, I don't know what is. Like, two teenagers in magic round in front of 45,000 or 40,000 people stepping up and essentially winning the match for you. If they don't have those two teenagers in their side, do they win the game? Probably not, because they only won by a try. And and the field goal was also Sammy Walker. I I think it's crazy to this Roosters side now. They're getting to a point where even if they have a shit set of six, they can just put in a half-decent kick to either winger yeah. They get a try anyway. Yeah. And, and every part of that comes back to Trent Robbo mm. saying to Sammy, we touched on it before, mate, back yourself. If you stuff up, all good. He yeah. does it, wins him the game. You know, is Hook saying to, if Hook's, can you imagine Tyrell Sloan doing that at the Jay? It's chipping over, sees a bit of space, just goes nah, for it. Like, no not way. a chance. Yeah. So great coaching from Robbo. Great coaching. What were you going to say, mate? Oh, I was just going to back up your point. His goal kicking last year was 53%. This year it's 71 Yeah, it's crazy. And that just shows of like a player that has been continuously backed by the coaching staff. Stick in it, mate. Stick in it. How easy would it have been for Trent to go, mate, 50% kicking. We need to fucking find someone else to kick because you just aren't the guy to do it. You know, now, now it's, it's still not the best kicking, but to improve by 20%, 20%. That's just great coaching. Great, and obviously great work by Sammy Walker. Um, I thought Tupu was fantastic. I thought Suwala was great. I thought um, Teddy was really good. As you guys said, Hargreaves was fantastic. Tokiaho. I mean, just a great win for the club. Really, really good win for the club. Um, Can I ask, we've seen, you know, over the years, whenever Robbo has a young star, like a Walker, for example, he did it with Latrell, he did it with Joey Marno at different points there comes a point where he sends them back down to reserve grade for a couple of weeks. Not just a dropping, but like just to improve their game. Do we think Walker's – is he out of that realm now, do you I think? I think so. Yeah. I think I think last year that may have happened. Yeah. But I think he's excelled so – like could you imagine Walker back in reserve grade? It would be a bit weird. be a bit weird. Mm. I, I agree though. I, I, he's, he's done it before. It was weird yeah. when he did it to Latrell. It was weird when he did yeah. to Joey too. Like. 
Yeah, no, he, he does have a history of it. It'd be interesting if he did. Fuck, it would make some headlines. Jesus Christ. Uh, now, onto the Eels. The interesting thing about the Eels and the, I guess, the worrying thing is they now sit sixth and they drop a game, they could fall out of the eight. Mate, they're six and they've beaten Melbourne and Penrith. It's crazy. And they've so, only lost one game. Well, now Melbourne have lost two, but they're the only team that has that advantage of beating those sides and they're six. Yeah. And the, the, the concern for the for Eels at the moment is, is like, Seagulls, Rabbitohs, Broncos genuinely could all fit into that seven, eight position. Um, at a, you know, if you want to push it even further, you know, maybe even the Raiders could. But if you just want to be conservative, Broncos, Rabbitohs, and Seagulls absolutely could squeeze into that six, seven, eight position. And uh, you know, I do believe the Eels will eventually. I think they'll probably finish top four. But it's it's just like you don't want to be in this position when you're a premiership threat. You really don't. Yeah, the advantage they've got is it during Origin. Um, well, they'll lose Junior. I think that's it, realistically. Yeah. Um, so they will keep that. It's a big advantage to have during that period. So on the same, I, I think this will probably be the worst that they could finish, sixth. Um, but they, they go, shouldn't be in this position. Because like, they go Manly this week. What if Manly beat them? Yeah, and Manly are hurting this week. They'll be... Yeah, that's what I mean. Like... If Manly beat them, like they'll still be in the eight, but it'll only be on points differential, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it'll be on points differential. And it looks like Schuster will be back this week. And and so they'll be sitting in eighth. Which is like Yeah, that's wow. insane. They and beat knocked off the two unbeaten. Storm teams, and yeah. Penrith. And and that's where it starts to go, Oh man, that like this inconsistency kills you. It just kills you. Not only did you beat Storm and Penrith, you beat Storm in Melbourne, you beat Penrith at Penrith. At Penrith. Jeez. Like, they're two impossible tasks. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... The Eels are such an interesting side because you just don't know where they stand. I, I, I mean, I say it every week. I still believe they're one of maybe two teams max that could threaten Penrith yep. and Storm because they've proven it. But there are certainly... The, I guess, the Cowboys, the Broncos and the Sharks pushing into the eight has made that eight such a scary place now. Yeah. Whereas last year, all three of those teams were not challenging for the eight. What do you got there? I was just going to point out, I don't think it's quite funny that the Roosters, Sharks, Eels and Broncos have all got the same amount of wins because it seems like like four completely different narratives. Yeah. Those four teams, and they're all on the same amount of points. Yeah, it is really, really interesting. And I, I think sometimes Paramount Eels fans uh, um, get the shits with us, but it's because we hold your team at a high standard. Yeah. You, you, just your team isn't in the good to be in the top eight race. They're your in a team's premiership. in a fucking premiership. Absolutely. You've got the team to do it. Let's do it. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, they abs- this year, with Brown killing it, they absolutely have the side to win the yeah. premiership. So d- just a disappointing week. She <laughs> You go all the way out from here going, we did it, boys. We've beaten the both the best sides to, you know, and Roosters played well, but did they play so well that it excuses that loss? Not really. So but They beat Penrith convincingly last week. For I, felt, I felt so too. So really disappointing loss. Really disappointing loss. Um, just get this back up. Look, I thought uh, to beat, you know, in the positive, Mitchell Moses was absolutely outstanding. I thought Dylan Brown was absolutely outstanding. Um, you know, Papali'i was outstanding. Madison was outstanding. So it's not like they were shocking, but, you know, leaking 31 points when you're, you know, supposed to be a premiership threat, just a really disappointing week. 
for, for the for the Panthers. Is Papa Lee a top three forward in rugby league? Right now, yeah, fucking oath. Is there an argument he's a top one? <laughs> Mate, he is so good. He's incredible. Like so good. He's the amount of work he gets through, like his his support play up the middle to get his try. Yeah. Like he's a second rower. Why like was a he there? big yeah, he yeah. should not be there. And he and he, he gets there anyway. He's just he'll be such a big loss for them. Such a big I mean, lucky that they've got Madison. Madison's actually landed in a perfect spot because like, you know, go back what, six months ago and they were almost saying to Madison, you can if there's someone else, then sweet. Now all of a sudden the Eels are in a situation where it's like, oh, not only Madison's playing fantastic, but Papali'i, if we lose those meters on the edge there, where do we find those meters? You know, he's he's so important to our side. Um, so the thing is, is like with the eels, as you go, is it a hiccup or is this just the design? This, this is, is who this, they are. Is this yeah. who the eels are? It's been like that for years, hasn't it? Yeah. I think in terms of this year, their attack is so lethal. Even on the weekend, they lost the game, but. Scored 24 points and looked good with ball in the end all times. You mentioned the form of Dylan Brown, Mitchie Moses. Then they've got Sean Lane and Pup Lee punching edges. Like, there's threats across the whole side. Mm. Um, just defensively, like, you look at uh, 213 points conceded this year. That's pretty comfortably the worst in the top eight. Like, for context, Penrith have conceded almost half of that. Cowboys are eight points more than the Panthers. Like, so, ball in hand... That's what we want to see. Do it good. Do do there. Score your points. All good. But defensively, uh, just issues. So they need yeah. to need to straighten that out. And the, the this tough thing was was I think like it was either last year or the year before they were one of the better defensive teams in the comp, and there was just points they were struggling to score. So you know, this week's really important for them because if they go from you know such a, a, a big win over the Panthers and the Storm all the way to sitting at eighth. You know, people start looking around, like players start looking around going, oh shit, like we are, it's a bit of risk here. Could well, you imagine they drop out the eight? Well, just off the back of what uh, Tim said then, like outside of the Newcastle game when Newcastle were a speed bump essentially, that was at their lowest <laughs> of lows, they haven't kept a team under 14 points. That's concerning. That's concerning. Yeah, look, it's just... It's, it's like what we said after the game when we're reviewing their game against the Panthers and we gave them all the raps in the world. We were like, you know, it almost, it doesn't mean nothing. It, it definitely, it, it proves that if the Eels go on a run, they can win a premiership if they go on a run. But then they come out this week and they lose. It's like, I just don't know where to put them now because. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like you have a look at the last three weeks. They, you know, the Cowboys absolutely gave it to them. Then they beat Penrith. Then the Roosters beat them. Like, they're averaging about 28, 29 points over the last three weeks against three of the top four sides. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, maybe in their defence, we have to be like, you know, Cowboys are top four side, Roosters are a top four oh, side. Yeah, fair, but that's who they're going to have to beat if they yeah. want to win a premiership. Yeah. That's that, that's their competition. I don't, I don't really care what Parramatta do to Newcastle. I don't care what they do to the Titans. I couldn't yeah. care less. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's tough. I think if they didn't get beaten so soundly by the Cowboys... And apparently they had a lot of flu come through their mm. their squad as well that week. It would be a bit easier to stomach because you would go, well, they only got beaten by essentially a trial by the Roosters. Um, hopefully they can bounce back. I, I think they will bounce back. I just hope they sort this consistency out. I Put it this way. The Eels just need to get themselves in a position to play finals footy. That's really it. Yeah. Then they need, That's it. They just need to make the eight comfortably. And then everything else, they can just go for a run. Because I, I just can't see them playing consistently enough to be... 
you know, to go for a minor premiership or whatever. I just I can't see that happening. But if, I can see them going on a run. Before we move off this game, Roosters play Penrith this week at the SCG. What do you reckon? Penrith. Easily or the Roosters? Uh, not easily, but I think Penrith. Uh, they've scored so. 70 points in the last two weeks. 75 yeah. points in two weeks, the Chooks. Big test for them. It's a big test. I still think. I still think Penrith. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, on to Tigers-Cowboys. Um, this is going to sound absolutely insane, but Tigers fans, I still think <laughs> I like the way he's played. Yes, they ran away with it in the end, but I, I still – I've got a lot of hope for the Tigers. I really do. I know they've lost a few in a row, and I know I'm probably going to be in the minority, but I'm still happy with what I'm seeing at the Tigers. I, I genuinely am. I'm genuinely happy with what I'm seeing. They're without their fullback. They lost their 5-8. They lost their hooker. Yeah. It's a tough gig. I think the Tigers have been very unlucky. Um, there was a few times where if Laurie's playing, they score, in yeah. my opinion. Like, stuff at Tower, I think he needs... Um, you know, there was definitely at least two times where he defensively, he probably could have saved a try. Um, the Ruben Cotter one where he dummied to literally no one. <laughs> um, yeah, and cool. then the other one where Tuolangi um, offloaded back in. You know, Stafford Toa has to get a hand on him there. Like, because if if Hastings isn't inside him, you have to imagine, if Hastings isn't inside Toa, Toa there, that means Toa literally just ran past. He probably like, scores under the sticks. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. let's just imagine a world where Hastings isn't inside Toa. He literally would have just ran straight past Talangi and not touched him. And that's like... So I think, you know... In Toa's defence, he's a rookie, been thrown at fullback. Now, he did play a bit of fullback um, coming through, but I think he played for Australia at centre. So I'm pretty sure centre's more his position. So that in his defence, he hasn't played much fullback. Uh, definitely not at first grade. He hasn't played much first grade at all. But I do think the Tigers are definitely missing a specialist fullback at the moment. Yeah, well, I was about to say it's a concern for their depth that they're lacking. Dane Laurie goes down and they've got Toa there who's – Clearly a far better centre than his fullback. Um, but I've got Adam, Adam Dewey coming back as well. So yeah. when he's back in there, who's probably going to slot in at centre for them, uh, they'll also have the option, should Laurie go down in future, to slot him back to fullback, which mm. makes for a pretty potent spine, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Dewey coming back, I, I really think the Tigers are in a great spot. Just I an re- update on Dewey. Gavin Badger works at the Tigers, and he's tweeted that they're looking to have him back around 14. 14. So what right. about three weeks? Yeah. I mean, yeah, look, I, I put it this way. You, you take 12 points off that, all of a sudden it's 12, 24-12. Um, and then let's say one of those opportunities that Laurie would have scored, you know, it's 24-18 you know, 18 or whatever. Um, so although Devo Tigers fan, I know you'd be upset and I know that, you, you know, you want to get back in the winning circle. You are playing such better footy than you were a year ago. It is outrageous, so much so that... You know, Michael Maguire's job hasn't been spoken about in a few weeks. You know, so the boys are clearly responding. There's no unrest at the club, it seems like. Hastings has been a godsend. I thought he was fantastic yesterday. He did not stop trying. Um, you know, yeah, there was, I think it was like one or two passes where he maybe was trying a bit too much, but you'd rather him trying that shit than not trying it. Um, I think losing Luke Brooks only 41 minutes in the game is always going to hurt you. Tough loss, but I... I believe that this Tigers team, there's light at the end of the tunnel. They're starting to get depth. Um, and 
you know, I think in the next 12 to 24 months, they could challenge for the eight. I really do. No, I look at their right side at the moment, and that's the other one. Nofaluma is still out at the moment. When he comes back on that right edge, imagine them next year when they put Isaiah Papaliti on that right edge. <gasps> Appy Corsi out at nine. Oh, mate, like they're, they're going to be a proper footy side next year. 100%. Um, Junior Tapao looked fan, like yeah. looks slick as anything. Slick as anything. You know, at the moment, they've got Tyrone Peachy playing centre. He's not a centre. There's, uh, there's a lot to like, honestly. Look, look at all these factors. Like, uh, Junior Tupu, he was, he was on debut. Yeah. He was on debut. Junior Porger, I think, had played two or three games in the NRL last year. He came in off the bench and had to play 65 minutes. They said they lost Brooks, didn't play the whole second half. Jake Simpkin played 27 minutes. So then Peachy, who was deputising at centre, had to go and then play hooker. He hasn't played more than 60 minutes in a game this year and had to play 78 minutes with 50-odd of those at hooker. Yep. So, like, there's a lot of things that have gone against them in this game. And, like... <sighs> I feel sorry for him. Like, Stefano was still so underdone. Yeah. Not even funny. He was their best middle last year. They're still without their best back in Adam Dewey. They're without their probably second best back, Dane Laurie. So, so much upside in this side. They're definitely moving in the right direction. They're Absolutely. I, I honestly, I really like what I saw. Yeah. Like, I, I really did. They showed fight. They didn't, you know, they didn't cave in or anything. Uh, Alex Twell, once again, <laughs> 118 metres, 63 post contact, 39 tackles, zero misses. Fucking Ellie's. I fucking love him. <laughs> Honestly, fucking love him. Um, so, yeah, look, if I'm being negative, Luciano Leilua, I probably want to see a little bit more out of him. Um, but in saying that, when you look at all of their forwards, they were really quite low on the, the average metres run. I don't think Luch is 100% either. You reckon he's injured? Just, uh, I reckon he's playing through an injury still. Yeah, okay, well, he missed enough. two weeks for that hammy. So yeah, I, yeah, he okay. didn't look 100% to me. Yeah, fair, fair. Because usually he's really good. Like yeah. He's the guy that, that does turn up every single and week. And normally Jacko really leans on him. Yeah. So he, he wasn't on good. the weekend, yeah. Yeah. So, look, Tigers fans, I would not be too down at all about this um, – this performance, you ran into a top three side, the Cowboys, red hot, and, you know, a lot of their tries. So, basically, they scored a try in the 77th minute, the 57th minute. So, up until the 57th minute, you, what you're looking at, literally 24-12 or something along those lines, um, you know, yeah, yes, like, obviously, you don't want to get beaten by that much. No one's saying that at all. But with everything that went against them, I don't think it was that bad of a performance. I really don't. Um, I think they go to Leichhardt next week, so that'll yep. be a big occasion for them. Hopefully, Brooksy's. I haven't heard how he's travelling, but it looked like a hamstring, so hopefully he's okay for next week. Well, the, the, the crazy thing is, is though, the, the Tigers, they got Jock Madden. Like, mm. they have a bit of depth in the halves. Jock Madden was, you know, he's been pretty good when he's come on. Yep. He was great in the trials. Have you got there? Just going to say for next week, it's Alex Twole's 100th game, and it's a Leichhardt, so oh, could fuck. the stars be aligning? Against Mate. Canterbury. Against, against Canterbury. Canterbury. See, I, I can see the Tigers getting a solid win here. A solid win. Mate, well, they, they play Canterbury this week. They, they play you guys the week after, the Bunnies, who they've got... Or they, they always show up against the Bunnies into a bye. Then they'll take on the Manly Seagulls after that, who could be without Turbo and all them post-Origins, so... It'll be an alright month for them. Hopefully, yeah. Um, so, chin up, Tigers fans, because there's a lot to like. A lot to like, especially when all the boys get back. Now, on to them bloody Cowboys. <laughs> Mate... What's going on up there? Tell me what's guru. Tell me what the fuck is going on up yeah, there. Yeah, very impressive. I mean, to the point where they were, Todd Pate was just fucking around with the interchanges at the back end of the game. Well, did Drinkwater come off? He took Drinky off. He put a hammer on at fullback. Then he, six minutes later, decided, oh, I'll give 
Um, who was it? Hiku or Spell. So then he moved Hammer to right <laughs> centre and Drinky back to fullback. Yeah, because I was like, mate, the game hasn't been won yet. They were only up by 12. Mate, he used he almost half of his interchanges yeah. in those five minutes. Yeah. And I was like, why are you taking Drinkwater off? And then Drinkwater comes back on and they fucking explode open yeah, and yeah. score a bunch of points. Yeah, he's been very open in a lot of his like press conferences during the week saying that, and it's something that I hadn't really noticed. I don't know if you have, but every week when he names his one to, what is it, 24, 25, he names a different 19 to 24 just about every week yeah. so that they can go back and play reserve grade mm. and get some fo- footy under his belt. So um, I, I think that's his sort of thinking that he doesn't want Hammer sitting on the bench not playing rugby footy. league for okay. an extended period. Like they, they play the Melbourne Storm next week. I'll be shocked if you see that sort of shit going on in that game. Yeah, yeah. But it does show a lot of confidence because that game was not it's in the balance. home and hosed. Yeah. Well, the uh. other thing he did, and it shows the confidence he had in them to get the job done in it, Jason Tamalolo played 31 minutes, yeah. which initially I was sitting there spewing about going, what's this lunatic doing now? But he just now an eye to Melbourne next week, didn't he? He yeah. wants him playing big minutes in that game. That's a great point. And he's got 30 minutes under his belt this week. He'll be sweet and good to go. It's Yeah, it's crazy good confidence. Like that, I mean, when you're playing, it's only like literally the top two sides that usually have that confidence. Like tell me, or maybe the Roosters to a degree. But outside of that, no other yeah, team. Even for those teams, this yeah. is brash. It's like, brash as anything, taking drink water out. He's literally <laughs> your points. Like, he gets you your points. Um, th- yeah, look, the Cowboys, there's something to celebrate up there. There really is. Now, yes, I, you, we want to – I think this next week truly is the – it's not the you know the be-all and end-all, but if they go up down to – is it – no, no, Storm are going up there, aren't they? Yeah. If they can have a comp- competitive game against the Storm – I think we lock in that they're a top four side this year or, you know, could be a top four side. I think we're still all in the, the phase of, like, looking around and going, Cowboys are sitting <laughs> feels third. like it's a trap you've been luring yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. Like it's really in nice in here. Yeah, but they are clinical. Like, they are clinically putting teams away. And I think if they put up a good fight against the, Cow- uh, the Storm and they get within anywhere from 12 to 16 points of them, I think we can safely say that this is officially a top eight side, no doubt, and... A good year is if they finish in the top eight year, top eight. A great year is if they finish top four. And it's actually a reality that they could finish top four. Because I'd, I truly believe, like, as, as we speak right now, when it comes to a consistent year of footy, it's like, obviously, Penrith Storm, Cowboys, and then a bit of a gap between them and Roosters right now. Now, once they play each other, we'll have a better idea. But when I'm talking about consistency, there, there really is a bit of a gap between the top three and the rest of the comp consistent playing of right. footy. In saying that, if in the preseason, if if I would have said to you, oh, Cowboys, it'll be a good year if they make the top eight, you would have laughed at me. Yeah, 100%. You would have said that's an incredible year. Yeah. yeah. Like, if I would have said, oh, it'd be a great year if they make the top four, you would have gone, it's a modern day miracle. Yeah, you would. Yeah, four. absolutely. You're absolutely like right. That, but but that's, that's how we should be treating them, though, because they have shown us so far that they are one of these sides. What about this Nanai scoring another trial for kick? I, I, I don't think there's ever been a... Another forward that has done it as I, I know it's a short sample size. I get it. Maybe kick out for a period there, but still. But he he he's a lot of it. Like he'll he'll be the tap down guy. Nanai is just he's a freak. Wherever that ball is, he finds a way to be there, and he comes up with catches that he shouldn't be shouldn't be pulling off. It's incredible, mate. And like, what's what's even more impressive is when you actually look at this Cowboys uh, forward pack, and this is absolutely no disrespect to any of them. Um, you know, McLean, he's playing career, not career best footy, but 
easily the best since he arrived at Cowboys. But you look at these other forwards, like these aren't household names outside of um, Tamalolo. Like Gilbert's a fucking battler. Cotter, Cotter's a battler. Nanai's a rookie. Reese Robson's a battler. Like this is not a forward pack filled with fucking monsters that are on six to 700K at any other club. This is a, you know, Griffin uh, Neem. Lukey's a rookie. Like this is a battler forward pack that is completely dominating sides. It is... So impressive, and they should be so proud of themselves, the Cowboys, for what they've achieved this year because I think there's no doubt they make the eight. Unless something absolutely terrible happens, there's no doubt. And I think Chadwick Townsend deserves <laughs> a massive, massive rap. He is the Chad. He's a giga Chad. Uh, that hairline won't quit. It's the squarest hairline in the history of mankind. Um, <laughs> mate, again, very similar to the Reynolds mold. Like, I think, obviously, Reynolds... Uh, you know, like, I think Reynolds was more appreciated than Townsend was, but I think it's been such good, it's done such a, a good job for his legacy Townsend because it shows you the quality that he is. There's a reason he won a fucking premiership. It wasn't just because Jimmy Maloney was in the side and they had a gun side or whatever. This is a top, top tier seven that has managed to take a club that a lot of people thought was spoon, spoon to third. He deserves massive raps. And I think just like Reynolds, his um, legacy is going to be much better for it. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same with the Cowboys every week. You get to the end of their game, you go and look at the stats, and, you know, yes, there might be weeks where Drinky has two tri-assists or uh, didn't or, didn't or, t- or Chad do, but, mate, I, 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 like, they're just their run meters and their tackles and everything. It's just split evenly across the It reminds team. me of the Storm. Yeah. The Storm were just, very similar like that. But there's even less superstars. Yeah. They just all do a job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, even a guy like Val, like he's killing it. But like, I don't think there's a hope in hell that if you would have said to Val three years ago, hey, you're going to be a centre for the Cowboys, yeah. he would have been happy with that. But he's just playing his role. He's nailing it. Um, you know, same as Peter Hicku. We, we spoke about it before. What about that play where Hicku came from right centre? So good. Shifted into fullback and just went us, us, bang. And yeah. like Held it up perfectly too. So yeah. well. Like the timing of that was a ball player's timing, not a centre's timing. Yeah. What do you think? That was one of my <clears throat> moments of the weekend, just in terms of effort areas and summing up how much these blokes are playing for each other. Because Scotty Drinkwater got tackled with the ball. It may have even been on fifth tackle. And Hiku has just seen it and gone, oh shit, we're short of fullback for this play. And just sprinted to the other side of the field and set up the try. Turned to three on three, onto a three on two. It was... The effort in that is immense. Yeah, absolutely. And and not only the effort, but the confidence, the will to put yourself uh, in a risky position where if you stuff up, it's like, bro, what the fuck are you what doing? Are you doing? So, yeah, yeah, what are you doing? Uh, and it's it's a team play. It's it's willing to put yourself like on the line for an embarrassment or whatever mm. to do something for your teammates. He, he identified Drinkwater as down. He didn't just go, oh, well, I'm not that side of centre, so I'm just going to sit here. He went, no, no, I'm going to do something for the team here. And he did it. It was sure. absolutely amazing. Um, has Cotter locked himself into Queensland <sighs> debut? Locked himself in my time. Uh, you, Timmy? Yeah, look, I'd have to go through my, my 1 to 17 yeah. or my 8 to 17, more importantly, to, to really work out the, the key battles, which I'm sure yeah, we'll do over the next couple of weeks. But, mate... He's exceptional. Like the minutes he's playing and just the quality he's dishing out over those 70, 75 minutes as a middle forward is unreal. Yeah. What do you reckon, Matty? Absolutely. Queensland are actually, they're shaving up. Yeah. I spoke about it earlier this year, year, probably three or four weeks ago with Smithy. 
And I was like, we are in such a different world than we were 12 months ago. 12 months ago, we were scraping together a side. Some guys were struggling even to make their NRL sides. This year, with our forward pack, we've got guys like Paddy Carrigan, Jensen, I'm pretty sure, is a Queenslander. Like Flegler. Sorry? Tommy Flegler. Flegler. You've got uh, Fotowaker. Also as well, Tino. like the last few years, Brisbane, Titans and Cowboys have been pretty shit. Mm. But now, Cowboys are coming third yeah. and Broncos in a couple of weeks win top Thanks, four. Thanks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about the end of game three last year, though, like Hammer, he made his Queensland debut and we went, okay, they've solved a problem there. Hammer will always be there. He's not in the conversation. Yeah, he, he probably won't make the side this year. He won't make the, the yeah, side. Because you've got Gagai, you've got Holmes, and you've got Coates and Oates on the wing. Talangis also could be there. Felt could be there on the wing. You've got Corey Thompson that could play. Um, Selwyn play? Selwyn, oh. I love the, the narrative, and we all love narratives on this show, that's for sure. <laughs> but is it is it too much too soon? Yeah, I mean, look, I understand the argument. If you're good enough, if you're old enough, you're good enough, and old enough, blah, blah, blah. I understand that. But it's like if you've already got Corey Oates and Coates there, but I mean, someone he's got that magic, doesn't he? He's he. Yeah, does, I, 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 can, I wouldn't pick him yet, nah. but you. But you can imagine him in that Queen. You can picture it. You know what yeah. I mean? You can picture someone in the Queensland jersey doing something crazy. But I would because we have such big boys and good strong wingers at the moment. I would say, look, just hold off a year, maybe bring him into camp, get him comfortable with the boys, and then we bring him in the next year. I think like, if you were going to pick him, what does help is that you're picking him around other outside backs that are experienced and informed now, whereas if yeah. you would have picked him last year, yeah. it would have just been a shit I just fight. think it's, it's, I think a bit tough gig leaving uh, Corey Oates out. Yep. I think he's been outstanding this year. He's been in the Origin Arena. Not only has he been in the Origin Arena, he's played well in the Origin Arena. And I think Coates has been outstanding for the Storm. A little bit quiet on the weekend, you know, admittedly. But just those two big bodies, I just think they offer so much for the Queensland Do we side. think Xavier Coates is an automatic? Not automatic, no. not automatic, no. but I do think he's played well enough okay. to get that spot this year. And I just think that there's almost a trust in the Storm system. Like you can almost go, if he's, if he's gotten through the Storm system and he's playing good footy, he'll deliver on Origin. So, I mean, the Storm system have a lot to do with the dominance of that eight-year period. Uh, what do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be throwing Selwyn in just yet. I just think it's... It's very soon. And, you know, last year when you were looking at outside backs and you were scarce and going, we'll take anyone we can get that's available. This year, you've got options there and you don't need to panic and throw in a bloke who's played 10 first grade games. Like, just give him time to mature. You throw him in the Origin Cauldron, Oof. that is a daunting task, yeah. especially against this blue side. Like, you know, pending fitness, even say game two, your Tommy Turbos and your Latrells and Teddy's in that back line. Just just let the bloke mature as a footballer in his first full season. Mm. Um, you know, maybe if you get to game three and you're up 2-0 or more likely down 2-0, maybe you can throw him in for a game. But, yeah. um, mate, yeah. you, you, um, you don't need to yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just saying that because I'm scared of <laughs> No, 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 I, I, I agree. Wait. I agree. We, we, we've got guns there that can score points. Bring him in a little bit later when he's, he's a bit more confident. Um, another thing to, to point out is 25 minutes to go, North Queensland had a 92% completion rate. That's tough to beat. Mm. And that's why I think the Tigers, like, yeah, it wasn't the best score in the end, but you have to appreciate what these guys went up against and they hung in there all the way to the death. Mm. Um, you know, back to the back to the uh, the North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, mate, like, I think they're the real deal. I really do. I really Looking do. Looking forward to this chat next week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I also think, like, their salary cap wouldn't be smashed right now, I don't think. I think it, we haven't heard any reports that they're squeezed of blokes or whatever or had to pay overs. Um, 
they're looking fucking great. They're looking like such a perfect position to build even further. Um, Scotty Drinkwater looks like he's loving it there. I, th- I think Scotty Drinkwater loves the lifestyle up there too. Like he's he's a uh, Central Coast boy and he loves the slower nature of like a Townsville where it's chill and mm. not as fast paced as say a Brisbane. Uh, random, but because it's Cowboys, it's kind of relevant. Asafa Solomon are out this week. They've just released. Okay. Wow. Storm are fucking going through it a little bit at the moment. Mm. Jesus. He's so – like, they don't really have a, another player that can bend the line like Nelson. We spoke about this at the start of the year. Like, for the Storm to come close to winning a premiership, he needs to be top tier, like, playing his best footy. Uh, mate, I, I can't wait for the clash, though. Cannot wait for the clash. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. You got something there? Oh, I was just going to say, I, like, Roosters play Penrith, Cowboys play Melbourne. That's the top four teams. Yeah, fuck, what a weekend. It's like a prelim weekend, yeah. So fucking good. So good. Can't wait. What days do they play each other? I think they might be back-to-back on Saturday. Surely not. Don't tell me that, Guru. I'm going to lock myself in my room they and watch are, it. They are, 5.30. Oh, yeah, they they? are. Yeah, uh, Cowboys Storm, 5.30. Penrith Roosters, 7.30. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm going to message the missus now and say, oi, between 5.30 and fucking 10, I don't exist. Fuck, shouldn't have started. <laughs> You're single. <laughs> You're single for those two hours. You can do whatever you want. Just come home, baby. Come home. Um, mate, make sure to follow the Guru, Rugby League Guru, on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to any good uh, podcasting apps, Rugby League Guru, and SC Playbook 1 on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on any good podcasting app. Also, don't forget, keep your uh, keep your diaries clear for 6 p.m. Monday, uh, the, the week of origin. Plus, we will be having... Bloke Live, the first ever Bloke Origin show. Game one at the Locker Room Hotel outside ANZ slash now known as Accor Stadium. Uh, and we are now in every single celebrations bottle of Porter's Liquor and IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. So make sure to get into one of those stores. We are currently at a discounted price. Uh, and I think that's it, guys. I think that's it for the week. As usual, we'll all go and fuck ourselves. Thank you.